Introduction, though. I was going to say it feels like the first time, and it'll probably feel like the first time for former user Jacep when he ends up in prison. And you can fill in the blanks right there. But I had my own volume turned down. Now, hopefully, the first and only technical fail we will have on the show. And someone's saying we have a wicked low volume, and I'm super soft. That's not good. Let, let's see if we can improve the situation here. As, um, it's really weird. Oh, there we go. There we go. I think I'm loud. I 
think you guys can hear me loud and clear now. All right. Sorry for that uh, little sound issue at the beginning. Very special show tonight. In all the history of Poker Fraud Alert Radio, other than the prank calls we've had, or shall I say the prank calls we've made, we've had some too, but uh, the ones we've made, other than those, we've never had a guest on the show that was hostile. We've never had someone come on here as a scheduled guest who we're going to argue with. I can already tell you right off the bat, the scheduled guest tonight is someone that I've criticized many times in the past, somebody who I have argued with in the past, and somebody who is not going to be very happy with the things I have to say. And uh, I probably won't be happy with some of the things he says to me. And we will not agree. By the end of the debate, I promise that neither of us will have convinced one another that the other is right. So I'm not looking to convince the person I'm going to debate with tonight that I'm correct and he's wrong. That's never going to happen, just as he will not convince me that I'm wrong. However, it should be a very interesting debate tonight. I'm talking about Rich Muni, also known as the engineer, who's the vice president of the Poker Players Alliance. Uh, for those of you not familiar, I'm sure most of you probably are, but the Poker Players Alliance is uh, kind of poker's lobbying group. Uh, they've been making attempts ever since 2006 when Netteller was uh, busted, and when, uh, well, actually, Netteller was busted in early 07, but uh, that laid the framework for Netteller being busted. It was when the UIGEA was passed, and um, that expressly made financial transactions related to online poker in the U.S. illegal. It didn't make online poker specifically illegal, but it made any financial transactions related to online poker illegal, which effectively made online poker illegal. And that's been the basis for all the busts that have happened to payment processors, to uh, poker stars, to Full Tilt, to UB. All those busts that happened on Black Friday and before and afterwards are all based upon that UIGEA of 2006. That uh, And since then, the PPA has formed and attempted to fight for our rights to play poker legally in the U.S. So how could I have a problem with that? That sounds like a very noble goal on that part on their part and a, a goal that I think all of us can get behind. I think all of us want to see that happen. We want to see regulated and legalized online poker in the United States. So how could I possibly have an issue with a group that has that as a goal? Well, I don't have a problem with what they're trying to get done. I have a problem with the ways they're going about doing it. I have a lot of problems with a lot of things they have done and a lot of things they have not done. So I'm going to talk to the engineer who's been very, very visible and active in the PPA. Uh, Again, his name is Rich Muni. Uh, He's on 2 Plus 2 all the time, interacting with people back and forth regarding the PPA. In fact, many times fighting with people back and forth regarding the PPA, and I'm going to talk to him about that as well. So I was very surprised when he actually emailed me and said he was willing to come on the show. I did not approach him, but a user approached him on my behalf and said, hey, you should go on Poker Fraud Alert sometime and debate with Dan Druff because he, he's very anti-PPA. He thinks you guys mess up all over the place, and I want to hear what you're going to have to say to him in a debate. And I thought that he wasn't going to want to come on. because Who wants to come on a radio show for a hostile interview? But surprisingly, and to his credit, Rich Muni agreed to come on the show. So we're going to have him on tonight. We're going to have him on very soon because he lives on the East Coast. So it's already 
well after 10 o'clock where he is. And I don't know if he has a regular job or not, but whatever, he doesn't stay up all night. So uh, this will be something we get to right away, which is just as well, because I think it's tonight's most important and most unique segment. We're not going to have many guests on here in kind of a hostile fashion. Now, when I say a hostile fashion, I want to make it clear that I'm going to treat Rich with respect. I'm not going to call him names. I'm not going to put him down. There's not going to be insults flying back and forth, and he's going to treat me the same way. We've already agreed to that. Uh, because we don't really have a personal problem with one another. I don't think he's a bad guy, and I hope he doesn't think I'm a bad guy. I just don't like the way the PPA is being run. I don't like the way he has talked to people on 2 Plus 2 in regards to criticism of the PPA. And yes, there's a lot we disagree on, but I, I don't think he's someone who is worthy of hatred. I don't, I don't think he's someone who's worthy of disdain, like, like Howard Lederer or uh, Russ Hamilton, you know, people who directly stole from us. Those are people who, if I had them on here, um, I don't know how I would talk to them, but I have to say that I don't respect those people because those are criminals who stole from us. The engineer, Rich Muni, has not stolen from anyone. He hasn't committed any crimes, to my knowledge. And, uh, you know, I, I believe he's trying for the same thing that I would like to see, and that is legalize online poker in the U.S. We just have very, very different ways of going about it and uh, of, of their very different opinions about the PPA's effectiveness and the direction that they were going and are going. I also have a few user questions that I'm going to be asking him as well that uh, were posted up in our Flying Stupidity Forum on PokerFraudAlert.com. If this is your first time listening to the show, uh, this is typically kind of a, a mixture of a poker information show and an entertainment show with a lot of opinion thrown in, usually the opinion being given by me. Um, it, it's not one of these dry interview type shows. It's, it's something that, uh, it's either me ranting about something or us doing some kind of joke or entertaining segment, something like that. Um, my co-host, who's usually with me, at least uh, prior to 2013, Brandon Drexel Gerson will not be here tonight. I did meet with him in person this week. And uh, he told me that he will probably be... I shouldn't say that. He told me he might be returning next week or the week after, that he has not left the show, but he is on hiatus for the moment as he deals with the continuing saga of Jacep, John Sepulveda, the scammer who stole from many in our community, including money that was supposed to go to a charity. We've talked about that for the last few weeks, and I'll give a little bit of an update on that later in the show. But uh, that won't dominate this show. So um, we will get him on the show soon. I, I told him to add me on Skype, and um, I haven't seen him add me on Skype. So, Rich, if you're listening to this, add me on Skype. I gave you the Skype name already. I believe you can also search me out as Todd Wittellis. And otherwise, I'll, I'll have to find a way to contact you, because I, that was the one thing I thought would be in place before the show started, and somehow it's not. But uh, hopefully we'll have him on very soon. And uh, if if not, if he doesn't appear very soon, someone tweet at him and tell him to add me on Skype. <laughs> I'll check my email in the meantime as well. I hate to produce the show during the show, but that's how this show goes. This this isn't the most professional show. In fact, we sometimes have technical fail. Uh, two weeks ago, the show crashed 12 times, a record 12 times. And I hope this doesn't happen during the Rich Muni interview because uh, it's something I, I really would like to see take place without the interruption of technical failure, but uh, 
We'll just keep our fingers crossed on that. Uh, this is what he said. Uh, um, I added you on Skype. You should see when you log in. Let me know if there's an issue there. He wrote this at 4.30. Hmm. I don't see him. Don't see him. Skype is uh, just not very reliable these days, is it? Well, I, I'm going to have to try to find him. And uh, I guess I should have checked my email before the show. <laughs> but um, I don't think I'll be taking calls during the Rich Muni interview. I might. I shouldn't say I don't think I will. If I do, it'll be at the very end. And I do want to announce something in the meantime. We have a free roll tonight. A free roll for $60. This is real money. This is not online poker site money that you may never cash out. This is real money. I'll send it to you on PayPal. $60. $25 for first place, going all the way down to 5 for fifth place. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Click on it near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. It starts at 7.40 p.m. Pacific Time. 17 minutes from now, no late registration. You need to have had a registered account on PokerFraudAlert.com by May 21st, 2012, if you want to qualify for the free money. If you did not have a a registered account by May 21st, 2012, then email me, dandruff at PokerFraudAlert.com. Exactly as it sounds, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. And I will consider you to qualify for this and other free rolls. But you have to convince me that you have been listening for at least a few weeks. And tell me some things that will convince me that you have been listening or lurking on the forum for quite some time. If you just showed up here today for the free roll money, you're not going to get it. So that's starting. It is PLO tonight. Pot Limit Omaha, not No Limit Hold'em. So be aware of that before you spend your hard-earned zero dollars to enter this free roll. Anyway, I'm going to go over the other uh, things on our agenda tonight before we uh, hopefully get started with Rich Muni. Um, I'll just list what we're going to talk about. We will get to Rich Muni first unless there's some problem with uh, reaching him. And I hope there isn't. I know he retweeted that we're having our debate tonight, so I really hope that uh, we don't have a problem reaching each other on Skype. I'll be happy to take a phone call from him or call him, but uh, I know he's ready for this. Besides Rich Muni and the debate we're going to have, the World Series of Poker schedule has been announced. I'm going to comment on that, and especially on the ladies' event. They attempted to fix it so men cannot enter this year. For the last few years, men have been entering the ladies' event as kind of a gag, and uh, it's been really, really angering Jack Effel, who is the tournament director of the World Series of Poker. So uh, they are now trying to prevent this, and they can't prevent it by law. They can't just say men can't register. That's actually not allowed by law. That's gender discrimination. So they found what they think is a way to stop it. And I will tell you about that, and I'll tell you my opinion of what the World Series is doing. I will give an update on the John Jacep Sepulveda scam that has been going on here, and the fallout and the investigation that is occurring. Travis McCarr, back in the news once again, Releases more, this time releases some weird text messages that he had with Brad Booth in June of 2012. I'll read them, they're kind of interesting. I'll give you my take on those as well. Partouche Poker. They always need to be in some kind of trouble. They always need to be doing something stupid. Well, this wasn't Partouche Poker itself, but uh, PartouchePoker.fr, their online poker site... Apparently some of their employees have been giving away some freebies that they shouldn't be to 
relatives and friends. We'll talk a little bit about that. We had a death in the poker community, even though this person is not known foremost as a poker player. We're talking about Jerry Buss. At the age of 80, passed away just a few days ago. Uh, He had cancer, and uh, he's best known as the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. But he was also an avid poker player, and in fact, in recent years, got to enjoy playing poker more than the Lakers. He actually liked poker a lot more than the Lakers in the final few years of his life. So I'll give you some thoughts I have with Jerry Buss. And I'll tell you about some experiences I had playing with him. Maybe Ken Scaler will call in. I don't know. Can't take his call if it's during the Rich Muni segment, but any other time I'll stop the show and take a Ken Scaler call. And finally, I'd like to talk about Barry Greenstein's accusation that he was cheated on the Open Face Chinese Poker app. There's a new form of Chinese poker called Open Face Chinese Poker. It's an interesting game. Some people really like it. It's now going more and more in the high-limit live sections of poker rooms everywhere. But there's an app called Open Face Chinese Poker, and Barry Greenstein played on that app and claims that someone cheated him. He won't say who it was, but he claims he got cheated and claims that his nephew helped prove it was possible. We'll talk about that and talk about whether Barry actually has something reasonable, whether he has a reasonable claim. Okay, Rich Muni just uh, added me as a contact, just added him, so we're going to call Rich Muni and get this going. Just before we call Rich, I just want to let everybody know, once again, 12 minutes until our $60 free roll. You have to get registered before it starts at 740 or you don't get in. Let's give Rich Mini a call, and we'll get going with this. should be very interesting. I've been looking forward to this all day. There, there we go. Hey, Chuck. Rich Muni, hello. So uh, one thing I'd like to ask, uh, if you have the radio on to close the window that's playing the live radio broadcast. Yep, it's closed. Okay, very good. So welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Uh, well, I, thank I'd you. Like, thank like you for to, having me. Yeah, I'd like to uh, say that... I was pleasantly surprised that you were willing to come on to the show. A lot of people would not want to come on for uh, a debate, someone who's not going to you know, throw softballs at them, but someone who's going to come as hard as he can with the tough questions. And uh, yeah, It surprises me. I was on uh, uh, Quad Jacks right after Black Friday hit and shared you know, what PPA is doing and what's going on in the poker community. I've certainly never you know, shied away from you know, anyone who has some questions, I've done some uh, written interviews with some people who have questions as well, you know, working with the entire poker community. So, uh, yeah, yeah, why not? I'm absolutely happy to join you this evening and have a good, frank discussion on everything that's going on. Yeah, that's good. And, I, you know, I hope this discussion gets out. I hope when people hear both sides of, of what you have to say about the PPA, of uh, my criticism of the PPA, and they, they hear, you know, both of our takes on the situation, then, you know, all the listeners can make, their educated decision uh, about what what they really think here, and and maybe even when the whole thing's over, each of us can uh, look at things a little bit differently, perhaps. So, uh, um, I, I've been following the PPA ever since mm-hmm. it uh, it got going. I, I don't know the exact date, but I know it was shortly after the UIGEA. Is is that when it started? Um, it it, it started formation right before, but hit stride um, in the aftermath of UGA. Okay, so. Um, 
So it's now been uh, about six and a half years since the UIGEA, which is quite a lot of time. And I, I know one thing you've said to a lot of people on, and I just want to mention this before we even get going. One thing you've said to a lot of people on 2 Plus 2 and elsewhere is that a lot of the critics have an unfair expectation. They just expect the PPA to come in there and uh, miraculously change all the laws in this country and make online poker legal and, and we'd all just boot up and play in the Bellagio online poker room and everything's great. And I, and I realize that uh, the government moves very slowly. It's very difficult to change things. You can't just wave a magic wand and make this stuff happen. And I've never been one of the people to have those sorts of expectations of the PPA. I understand uh, that this is an uphill battle uh, no matter what tactic you use. And uh, so I, I just want to let you know before we start that I, I'm not of the opinion that the PPA uh, um, has an easy fight on their hands, or okay. or, ha- or has some, don't. Or, or that uh, um, any that failing to get online poker legalized by this point equals failure for the PPA. I, I don't say that. Other people mm-hmm. say that, but I don't agree with that. And, and I actually sure. agree with your statement that uh, you know you can't just expect miracles. Um, but but I, I do have a number of issues. Uh, some I've aired before you've seen. Some you, you may not have seen. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring them all up tonight. You you can answer them all. Um, do, do you mind if we start uh, kind of uh, a few years back and, and move forward uh, re- regarding you know, older issues of the PPA, which I think still very much affect today, and, and mm-hmm. then moving forward to uh, the issues we have on the table today. Is that uh, fine with you? Um, well, it's your show. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm game. Just, okay, good, uh, good. Share your questions. Okay, so... Uh, too, it is a debate, not just one way, but, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to, uh, looking forward to a very frank and candid discussion. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's go. Okay, so, so the first, I just have a few questions here. Um, how many members was the PPA at before Black Friday? Uh, just over a million. Just, oh, that's, a, okay, that's even more than I thought. Wow. Well, um mm-hmm. I actually didn't know the answer to that. That wasn't a loaded question. Uh, the hmm. how many how many of them were paying members who actually are like actively paying dues? Yeah, you know, to be honest, the, the the way it's always been is it's always been you know majority free members. Some pay, which we had more. Uh, we've been pretty you know very upfront about you know where it is in the community. We're very grateful when people came on, um, you know, and supported you know the community's fight, uh, you know, by coming on. But uh, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly the vast majority are free members. Okay, and so uh, and I mentioned that for a reason. I know I hear some people seem to think I have you know I get I get a thirty million dollar kitty each year, and uh, you know we just have bags and bags of cash, and it's actually a very lean organization. We have uh, committed people who uh, you know believe in the cause, and we have a, a very lean and focused fight based on the resources that we have at hand. I was very amused in the forum. I saw somebody wanted you to ask if we fly private jets around. Um, I, I couldn't help but laugh because I might have paid my own airfare to go to some of these things in the past when I was an unpaid volunteer, even, even was on the board of directors. Um, but uh, no, we don't have any kind of large jets like that. Don't have um, multi-million dollar bank accounts coming our way. We have what we do have, is a, a good volunteer base and good committed people who uh, demand the right to play. Okay. Uh, before we continue, I'm just hearing this. Uh, it'd probably be uh, for the listener a little bit uh, difficult to focus. I'm I'm hearing when you're speaking, kind of like a, a scratching sound, like maybe the microphone's rubbing against your face. Can, can you? Uh, is there any way you can figure out what that is? Let me let me try. I mean, just one moment. So, 
He's fixing his microphone, hopefully, and we'll move on. I'm just, I, I've always been obsessed with like good sound and all that. That's just uh, so. Okay, let's see if that uh, helps out at all. Yeah, so far I don't hear it, so that's good. All right, so uh, it's the same setup I use for my webcast. So uh, nothing but the best for you, Todd. So apologies okay. if uh, a little 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 chirping there. That's, fine. Arrow that's fine. We we have plenty of technical issues on this show all the time. So. Uh, you uh, Skypes, you've got all the same ones I do. <laughs> yeah, no, probably more actually. But uh, um, we, so so uh, actually a, a related question: uh, Do you actually get paid? I, I don't know the answer to this either. Do you get paid, or uh, are, is this strictly volunteer? I get paid now in my new role. At, well, not new; it's over a year old now. As the uh, PPA vice president of player relations, I uh, just for a little background for your listeners, I came on board in the aftermath of UGA. Um, went through the volunteer ranks, um, you know, especially on two plus two, got people behind us, uh, joined the board of directors. And from that point, I was an unpaid volunteer all the way up until a couple of months after Black Friday. We had a need for someone to put a little more uh, for me to con- contribute more time than I had been. I had been doing about 2000 a year, which is a full time job. But uh, the, the needs of the organization exceeded that. So I went ahead and was happy to accept the role. I mean, now it is a compensated role. And since I know everybody's curious about finances from the uh, discussion on the on the chat box, I do share that uh, I do make less now than I made as an engineer and certainly make less than I made as an online professional poker player. But I can't complain because some people say they would do their job for free, and I can prove because I did my job for free for five years. So I'm one of the fortunate people. I have no complaints, but again, we're not talking about any kind of uh, any kind of largesse uh, by any means. But just so everyone knows, I I am compensated in my role. So, so is this a secret? How much you get paid there? Do you not uh, make this public? I mean, I kind of consider it a little. I mean, we we file all the all the paperwork we, you know we need to. Um, in, in terms of the salary, I, I make less than a hundred thousand, but I don't, um, and that's everything. Cause I just get a lump sum. I pay my own social security out of it. I don't get, um, uh, insurance or anything like that. I kind of get a, uh, I get a lump sum as a, as a contractor would. It's, uh, definitely nothing to, it's nothing to hide and nor would it be anything to brag about. Um, okay, and, but, and, uh, and, uh it is, it's, it's roughly, um, it's, it's roughly, uh, it's a little more than half of the compensation and I don't get paid vacations either, but uh time like that or anything like that. Um, a little more than half of what I made as an engineer. So I, I throw that out that it was a significant pay cut, but it's uh, worth it to stand up for what we're doing. So, so you've, you've quit your regular job. This is your only job right now. This, this is my, this is my full-time effort. Yes. Okay. I was an engineer for 10 years at GE really enjoyed it. I was in aerospace a little bit before that as well. Did a uh, jet engine design mm-hmm. and, Eugenia came, and I was, you know, what I really enjoyed was I was minding my own business, playing poker in my own home, not bothering anyone. All of a sudden, you know, these opponents have been coming up year after year after year trying to stop it, and finally they got it through. Uh, they had gotten, you know, one house or the other for a number of years, but they finally got it passed into law in 2006. All of a sudden, you know, the sites I was playing, and, and we were all vilified as if this is harming society. Um, it, it, I thought it was wrong. I thought it was um, wrong for someone to try to invade my home. I thought it was wrong for uh, the conservative wing of the GOP that, that claims fidelity to limited government values suddenly being big proponents of the biggest government you could have, what we do inside our home. So I, um, 
And at the time, I was making more playing poker than I was making as an engineer. So I, I found that to be very financially liberating, not to have to be a wage slave. And again, I, by the own sweat of my brow, I did all the studying, all the playing, all the studying of my hand histories, you know, you know studying you know, my opponents, really understanding the game. Did my part, have someone come in and say, oh, it's just games of chance, and there's no, not even any skill involved, and they stopped us from playing. So from there, you, you know, we... Uh, um, Came in, rallied the troops. I was working full time, um, but but then uh, you know wanted wanted to focus on this plus playing, and that's where we went on that. And now I have the opportunity now to help us lead this fight and you know make this change. Okay, so um, and and one other question related, to, or actually two questions related to this. Uh, first, how many others are compensated within uh, the PPA right now? We have uh, five paid employees. That doesn't count me because um, I, I already explained. You know, I'm not really the payroll payroll where I, you know, because I'll get insurance and that type of compensation. Um, I get paid. My other uh, fellow board member Patrick Fleming. He uh, he kind of joined with me. We came up through the volunteer ranks. He did everything um, as an unpaid volunteer as well. We do give him some retainer because he's a lawyer, and if we have him do actual research separate and distinct from the board function. Um, give him something, um, nothing huge. Um, but all the board stuff he does is on a pure volunteer basis as well. And then outside of that, we, uh, when we have lobbyists, those are strictly on contract. Uh, like to outsource them because you certainly don't want someone to come on and think they can milk a career out of doing things slow. That way, you know, we demand results. And I know some of the listeners think a result means you pass a bill in six months. I'm glad you mentioned you don't think that's you know, that that would be success versus failure. Um, for for us, I mean, you know, when when this law passed, the House passed it by 317 to 93 to pass a ban on online poker. It was, it was a freestanding bill. It was watered down in the Senate before it became part of the Safe Ports Act, and then it was just an enforcement bill, which is why we could still play for a few years until Black Friday hit us. Um, but we have that type of opposition, and then the GOP putting a plank in the party platform endorsing a ban and the entire GOP leadership in the Senate, you know, rallying around the idea that um, this is something that should happen. It's obvious that they see um, in their minds that they'll be rewarded at the ballot box for stopping what they think is considered the scourge of online gambling. Yeah, you know what, and, we're, we're actually, you know, I, I hate to interrupt it here, but we're going to, we'll actually discuss more of that a little bit later mm -hmm. uh, right now. Uh, we're on a, a little bit of a different topic here, uh, but you'll, yeah. you'll definitely have a well, chance wanna, to talk about I, yeah, that. Yeah, I wanted to, I'm still trying to address, uh, you asked me what people do and how we uh, have, uh, you know, hold them accountable. So I was discussing a little bit about our lobbyists because you asked who's on payroll. Um, we have lobbyists. We don't have them on direct payroll. We hold them accountable for, you know, what's, you know, who they're interacting with, how the hearings that are going on. Um, the, the net effect of getting co-sponsors and others on board and things like that. So, so we have that. And then we also have a, a media relations team um, with similar stuff that are also uh, contracted. And, that, and that's the, and then uh, the rest of it's volunteer. We have volunteer state directors and uh, underneath them are, are uh, volunteer state, um, state um, committees. Okay. And uh, so, so, and what about John Pappas? Does he get paid? Yes. Okay, he's the uh, he's the uh, PPA president he's our director. for some people who don't. He's know. one of the five who gets who who gets a paycheck. Okay, so um, and and uh, as far as the membership dues, if you total all the membership dues that come in for the people who do pay uh, out out of the million people, um, if you mm -hmm. total that and 
compare that. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm referring to. Uh, I'm sorry. Before Black Friday, I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, um, what percentage was funded by membership dues, and what percentage was contributions, either directly or indirectly, from online poker sites? And when I say directly or indirectly, I mean where if Poker Stars decides they're going to contribute twenty-five dollars for each member if they do such and such, then it's really from Poker Stars. So when I say paid mm-hmm. membership yes. dues, I mean ones that actually come directly out of the pocket of members versus money that you receive in any fashion from the poker sites prior to Black mm-hmm. Friday, let's say on April 14th, 2011, uh, what was that uh, funding percentage-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, it really, it's, it's kind of, the percentages uh, have always been fairly consistent in that, you know, it's an expensive fight, and we understand it's kind of tough for, you know, the rank-and-file poker player to be sending in, you know, big checks and big contributions. Uh, so, so as far as... As far as the organization itself, uh, separate from the pack, the donations do come. We don't take any. We've never gotten a direct contribution from a site. They're indirect through uh, the IGC, which we have listed on our um, website and which has come out, you know, in all the interviews that we do. We we'll, um, always mention that it's called the uh, Interactive Gaming Council, and um, Poker Stars is a member of them. Uh, Absolute Poker has never been a member, nor is Ultimate Bet. I share that because I know you had that uh, question before. And uh, you know it's all it's always been the majority coming from you know coming from uh, that organization, and that does continue to this day. Do, do you know what percentage that is? I don't know, but I know it exceeds fifty percent. I assume that's what the listeners but, are but looking it's like, for. A majority can be something like sixty percent versus forty, or it could be like ninety-five yes. to five. Like it could be that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So uh, is it closer to like some gigantic number for the? Uh, from the poker sites and a tiny number from the membership dues, or is it is it fairly close, or is it like two thirds to one third? Like, do you have any rough idea? I don't about have the, that? I know the specific percentage, but it's it's uh, it's 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 weighted more so toward the sites than the than the, the player community at this time. Yeah, I'd like to change that. Uh, we're we're reaching out to the membership to encourage everyone to contribute. Of course, now want to remember people do put in time value stuff in terms of volunteerism, being sure to write to their lawmakers, that stuff you can't re- replicate with a paycheck and with the, you know, writing a check out. And, and we saw that when different organizations have tried to form up their own um, AstroTurf groups that, that crashed and burned pretty quickly. They didn't get the acceptance of the community. You know, we're different because, you know, I came on the board, uh, Patrick Fleming's on the board. We've all pledged that if the organization does anything contrary to the interests of the poker players, if there's any kind of, uh, any kind of issue at all, any kind of quid pro quo, anything like that, of course, you know, we we would step down. And both of us were on 2 Plus 2 and other forums well prior to UG. We're posting about completely non-legislative stuff, um, and, and we're well-known in the community. I think, I think I'm about ready to hit 20,000 posts on 2 Plus 2 myself. Um, so so that's, that's kind of where that comes in. Now, I would like to change that ratio more. I would encourage people, you know, to step up and donate more, but at the same time, you know, we've been able to enjoy a subsidized fight up to now, so that's not all. That's not all bad either. Okay, it, so, again, it's it's not cheap on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's I, cheap I know, I know for it's, us, not, it's not cheap out there. Right, and mm-hmm. I'm not. While I'm not saying you should turn down the money, um, mm-hmm. uh, can you honestly say that the PPA's actions and priorities were not influenced by the large sums of money that came from Full Tilt and Poker Stars and and, and whoever else uh, of the online sites that are donating? So, like for example, uh, if there was a realistic possibility for legislation that that would have legalized online poker yet clearly forbade the existing online sites from participating, to where they'd be shut out of the U.S. for sure, and, and uh, U.S. companies would, would have the entire market. Uh, would, would the PPA have supported this? If this looked like a, a, a realistic 
bill that could get through. Uh, let me ask you that first. Yeah, yeah, yes, we would have. I think a good example was the Reed bill in 2010. It wasn't particularly good to the sites at all. It had a bad actor clause in it. It forbade the sites from coming in. They had like a little bit of an appeal process. We felt it was best for the community. Community was a little divided on it. We had a lot of people come to us and say, hey, guys, you're throwing full tilt poker under the bus. That was a common complaint on 2 plus 2. Some, uh, someone who was pretty supportive of us said, shame on you, PPA, for you know supporting you know the REIT bill. You shouldn't support them until they let full tilt poker and poker stars into the market. Would- and uh, you know, but, but we felt the majority of people wanted it. The outreach we did indicated that's where the community was, and, you know. We, you know, we were behind that effort, and it didn't happen. But um, it, it, it certainly made a mark and an impression on people that poker players weren't giving up, and I think that's helped out a lot. So, so were full tilt and poker stars okay with this? Because I know if I, if I had a part in these companies, if I owned these companies or had a management role, and I was putting all this money towards the PPA, and then they are supporting bills that that are not in our company's interests. I would honestly be pissed, and I'm not saying, and, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing if, if that's the case. I'm not criticizing the PPA. The PPA should really yeah. only represent the players' interest, but it becomes a little bit mm-hmm. difficult, I think, to represent the players' interest honestly if if they sometimes oppose the the interests of the poker sites who are funding you. And this this is a classic problem in politics, where uh, uh, a politician wants to do one thing for his people, but he's getting the money from something else, and, and it's very tough to say no to where the money's coming from. You know, we, it can be. Uh, for other groups, um, PPA was pretty smart right off the bat in terms of bringing, like I said, bringing Patrick and me on the board of directors. And, of course, now, of course, me and the VP of uh, player relations role, I'm not just in leadership, I'm also in management um, anything but a token. I mean, I, you know, I have a pretty good say so over what we're doing. Um, had kind of veto power the whole way through from a moral standpoint because I could have just stepped off. Um, prior to Black Friday, like I said, I was a pure volunteer, wasn't getting paid. It, not only would it have been easy to step off, it would have saved me a lot of hassle from you know a lot of criticism and a lot you know because every, every time you step up, there are going to be some people who have a different opinion. You know. Um, it would have been so easy to just step back. And if I didn't believe PPA was doing the right thing, I would walk away in a heartbeat. Um, this was this was very, very wise in terms of getting the organization um, going was that step uh, relative to the board. Now, what we have um, also done is uh, there's no quid pro quo. So, you know, the sites just see, if we're, you know, the IGC, they would see, you know, if, if they're effective, then I don't think we should carry their water if we're effective and they're getting the help. I think a lot of them would say, you know, rising tides lift all boats. If there's a growing acceptance, then we'll do our own lobbying. Maybe we can get it in or maybe they'll make some other considerations. But we haven't seen a thing where there's a pressure or a threat to pull money back. And again, like I said, I I say the uh, Reed Bill is a prime example where if we pulled back from the Reed Bill, a lot of members would have thanked us and say that's the way to stand up for the sites we're playing on today. Um, but, you know, I think we took the long-term view, saw that it wasn't going to last forever. I had been warning people, you know, for a couple of years prior to uh, Black Friday that, you know, we're in a situation that can't stand. It's reverse protectionism. It's, uh, I'm an engineer, and I can see if something's like a pretty-looking building built on quicksand. That's where we stood talked a lot to the membership said you know this is it might be painful at first a blackout period is going to be painful but it's the right step forward in the long term to build structurally sound online poker for 
you know, for all of us. But but what if and there that's was, the direction we took here? What if there was a situation where it was even worse than a, the blackout period that was proposed at one point, where they they would just absolutely have been shut out of the market, where no no full a, no full tilt, no poker stars, they just zero chance that they would be part of the market, and uh, it would all be U.S. companies that had nothing to do with online poker uh, up till today. So, like, um, I think if the PPA got behind that, are you telling me you would really, really get behind that even after all the money that's come into the PPA from these sites, and then uh, you get behind something that actually completely shuts them out? If it, if it seemed like that this was the only realistic chance of getting a bill through uh, anytime soon? Absolutely. Yeah, we absolutely would. We, we were there. Uh, we're behind New Jersey when they had a provision to do the same thing. And when I said blackout period, I didn't mean they would have a 15-month blackout period. I meant we players would have a 15-month blackout period. And that blackout period was from Full Tilt and Poker Stars. It wasn't from any other sites. That's the time they would need to come on board. And that attracted a lot of negative attention because, you know, people thought the online sites were going to continue on forever. It was going to be perfect. They could, I got a number of people complaining, why do you even want licensing or regulation? You know, the U.S. government can't stop these sites. Um, I think we're pretty uh, forward-looking in that era continuing to uh, push forward, make sure Congress really understood that the players want this and are not giving up. But if we just waited for Black Friday, we, you know, we'd be in a heck of a bind right now trying to get started. So I'm glad you know, a lot of people just saw what happened at UG as a real attack on our liberties, attack on our rights of what we do in our own homes. And we started at that point so that you know, going forward, we, we'd be where we needed to be for that inevitable day that came on Black Friday. Yeah, it's interesting you bring this up because my next question actually uh, sort of has to do with that. That, that is uh, how people in Washington see the PPA as a result of their alliances with the online poker sites, which I'm sure is no secret where, you know, where the money's no. coming from for anyone who, who, who really is interested in the situation over there. Um, I'm sure you, do you remember the petition that uh, I felt was actually a form of bribery where anyone signing mm-hmm. the petition was awarded a ticket into a poker star's free roll, where if you win mm-hmm. this free roll, you get real money. Now, of course, not everybody who, who uh, signs a petition gets money because uh, most of them are going to play the free roll and lose. But, but mm-hmm. you know, if you split it up into equity for all the players, then yes, everybody is really being bribed with a, a free roll that, that pays out real money. Um, I, I, when I say bribery, I don't know if, you know, it would be a legal definition of bribery to where anyone can get in trouble for this, but I'm more referring to how this would look to to Washington, where a, a petition, they receive a petition uh, regarding, hey, we want you guys to legalize online poker, and then if they look into it and see that everybody who signed that was rewarded with something of monetary value, how, how did you expect that to look, and, and how could that have seemed like a good idea? Even if you got more signatures this way, weren't you concerned that uh, doing this would uh, look very bad and, and make all poker players look shady. No, it was actually uh, quite the opposite. And it was actually a good example you give there because I think that was a really neat example of some a place where a site could come in and, uh, you know, without, um, you know, and interact with, interface with the players and, and share with them some concerns they had at the time. Um, and I say that as someone who didn't play uh, Poker Stars regularly. And I actually, just so people know, it's that I don't get marching orders from them i i haven't really spoken to anyone from poker stars and it's been over two three years and even then it was more i think i had a casual chat with them about uh about once a year for about 20 minutes mostly about hey congratulations getting people to do something specific but i think people just know my role is very independent and when it came to this one it was really neat because it's the same sort of thing they could uh, have their opportunity 
um, a lot of players responded. And when we had that good number of signatures, we could show lawmakers the, you know, how all the poker players were paying attention and active. And the very fact that poker stars was able to reach him with a free roll showed that they play online poker, you know? So when they knew those were bona fide poker players, but yeah, but at the same time, play, it does, and that's where, doesn't it show that's that people, where we came in. Doesn't it show that so, people signed it for, for some sort of uh, monetary value that they were rewarded for signing a petition, even if they cared about the subject, uh, they, still they were rewarded with something that was monetary for signing a petition. And if it got back to those in Washington receiving the petition, I know if I was there, if I was President Obama, and I, I heard, wait a minute, this, this petition with with you know this many tens of thousands of signatures that these these people got a, a ticket to a poker tournament where they can win real money for free. I go, whoa, 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 whoa! I I can't trust any of these signatures. I I think that uh, this was bought. Like, wasn't that a concern? Like, this is one of the things that really jumped out at me when I was uh, looking at the PPA early on before I had well, that much of an opinion either way. It just really bothered me that uh, it just seemed like this sort of thing is done and, and what's thought is, hey, this is a way to get a lot of signatures. Hey, this is a way to make it look like a lot of poker players are coming together, but not, whoa, look how this is going to look if people find out how we got those signatures. No, it's actually quite the opposite again because it actually proved that they weren't just random people who didn't care but it actually showed these are real poker players. I mean, you know, that very fact that everything was disclosed on how things happened. And, uh, you know, anyone on there, it would be relatively obvious that, hey, you know, it wasn't like uh, win a trip to the Bahamas. If you sign this, you'll be in a drawing. And people who had no idea about poker were signing in. These were bona fide people with real money accounts if they wanted to play. It really showed that these are these are actual people who actually care. There's not a chance a single person out there wanted to ban poker and just had their name on there. Um, it was just a way to reach them. And the reality of it is this is what sells in Washington is having this evidence of big groups, big people. And when I read the the board where, um, you know, Poker Fraud Alert, some of the posters would have you think that, uh, you know, Washington just kind of, they try to guess what people think. And if there was just never a PPA that somehow – We'd be in the same boat we're in today. No, I, I don't. I don't think people on this. I, I don't think I've seen anyone um, on the site feel that that there just should not be any organization like the PPA, and that we should just you just hope everything works out. I, I don't think anyone feels that way. I know I definitely don't. I think that an mm-hmm. organization needs to exist like the PPA. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, and I think most people on the site agree with this. I can't speak for everybody on my site, and they they're all independent thinkers. But but uh, I. Uh, I believe most people just uh, that are critical of the PPA are, are more about the way they go about things rather than um, that they exist or, or what they're trying to do. I think that's the funny thing is we're debating about something where just about everybody here agrees with what you're trying to get done at the end. And, and uh, we all want to see the same thing occur. If, if six months down the line, which I know it's not going to happen this soon, but six months down the line, we're all playing legalized online poker in the U.S., um, everybody's going to be happy. Everybody listening to this show is going to be happy. You're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be happy. And uh, so that's the funny thing is we're not – you're not talking with someone here that's anti-online poker or doesn't want to see it legalized. Yes. I, I, I played for a living. You know, just We actually have some similarities here. I, I worked mm-hmm. a regular job uh, it, it, for several years prior to uh, – quitting to play online poker, uh, yeah, primarily online poker full-time, some live too. But uh, I, I don't know how old you are. I, I imagine you, you may be somewhere near my age. I'm, I'm about 41 years old. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I didn't even start playing poker until I was almost, almost 30. So, uh, you know, j- just like you, I had a, a career before poker. I, I'm not one of these mm-hmm. 21-year-old kids who just came out and started playing and never knew anything else. And, and I, I was also very disappointed to see 
what happened to online poker as a result of uh, you know, all the legal action against it. Though I, I do believe that uh, this was inevitable and that this is a, a painful process we have to go through, almost like taking your medicine to, to get a cure, that the, it wasn't sustainable the way it was. But, but still, it, it bothers me that right now we don't have legalized online poker, which all of us agree should exist in the U.S., uh, but just everybody has a different way they think we should go about it. So let, let me uh, mm-hmm. move on to uh, um, another topic here. Um, regarding the poker isn't gambling strategy, um, mm-hmm. this is something I really did not like. Uh, now, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree that poker is a game of skill. Mm-hmm. I agree that good poker players in the long run will win money as long as they don't engage in terrible game selection. And and bad poker players will lose money, and that's the you know. And so there there is a lot of skill in poker, and anybody who's played a lot of poker knows this for sure. Uh, however, that doesn't mean it's not gambling. I, I feel that uh, even if certain players have a long term positive expectation in this game, it's still clearly mm-hmm. gambling because every individual poker cash game session or tournament has a large element of luck involved. I mean, you've you, I'm sure you've seen some pretty bad players, for example, get very deep in the main event of all things in the World Series of mm-hmm. Poker. And uh, why? Because they go through an amazing luck uh, run of cards. And mm-hmm. uh, um, strangely enough, in poker, thanks to these giant tournaments, uh, a below-average player could actually end up one of the biggest winners of all time thanks to a hot run of cards for you know, seven days in a row. Uh, at, you know, now, if you think about it at the same time, take a below-average chess player. Not, not a below-average chess pro, but like a below-average chess player who's actually worse mm-hmm. than the average chess player. You put him up against um, one of the top chess masters, he'll get killed every single time. He, he would lose a, a thousand matches in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you put a below-average athlete up against a, uh, an NBA player, or, or, and he, he'd get crushed every single time in a, in a one-on-one game. He'd have no chance. So, so the thing is here, those are entirely games of skill. There's a little bit of luck in those, too, especially you know, like the, the, you know, sports. But uh, yeah. but the thing is, those have such a high skill level. The, the, the skill matters so much in those games that it, it dwarfs the luck, except for when you're uh, dealing with comparable players where, where luck can start to enter. But, but in poker, okay. you can actually have someone who's much, much worse, actually a below-average overall player that, that can win huge money and, and never lose mm-hmm. it all back uh, j- just because uh, they got it hot at the right time. And, and enter the right tournament to, that was huge that awarded this. The reason I'm bringing all this up, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of everything I'm saying. Um, yes. Is if you asked a, a hundred average people on the street, just pull them off uh, on the sides, a hundred people walking by in New York City or whatever, do you think poker is gambling? How many do you think would say yes to that? Um, to be honest, it really doesn't matter because that's got nothing to do with the actual strategy. I'm going to share with you what we're doing because there's a common misconception there. Um, what people seem to think is we're trying to say poker's better than online slots. And we're not saying anything of the sort. Uh, we have no problem with, uh, as an organization with online slots I mean, or online blackjack or what have you. What is, is a number of states already have provisions that separate poker from gaming. For example, in a lot of states, if you had a social poker game and you didn't collect a rake, you're probably okay, depending on the state. If you set up your own slot machines in your basement, you might not be as okay. Um they already have these systems in place, and there are a lot of lawmakers up on Capitol Hill who don't want online roulette. They don't want online blackjack, but they're willing to accept online poker. And if you can put a, leg- a, a, a firewall based in the law on how that would separate the two out to keep 
the online poker from turning in to online games of pure chance. That's where you, uh, once you have that wall in place, just like horse racing has that wall in place so it doesn't expand beyond horse racing, that's where you can start bringing in supporters who will say, um, well, you know, I'm okay with adults playing poker, but I'm really, I'm really not comfortable with someone who hits, you know, who can play games of chance. And there is a, there is a specific difference. If you play poker, it's really hard to play it just in a mindless manner where you just zone out and you just, you're just doing it to gamble. Um, you might take some bad chances, like you mentioned in a tournament. Um, that's different from those people you walk by at the bricks and mortar casino on your way to the poker room and see them buried at the slot machine. And I, I have no problem with what they're doing, but you can play that very mindlessly. And in fact, it's kind of intended to be played in a mindless manner. So you could go online and just kind of keep clicking the enter button, enter, 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 um, kind of get into a zone. Uh, you, you can't do that with poker. That resonates with a lot of lawmakers, even if they think there's a good deal of chance associated with the game. Um, and in fact, it's a game of skill because it's designed to be a game of skill. If a, if a novice goes up against Phil Ivey, he might win a hand or two. He might win several hands. But you know, if you go a couple million hands and you hit the long run, Ivy's going to take it down every time. It's just a longer stretch, like a gust of wind in golf or a broken camshaft in NASCAR. Um, different sports have you know, um, different variances, and poker just has a, has a broad variance, but it's not one that can't be defined legislatively. Um, but you mentioned... And, that, so and, that's is... where, and that's where it comes in a lot. And it's also based you know, on current law. Like I said, a lot of states are already okay with poker. There's a lot um, of things I'm, but the thing I'm bringing up here about... The, you talked about various states and, and things like that. We're talking yes. about legalizing online poker on a federal level. You've got to convince mm -hmm. lawmakers, we're going to make yes. online poker legal. Even if you, you, know, I mean, mm -hmm. even if you have them distinguish it from other forms of gambling, even sports betting, where they, they, they carve out poker and make that legal. Um, yes. What I've seen the PPA doing is that they've been pushing that poker isn't gambling. They even you, you even took the uh, this large number of hands from poker stars and presented that mm -hmm. uh, with, with analysis that uh, showing that uh, the same people pretty much kept winning. That the, yes. you know, the showing that, the, that it's that it's a game of skill. skill. And while, right. while all of us agree it's a game of skill, I just don't see how 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 are you can convince the average lawmaker, the average federal lawmaker. Uh, to get behind something that is based upon poker not being gambling, when just about all of them are going to see it really as being gambling, even if they admit that there's a skill element to poker, uh, if they're going to... I, and and, the, and this isn't just a theory. This this has not gone through. We haven't seen any kind of federal law changes, uh, except for the negative, since the UIGEA. We haven't seen anything get better. It's only gotten worse. And, and again, I'm not expecting miracles. I'm not expecting... Uh, I'm not saying that it's easy to change the laws in our favor but I have seen this the, this tactic fail over and over again and the PPA keeps keeps doing it they keep bringing out poker isn't gambling poker's a game of skill poker's different than you know as you said the uh, the slot machines the uh, online roulette and and I understand that you understand that the people in my chat understand that the listeners understand that but I I don't think this is really resonating w with the federal lawmakers and and, and I can say this because it's not. It's never changing. It's when when it all comes down to it, the lawmakers see it. Poker is still gambling. It's a different kind of gambling, but it's still gambling, and and, and yeah, that's but, a hard thing for them to get behind. But but it is changing it because you know, we might we might sit on our couch and kind of imagine it. And I was in the same boat before I had a chance to meet them as well. But you know, you speak to the lawmakers and you hear um, you know exactly what they think on the issue, and they do differentiate between poker 
and online slots. They many of them differentiate readily, and some of them just kind of understand. Others understand that it's going to be tough to pass further laws against poker because the poker guys and gals are standing up for themselves, but the others aren't. And, and sometimes it comes down to that type of pragmatism. Now you talk about the relative successes. Now that's not the only argument of PPA. There's a broad, broad spectrum going from personal liberty all the way down to increased revenues um, and increased enforcement capabilities. Um, it, it, it runs a gamut. It's not like someone's trying to say it's better than anything else. It's trying to say it's different, and it, it, it is a game of skill. That's an important distinction. Um, but what we have seen is we saw prior to 2006, we saw legislatively it got worse every single year. We didn't see any improvement. We saw House votes, Senate votes from 98 all the way through 06 that continually came out to ban poker. There was hardly, there weren't really people standing up saying poker is a good thing or we should keep the current system. There are people standing up saying it should be a matter of individual liberty. People like Ron Paul, um, Barty Frank, um, you know, great supporters like that, but uh, Shelley Berkeley. But what we didn't see were uh, people really coming up in our favor since 2006. Legislatively, we have seen that turnaround. We have seen bills introduced to license or regulate the game. We have seen conservative lawmakers come on board. We've seen libertarian lawmakers come on board. We've seen liberals come on board. We've seen um, hearings that have passed legislation in our favor. We haven't passed it into law, but we've even had Senator Kyle come over and um, switch over just with an understanding. And he's just as anti-gaming as ever, but he saw the pragmatism of allowing poker through in exchange for getting a better ban on everything else and then having everything locked down strictly under a licensing regime. And to but, me, but these are some, these are, these are the victories that came part and parcel to us taking our actions and to moving forward. If you tried a different approach, um, you know, you're coming from a 317 to 93 effort to ban it that passed, um, you know, just, just six years ago. And that's, and that's a lot of it came from just showing it can be firewalled legislatively. I, I haven't and that's, seen, and that's where that comes. I in. haven't seen a lot of politicians Flipping on this, I, I, there's there's been a few, but the, I, I, how much of that is the PPA's action, and how much of that is just because poker entered the mainstream so much, and and because there was a lot of attention garnered from from the Black Friday bus and from the UIGEA itself, and every time one of these issues comes up, then they think to themselves, you know, all all the different busts of the uh, of the different processors. How many? How much of this might have happened on its own without the PPA's? Uh, Interference in it. I don't want to use that word because it makes it sound like something bad. But the PPA's, uh, or should I say, advocacy for the poker player standpoint. How much of it actually came from the PPA? And I, this whole thing about is, is poker really gambling? Even the ones that have come over to the other side, uh, from what I've seen, are, are people either who want the revenue that online poker could bring, the tax revenue, or or ones that uh, have have uh, realized that it's going to happen anyway. And, and that we might as well license and regulate it in order to protect uh, U.S. citizens from, from things that have been happening, you know, all, all the t- bad things that have been happening. I haven't seen very much of, of politicians coming forward and saying, you know what, you convinced us. Poker isn't gambling. Poker is, is, is a game of skill. For that reason, I didn't support it before. I'm supporting it now. I, I just haven't seen this from very well, many Joe, at all. Well, Joe Barton's won, and he voted for Eugia and he didn't just come out for us. He came out for us in a big, in a huge way, even has a, his own charity poker tournament now, which is great. And he's not one of the people who just says, you know, I 
poker's stupid and I would never play, but it should be legal. A lot of, you know, a lot of ostensible supporters come out with that. He says he, he proudly plays, talks about how he enjoys the game. Um, you know, that that's one person of uh, quite a few who have, who have come over. Um, Senator Heller's probably always been relatively supportive out in Nevada, but he has come out in a big way in the past uh, year, you know, since, uh, since he was appointed to a slot and now reelected. But, but how much of that was, was now, how so much was are, this was like Heller? How much of that was him wanting to support uh, the changing interests of of uh, companies in Nevada, like like MGM well, and and Caesars that that well, want to enter the ask, market? Yeah, I want to answer your question because a lot of a lot of like you know trying to win this is bringing other people into the fight. For example, the casinos were anything but a, a strong supporter of online gaming uh, in two thousand and six, and and I want to start on this with the. Uh, the firewall between poker and casino gaming. If you went to, you say you haven't seen a difference, but if you went there and just said, "Hey, I, you know, you, your bill was for all gaming, including casino gaming," I, you know, we didn't sense anything that it was going to have any chance in, in the Congress, um, lame duck session or otherwise. So it was this really. I mean, there's it was really a non-starter to try to get them to authorize uh, online roulette. So, so it, you know, in terms of this discussion, they wouldn't. There was, there was not even a potential, I don't think, at this point of expecting them to go forward with anything like that. It had to be restricted to poker. Maybe it could grow in the future. And in, in fact, you know, perhaps it would have, but they had to be separated. Now, in terms of when we're talking about you know, what happened when, the, the, news, the news you specified is probably the type of stuff that would take it down. It's the fact that they knew they really couldn't pass UGA 2, which is what... They promised in 2006, right after it passed, Goodlett from Virginia, who was one of the chief sponsors of the effort to ban it, said, we're going to pick up next year where this bill starts and we're, we're going to finish it off. He promised that. And of course, that never happened. Well, but it, it pretty much has been finished now, off. I, 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 I mean, you can hardly play anymore. I mean, if you think. Yeah, but it wasn't done legislatively. It wasn't done legislatively. It was but it, show, it, shows that the, it shows that the legislation from 2006 was strong enough to finish it off without, without it being uh, done further. But there's still online gaming available. He would like to clamp it down much further. It, he, and he couldn't do it legislatively. It did happen eventually from enforcement. And I've been, I was telling people for years it was going to happen eventually, and we knew it. Um, that's why we were trying to get the new legislation. But he promised new legislation um, immediately as soon as poker players started speaking up. That turned around. Now, I'm not that interested in if it's PPA versus the community or whatever. What I know is I wanted to make it easy for people to reach the lawmakers. I wanted to, because we knew in 2006, it was clear the way they were speaking. They assumed there was no support for our position. What, what we had to do is reach out and ensure they were hearing from us. That's why that petition you mentioned was valuable. It had numbers associated with but, it. But they began a is... ton of letters. I, I want to finish my point, please. Yeah, go ahead. Because it's, I, think this was, I think this was kind of important because it, it really illustrates okay, go, what go we ahead saw. And because I went, because I want to tell you something. I went there in 2007. I paid my own way to D.C. I was an unpaid volunteer. I was so upset at what happened. I wanted to go tell these lawmakers what was up, and it was very clear. They looked at me like I was just some like a tax protester, like a fringe person, but all their constituents were proud that they were take, trying to stop the scourge of online gambling. Um, that's exactly how it came across um, from more than one person. I really understood. Hey, they've just they're really not hearing from the community. Um, that's why all these letters, we try to make it really easy from the PPA site. You can send your letter to your lawmakers, and then we're on record. People are calling the lawmakers, telling them. Today we had a hearing out in Washington State to decriminalize uh, playing online poker, and one of the people said, I've never heard from so many constituents as I did you know, from the day that law passed all the way through. He 
he was very specific that he's just heard from a, a ton of people. And that's where PPA was important in terms of really ensuring we're getting the message out to the lawmakers. And we see the results from that. Another thing, a, a key thing that was, um, we talked about the other interests that have come on. Now, they weren't really there in 2006 because it looked like a minus EV thing to do. That if, if they can't play, they wouldn't want anyone else to be able to play in that field either. They would want to ban it across the board and have an even playing field. When you raise the probability of getting legislation through and decrease the probability of a, of a further ban, you start increasing the EV of the various companies that would look to offer services. They start seeing that it's more and more possible. They start putting money, money behind it and jumping in. Um, and then players see that there's a shot. They come in and, you know, we're, we're seeing results in New Jersey and stuff, which I don't want to talk about right now. We'll get to it later. But, uh, you know, these are the tangible things you see when the community rises up. Um, on t- but the specific thing that PPA does is, you know, we've got these lobbyists. They're, they're out there. They're doing the outreach. They're, they're printing out the letters that we send. They drop them on their desk and they give us that voice. Um, we empower them and then in reverse, they empower us. And there's a good synergy. And that's what we bring to the fight. Okay. Somebody has to do it and it has to be done. Okay. So my, my belief here is that, first of all, if, uh, if you have a relatively small group of people, when I say small, I, I don't mean small like, like 10 people or 100 people, but I mean small compared to the 300 million plus population in the United States. When you have a, a pretty small percentage of the population that is interested in something, but it's a very loud group uh, that, that, uh, that, that bands together and, and, they, and they all uh, tell each other to contact their congressman, to mm-hmm. congress, contact their senator. Uh, these Congress people, these senators are not stupid. They, they understand that just because they hear from a, a whole lot of people at once, if they realize that this is an organized, relatively small group of people through, through a message board or through an organization that, that, is, that is told to make a lot of noise, but, but in reality they don't really represent the, the interests or cares or concerns of the average American, uh, they're going to understand this. They're going to understand that this is not representative. It's not, like, it's not like the way they do Nielsen ratings, where they just pick up random homes and see these uh, random homes, which how many percentage of them uh, watch certain shows, and then, the, and then extrapolate to the whole population and say this many people are watching. They, they, they don't do this when, when, they get, when the congressmen, when the senators get contacted. Uh, that's not the way they see it. If, if they know there's an organized attempt to get a small group of people to, to make a lot of phone calls, to send a lot of emails, uh, they know it's not necessarily a large number and it's not necessarily a group that is, is really something they have to con- be that concerned with. Now, the bottom line is here, in six and a half years, this strategy uh, of, of, of pokerism and gambling, all of the PPA strategy, has I have not seen... Any kind of results, and when I say results, I don't mean results that we can play online poker legally. I mean, I don't see results that um, the PPA can tangibly point to and say, we did this, and for that reason, this good thing happened for poker players. I see some things have changed for the better, while some have changed for the worse, such as, you know, for example, the major Nevada casinos and the companies behind them wanting to get behind online poker. But but I don't think that's necessarily anything the PPA did. I, I think it was that um, there, there started to become talk over the years, especially after the Black Friday bus, and uh, um, there started to be talk, and there started to be just a change in opinion from from a business standpoint that, hey, we used to hate online poker because we're afraid it's going to keep people out of our casinos. Now we're looking at it, and we see how much money poker stars makes and Full Tilt makes, and you know what? 
uh, we're willing to take that loss from our casinos if we can make so much by running a similar room of our own. That, that's a business decision. That doesn't have to do with a PPA, and that's why they want to get in on it, because they see dollar signs in their eyes for running those type of sites, especially if, if sites like PokerStars and Full Tilt are taken out of the equation, and they're the only games in town. And they're just competing with each other, the, the, the various U.S. companies. So I, I see a lot of things happening. The, the, the few things that have been positive for poker players, or at least positive, hopeful developments, I've seen are ones that are, are generated from, from business interests or, or other uh, forces that would exist with or without the PPA's help. And then I see the PPA taking credit for it. And I go, oh man, this you know, sure they can, sure the PPA has been trying to get online poker legalized. Sure, now there's more talk about legalizing online poker than there was back in 2006. But is this from the PPA's actions, or is this because uh, MGM and Caesars realized that, uh, yeah, it would be pretty cool uh, business-wise, make a lot of money for them to run their own online poker rooms and, and take all the poker stars and full tails business. I think it's much more the latter. Well, um, I, I would disagree, but I think it's kind of interesting how you mention. First, you say there aren't tangible results, so then you're talking about a lot of results, and oh, but you know, hand wave them away and say, well, those aren't PPA results, so therefore they don't count. Um, you know, the poker boom started, you know, before UGF passed. We, you know, a lot of us like to colloquially call it the moneymaker boom. So you had from 03 to 06, um, the world hasn't changed that much since then. In fact, it was more favorable at that time uh, in terms of the popularity of the game, the people who are going to stand up for it. If we thought that was going to do it, I mean, that's when you would have seen it. But what happened at that time was you saw, um, I mean, a, a political party put a plank in it against it, and you saw a three-to-one vote against it in the House. Three years prior, out in the Senate, they voted 90-10 to 10 to ban this. Um, if they had combined this, we would have had a much tougher law than we had. Um, when you talk about an organized group, lawmakers you know, respect that fact that the opposition is organizing. They really see it. What they also see is they, they see if the opposite, you know, the actual people who want to ban this even exist, or if it's just um, you know, groups from the 80s still saying that a bunch of people are freaked out about people gambling, um, at like um, you know, using you know, scare tactics, uh, assuming that you know, people you know, but the world has changed. There's legal gaming in 48 states. So when we do that, then they start looking. They start listening. When we reach out to them on Facebook or we reach out to them on Twitter, you know, lawmakers pay attention. You push forward. You make sure they can't ban anything. You turn it around. A big thing we did and was uh, with social media. You know, back, pardon me, with uh, mainstream media, um, back before UG had passed, before there was a PPA at all, you know, what we saw in the mainstream media was a lot of, anti-poker discussion even the mainstream articles like not the editorials would just talk about how this was a bad thing that needed to be banned and they didn't have the other side of it because quite frankly it was really nobody to go to um and that's that's one of the bigger things we brought to the fight immediately was uh, john pappas has a really good background in media relations started a media relations team we got the quotes out to mainstream media right away and all and that's where public opinion opinion gets See, I, I don't agree with that I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why i don't agree with that at all mm -hmm. um i saw the perception of poker change in the public before my very eyes because i was a poker professional mm -hmm. that that uh, i started playing professionally in 2003 i quit my job then back in 2003 um my parents were actually ashamed to tell their friends what I was doing. They, they just said I was still uh, working as a computer programmer. They, they didn't want to say it because it, it made me look like a, a degenerate, someone that you, you can't really have any kind of respect for. Um, mm -hmm. As years passed, um, yes. and, and I would say uh, in 2006, 
probably was the peak of it when everybody thought yeah. it was so cool. It wasn't just that my parents were willing to tell people that I was a, pro- a poker player, but when they did, people people who before in 2003 would have said, "Oh, he's playing poker? Is that even legal?" like and would would like have a frown on their face. These people now would say, "Oh, wow, has he been on TV? Wow, is he famous?" like they, they would get all excited. And that was not from the PPA. In fact, the PPA didn't even exist then, or if they did, you know, barely had any kind of uh uh, existence yeah, because the UIGA hadn't time. existed yet, um, yes. but it was around 2006 when it hit its peak. When everybody thought poker was the coolest, that the, that the people who were the known players in poker were, were were gods, and that's when everybody was looked up to the most. And that's when poker was looked up to the most. That's when poker was all over TV. That's when you know you couldn't go anywhere or do anything or turn on your television without seeing poker. And that mm-hmm. is what I believe legitimized the game in everyone's eyes because it was no longer yeah. some backroom thing with a bunch of shady guys smoking cigars and doing something that's possibly illegal and, and maybe cheating each other and, and stabbing each other in the back. This became a very mainstream game that was all over television, that was fun to watch, that uh, you got to know certain faces and certain names that you, you got to see as heroes the same way you'd see as sports heroes. That 2006 mm-hmm. was around the peak of all that. It was and, huge. And, and, and we lost a vote three one in the house at the peak that's where we were well that was about and, online and that, that was about online poker but not about the game of poker yeah. the, the, the uh, and, and but the thing is that um the online poker, the, the reason that this was um, first of all I want to say that there was not strong support to make online poker illegal the, and that's the reason they had to attach it onto the safe ports bill because um, they could not get a what, bill was, I, and I, I watched this as it was happening there were so many attempts to make online poker illegal and they failed one after another, just like the ones now to make it legal are failing one after another. They were failing to make it illegal then because just like making it legal, nobody cared. And when I say nobody, I don't mean absolutely nobody, but I mean most people in the government, it's a relatively small concern uh, compared to all the other things mm-hmm. that, that are going on in this country. For us, it's a big concern. For the average American yes. and for the average politician, it's a small concern. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a huge concern so for that's the why, politician. That's, that's why... But this passed the House as a freestanding bill. It was attached in the Senate. It, uh, it didn't pass the House attached to anything. It, attached the House, it, it passed the House by itself. Three years before, it passed the Senate by itself. It ran out of time in 2006, but it had so much support from Senate leadership, they tacked it on. It, didn't, it wasn't just one lawmaker... Um, it was it was out of time. There were there was nobody pushing against it. And I'll tell you, if we had the organization we had now, just because it didn't take much, it took a little bit to stop it. And we could have been there if, if uh, poker players had come together at that time. So I, I shared that with the listeners. Is it had a lot of support. The um, NFL wanted to ban it. You had groups like Focus on the Family pushing hard on uh, conservative leadership in Congress that they were due for their due, and they wanted to stop online gaming before it grew and before it was um, offered from U.S.-based sites. But it passed as a freestanding debate for a whole day out there on the House, and these lawmakers came in line to denounce the game and talk about how they were going to ban it. That's where we were in 2006, and that's where we come back from by the activism of the community. Now, PPA is part of that. It doesn't really matter to me so much where the differentiating line is. What matters to me is that I enable the community to reach their lawmakers. Because uh, I always write, I write all those letters I always have from the day I joined the board. Because um, I, I think it reflects you know, what you and I believe as, as players. And we, uh, we, we enable that so people can write to their lawmakers in less than 60 seconds. Because if you leave it to them to go have to Google their... Um, senators' Facebook, uh, pardon me, their senators' uh, website so they can go write them a letter and craft their own letter. They might mean to, but it's really hard 
to expect out every one of them to do. We're actually really good about cranking out these letters. That's where the uh, changes started coming in. It was when you know we started speaking of standing up for ourselves, and that's where I've always come in. In fact, I saw some people talking about our daily action plan. That's actually not even a PPA thing. I've been doing it since before I joined PPA. I haven't merged it into PPA. It's community-driven, and it looks small, but we can really – you know, flood their Facebook walls. We let these lawmakers know that people care about this because you said, like you said, they don't give it a ton of thought and they just kind of instinctively think, yeah, they, they kind of go by the zeitgeist and they just think, you know, hey, people would want to ban this. They don't want more gambling. And we, we see the changes. And that's, but, but what, I mean, look at it in walls, New Jersey I mean, now. That didn't come from um, Caesars. That didn't come from MGM. And I'll, I'm going to tell you something else. You've seen all those bills that come out. PPA lobbyists have been on every single one of them. There's no... There's no question that we were there working very tightly with Joe Barton. He said so himself. He came out to the World Series of Poker. He came to the PPA meeting, and he addressed the crowd and told everyone what PPA was doing with him. But you, worked you worked with him, but would it, would, have well. exist, would have existed without the PPA if the PPA didn't exist? No, no. Did, did, he, say, did he say that, or did he just say that we, that we worked with them? That's two different things. It would have to have been a different group because somebody had to influence him. Somebody had to reach out to him. Somebody had to talk to him just in this specific case. I don't know if a different lawmaker just comes up out of the blue, just wakes up and says, you know, those guys sitting on the couch really want online poker. I should go stick up for well, them. Well, my, my uh, belief maybe, is maybe that, that happened. My maybe belief that is happened, that it's it, it – see, it still hasn't happened for us. The Barton bill didn't go anywhere. The, what I believe it, is going to happen – It raised, raised the uh, – it, it raised what we're doing, and it showed Congress that you know we mean business. We're here. We're pushing forward, not regressing. Um, nobody's proposing a ban. Nobody's out there trying to make it worse. Um and, and even the letters we get back from lawmakers, hardly any of them just really slam the idea of poker. Some do. Uh, Diane Feinstein out in California still does, and a couple others. Um, we've seen, you know, we're, we're seeing a big change from us taking action as players. Well, even the White House wrote back a really letter saying, even the White House wrote back a letter, the Obama White House, that maybe mm-hmm. many people said, oh, Obama, he's going to come into office, he'll, uh, he'll make online poker legal. They wrote a letter to the PPA. Saying uh, we we support states uh, t- to make their own decisions of whether they want online poker, but as far as federal, mm-hmm. no, that's our position. Tough luck. I mean, that's but at the same time, we worked with DOJ on the specifics of the legislation. We had lawyers with them, and we sent them a white paper on why the Wire Act should not be considered applicable to poker. I don't think the Bush White House, and I am a, I am a Republican, so it's not a party line thing. I'm just saying the way it lined up. Um, when the DOJ looked at this in December of 2011, they did come down on the legislation. I'm not going to say it's all PPA, but we were there. And if we weren't there, maybe that's the 5% that swings it the other way. Um, in a lot of cases, that's what it is. Because sometimes I'm saying the 10% made the difference from a 45% loss to a 55% victory. And some other people might say, oh, PPA only did 10%. But if that's the margin of victory, that's where you are. Um, and you might say that about Obama. I never thought he was going to bring in online poker. But that the DOJ ruling there has been very helpful. We're seeing, um, so he didn't, he wasn't out there trying to block it. He didn't go to the DOJ and you know, tell them this is the worst thing that could ever happen. Um, well, yeah, because they don't care, but gonna, Bush wouldn't have done that, that either. In just a few weeks. Uh, Bush wouldn't have done that either. The truth is he and Obama had something in common. They, they both don't really care either way about this. They, they kind of sure. will go with whatever uh, the powers that be on the, uh, this sort of front would say, the DOJ or, uh, or, or the lawmakers. They don't, they, neither of them had a particularly strong opinion about online mm-hmm. poker. And in fact, both were kind of, if they're going to look at their opinion, as you saw from the White House statement, it, it was towards negative. But uh, I, I just, you, you kind of said what I've been thinking, but, but in a different way, is that uh, I, I just feel that the PPA 
you said maybe we're the five percent, the ten percent of the that, that's pushing it Depending over the, the edge. Price, yeah. That that I, I think well may, maybe you're zero percent or one percent, and and that's not to say that even if it is one percent that uh, that's a bad thing to have the one percent in our favor. But but for all the money that that PPA has received, and uh, you know for all the time and effort a lot of people, including yourself, have put into it, I just think the results uh, have been very little. There's been very little that has improved. There's been a lot that's gotten worse, and I think a lot of what has improved is because of corporate influences uh, such as Caesars and MGM that say, hey, we can make a lot of money from this, and we once thought we couldn't. We once we once had a different business philosophy about poker, and, and I always said, people used to ask me, and they still do, they ask all the time, when do you think online poker will become legal in the U.S., and what do you think will make it happen? And I said, it'll happen when the corporate interests that are very powerful the gaming corporate interests really, really want to run an online poker room and influence the right people to make it occur. And that's and that's what I felt. That's where I feel the power lies. That's that's where I feel. That's what I feel we have to wait for. And I think it. But, you know, they don't. It, it really isn't though, because they have some money, but they don't expecting them to influence voters or legislators in non-gaming states or states where those particular companies don't have much of a presence is a stretch. Well, I think I, when we say they're strong, you know, you think of states like Nevada and and, and some other states. Um, but to say that they can really control Congress like that, they would have done their own law at the height of Eugenia. They would say, hey, this is a great thing, but we should take it over and use our market presence to, uh, you know, just crowd out the other side no, pass a law against them. I, I, heard... want, I, I want to finish my point here because it's really important. You know, when you you kind of just throw out something, go, oh, I don't think PPA did it. Um, but we just talked about how 2006 was just this crazy downward slope. There was no sign it was going to change from the downward direction. And in terms of the money spent, um, I think it's been just incredibly, uh, incredibly efficient. I mean, we, you know, we contract out much of the work. We don't have huge offices. I mean, John Pappas sh- shared his office. We, we don't, we go coach or not at all if we go anywhere. And with, you know, you know, a small core, but a dedicated group. Yet we have seen substantial changes from where we were in 2006. So then on the one hand to say, well, I haven't seen anything. On the other hand, well, I've seen a lot, but I don't think PPA did it. Um, what happened was we as a community stood up for ourselves. That's what we had to do. Somebody had to do it. And if it's not PPA, I don't see how a different organization is going to do it better. Well, that's, I'm, that's I'm kind actually, of the main I'm thing. It's, it's, a, up a it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight. Not everybody's got the stomach for it. You do, but not a lot of the other people don't. They just don't like the idea that you know it's a, it's a crushing tough fight. When I got it, is I didn't think we had a chance of winning. I mean, back in 2006, I thought um, just for me personally, because I wasn't a PPA at the time, I thought you know what, we should just let them run us over. We should at least be speaking out for ourselves. And I was on two plus two, rallying some people, sending out letters, just because I felt strongly about my personal liberty. And, and a lot of us start off like that, and to be able to grow that to a point where seeing states come in, seeing New Jersey ready to come on in next month. We're going to Delaware's there. We're going to see uh, California making some progress. Um, you know, these types of changes didn't just happen. Again, they just happened like magic. The Washington hearing, you know, couldn't have been more clear today where they specified that it was just ridiculous that somebody wanted to make this a felony just a few years ago. They were scratching their heads talking about how they've just heard from poker players wanting to end it, and they weren't hearing from anybody who said it should be a felony. Okay, but, but the, I'm talking about the, back to the thing about uh, whether uh, the PPA has has an influence or whether it's it's been a corporate thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I I just 
you were saying back in 2006 that Caesars and, and MGM that they would have done it at the height of the poker room, and if if they really wanted to, if they if they or if they had that power, because they they yes. they would have loved to have gotten that business. I disagree. A lot of times these businesses are slow to adapt, and because online poker came out of nowhere and was new, and everybody wasn't familiar with it, they they didn't know what to think at these brick and mortar casinos. They they didn't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, and for a while they were leaning towards it's a bad thing because they don't like change over there, unless they're the ones dictating the change. They they really don't like change, and all they were seeing is a threat to their brick-and-mortar business, and a lot of them still see it that way. I shouldn't say a lot, but some still see it that way. Commerce Casino, last oh, I yeah. heard, uh, still is, is anti-online poker. Uh, Venetian, yes. I, I heard, was anti-online poker. Well, uh, they're, they're, they're neutral, but their owner, Sheldon Adelson, is opposed. Okay, but, but uh, the, the point is that... Um, Back in 2006, it was still new enough to where I think they were confused, even though they were incorrect, it looks like, that uh, had they, you know, if they were able to run online poker, they would have profited in the long run. Whatever they lost in their brick-and-mortar operations, they would have made back, and then a lot more, if they were able to run online poker. Uh, they did not believe that at the time, and they since changed their minds. I don't believe through anything the PPA did, but well, just from observing the we, market and, and you know, realizing they made a mistake. I hear you. But you know what's fascinating about this is you're saying that the pe- the group you do see doing stuff, you just like, oh, they must not be doing it. But then the people you don't see, well, they must be doing it, e- even though you you see no evidence of them doing anything at all. And in fact, what we did see was they started Fair Play USA, which they did work um, you know, with PPA, um, but they tried to do something similar. You know, it worked for you know they're out for a couple months. Their site and now their site's dark. You know, everybody thinks they can do what PPA does until they try. Um, it, it's a it's a, it's a tricky thing. It's you know, motivating people is never easy, especially when you know it's a tough fight. Some people will always you know just say, oh, like when this started, they just said, oh, you'll never get this done. You can you can never win this fight. And then later on, you know, you have other naysayers as well. It's a it's a tough fight. I can't think of a place where we're misfiring in terms of the lobbying. John Pappas has done a phenomenal job out there. He brought a great expertise that I couldn't have brought to this. But then on the grassroots. We div- we deliver uh, tons of letters out there. You talk about a small group, but the letters that go to lawmakers are actually quite large. They always say we run up up in like the top ten concerns of what they're hearing um, from anybody. Well, just may- maybe a number of letters take but... that time and ensure they're letting them know. But I don't know but how much no that... number of people. Number of I, people. I don't really know how much that does if, if they get a lot of letters or a lot of different people. I don't mean well, the same. I don't mean the same guy sending ten thousand letters. I mean uh, no, I know. don't either. Okay, we, uh, so... we, we do we do we do really well. And not everybody pays their dues, but a lot of people will, do take that time, go to the site, send their letters. We, uh, we, we send out a weekly update to everybody. I write it. Um, I just share what we're doing, mainly because of this type of conversation. This is actually why I came into my role is after Black Friday. There were some questions about you know the effectiveness of what we're doing. So I took this on. I've been very forthright on my weekly updates. I share what we're doing. PPA is out there for everyone. We're on, uh, I'm on 2 plus 2 every single day. Patrick Fleming posts as Gallagher. My post as the engineer. We're there every day. I'm on Pocket Fires quite a bit. We inter- we interface with everybody. Um, people are always on my Facebook wall, hitting me up on my Twitter feed, on PPA's Facebook wall. Um, Pappas goes on 2 Plus 2 in various forums all the time. Uh, I have a weekly webcast, uh, much as yours. Um, yours is probably more professional, um, produced at no, least. I wouldn't, know, um, but I, w- I wouldn't but, say but that. But I, I enjoy <laughs> mine as well. Um, but the, you know, but I think that's what it takes. Now, I want to I want to share my perspective a little bit because you know when I came in, I was before John Pappas came on to PPA, and I thought PPA was ineffectual at the time in terms of all they had the potential to do because I just saw I just saw so much there. But then even I I evaluated 
you know, where, where else can we go? They've, you know, they've got the membership. What can we do? So I, I, you know, I reached out, started really working on things that could improve kind of was a little insistent at time times at where we could go. And like I said, came on the board and uh, really improved the ability of the group to, you know, re- really reach out the grassroots. And it's been a pleasure to see it grow. You know, we're at all 50 States with uh, volunteer state directors. Um, anybody can call John Pappas anytime they want. Anybody can call me anytime they want. Um, you know, like I said, people hit me up on Twitter, say, Hey, I want to talk to you for 15 minutes. No problem at all. They have questions. And again, we do the, uh, do the weekly update. I've been really happy with what we've been able to do in terms of communication with the membership. I think it's super important. Um, it's going to be a tough fight. There's no way around it. You know, if I had everybody just saying, you know, I want to help PPA. If I think it's a tough fight, I should be doing more and just being sure to, you know, send a letter every couple of months, um, call their lawmakers once in a while, work forward. You know, the legislation's good. I haven't heard anybody complain and say, hey, that Joe Barton bill, there's something wrong with it. I haven't, I haven't seen um, anything, anyone in the poker community saying this is a rough bill. Um, some of the complaints came in on the Reed Kyle bill. And again, that's a place where you could su- suggest that, you know, PPA wouldn't support it if there was a site issue, but uh, did think that was a positive step forward as well. And again, it really showed Congress we mean um, business in this. And, you know, now that I see the states, it's not only PPA, but seeing how the entire landscape has changed since 06, that the states are looking at it and they're saying, you know, you can't beat them, join them. The best effective me- enforcement mechanism would be market-based. Prohibition doesn't work. You you put yeah, people we, in there, let them play, and they'll crowd out. And New Jersey's going to do that. We're going to. This is like a uh, another domino falling. And I think you're going to see um, interesting things this year going forward. And I think that's a very tangible thing uh, for the community because I know I'm going to go to New Jersey once in a while, stay over the weekend, play some live, play some online, and head back to Kentucky and uh, work on work on the other states. Okay, so um, you know, related to 2006. Things are very different now, and the economy is very different. And I think a lot of these states that have decided, hey, we're going to give online poker a shot, it's because they need money. They're broke. And they, they, that's why I think a lot of these opinions have changed. That's why I think the casinos were doing great in 2006 uh, and then have struggled since then, had, had to say, hey, wait, let, let's reevaluate some things. Let's see, let's see where we can get some more money. Oh, look, online poker. Let's, let's <laughs> revisit that. Oh, yep, you know what? I think we could make money there. Let's, let's support it now. Uh, the, the states. Yeah, which is an, that's an important case we've been uh, making to them is that there's a good reason to do it is the, uh, yeah, the economic incentive. I think it's been big in Atlantic City. But this is a really good example but, but that's, where, but that's not the where PPA. we were strong because let, let me tell you what we did do. Governor Christie, and we, we're the ones who called him. Um, not we PPA, but like my volunteers, <laughs> I reached out to everyone in New Jersey, sent them my own messages. Says, you know, people I knew from uh, two plus two, and, and uh, pocket five. Says, hey guys, you know, just stay on the queue with them and, and get this question into Governor Christie. The this legislation passed, and he's been wavering. He listed a couple of concerns, and he kind of sounded pretty iffy. Just had you know so many people out there in New Jersey reaching out to the governor and saying, hey, this is something we want, um, and this is good for the state. And they they addressed his specific concerns. And then when he came back, he was surprisingly went from wavering to giving really good statements in favor of online gaming, putting out tweets in favor. And that's something that you get when people take the time to reach out. If nobody's talking on our side and the opponents are have the governors here, they're the only ones complaining. They're the only ones writing and calling. You know, that's what they're going to think happen because, you know, Governor Christie probably doesn't hang out with a bunch of online poker players. He doesn't he doesn't hear that. He doesn't go to the forums. Uh, he doesn't hear it unless the voters are telling him. And that's where that's where a group like ours can make a difference. 
Let me, let me and move you know, on I, to a different... I think the I think the key thing is if PPA weren't doing the job, and if we're easy to do better, somebody else would have started a group, wiped us out, well, and they would actually, got the job I, I, I done. Well, I, I can tell you why that's hard to do. That, because it is hard to do. No, because if you don't have the fun, if you don't have the funding, there, there, you, as you said early on, it mm-hmm. this takes a lot of money to do. So even yes. if people have the best ideas in the world, even if God Himself came down and said, "Todd, here's what you need to do to make online poker legal: start your own group." And I was like, okay, God, where's my funding? No, that's up to you. And I go, crap, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I probably couldn't get the funding. And even if I had the best ideas ever handed down by God himself, I would still not have the funding to get it done. And unless I could convince people to give me this funding, which would be very hard at this point in 2013, mm-hmm. I, I would fail. So the point is you can say – if you don't like the way we're doing a PPA, start your own opposing group and do it better. But I can't start my own opposing group because I it'd be very hard to get the funding at this point. We're now well, I'm that's in kind a, of the point. Now we're in a well. That's we the, need a group, and that's that, well. Okay, that's group, I'm not saying the PPA you know? shouldn't exist. That's uh, mm-hmm. I'm just saying that the response to people of start your own group if if you think you can do it better it, it isn't really something you can say to someone because. Uh, you can't start your own group without a lot of funding, and, and when the PPA got started, uh, the funding that was available, there wasn't another group like the PPA. It was easier mm-hmm. for you guys to get funding than a new group starting now would, would have, an ex- really. especially, oh, be, have an especially Not difficult really. time. A lot of people didn't like doing anything for legislation because it was um, either it was prior to UGA for the very onset or it was right after, and people, a lot of people just thought, oh, I can play online. What do I need legislation for? No, I know some it's, people it's said that, but, to, but you got funding. Get money now. I mean, you got, there's no point to argue about how hard it was to get funding. But you, you, I'm but not saying individual it was, players. But, but, but you, the point is you got funding from the online poker sites. You got some funding mm-hmm. from the players. Yeah. A new group starting today would have a tremendously difficult time getting funding, much more difficult than the PPA had to go through to originally get funded themselves. And that's why it's just not realistic for another group to start now and, and to tell individuals who are criticizing the organization, hey, if you don't like it, make your own group. You can't make your own group. It's just it's too hard to do. So the, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the PPA existing. I just don't I, – I would like to see some things done differently, but I don't think it's like fair what? to say like to people – I, I okay, actually wanted to ask you about Okay, I'll, I'll get to one of them. I'll get to one yeah. of them. Now, this, this would have been more effective if it was done in 2007, 2006, but uh, could, could, still, could still be effective today. Uh, since September 11th, one of the biggest yeah. concerns in this country has been another September 11th, another – home soil terrorist attack that freaked people out for years after 2001 and still today even though people are less concerned with it because we've gone 12 year, uh, 11 and a half years without uh, incident uh, still people uh, think about it a hell of a lot more than they did before 9-11 uh, one of the major concerns with you know, preventing this from happening again is, is by preventing large sums of cash from entering the U.S. From terrorist groups without detection, uh, they you know even though the, the the guys who took flight training here for September 11th uh, were sent money, and and this wasn't detected, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, so this has been a big concern. There's been a big change in the way the banks do business and are asked to do business, and all, all kinds of uh, attempts are made to prevent money from getting in the U.S. from terrorist groups. Well, guess what? Prior to Black Friday, it was incredibly easy to get money into the U.S. from any person in any other country. Incredibly easy through online poker. You have some guy in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq, wherever, deposit money there, a terrorist over there, deposit money onto a poker site, uh, play a, a, a convincing match, a convincing heads-up match to his uh, 
brother in arms here in the U.S., dump the chips to him, but not dump it in a way where it's going to be suspicious, but dump it in a believable fashion, a no limit, high limit, uh, no limit game or high limit, uh, limit hold'em game, whatever. Mm-hmm. Dump the money. Then the guy cashes out. Maybe the guy plays a little bit more to make it look realistic. Well, cashes you know, out. He gets the money, and you know what it looks like? This terrorist in the U.S. just was playing online poker. He happens to be an, an Arab American well, guy you know, or an immigrant who have, happened to win in online poker. I mean, nobody cares. Yeah. So, so I, I thought this is this is actually a big security hole. This isn't just some mm-hmm. something to, uh, to to tell the government, which actually isn't a threat. I thought, wow, here they're going through all this effort to prevent money from sneaking into the country. And yet there's this huge hole in security where if the terrorists realized it, they could take advantage of it. And I thought, wow, isn't this a perfect opportunity for the PPA to really freak out our lawmakers and say, oh, look at this. We have a big hole in our national security. All the attempts we're making to prevent money from getting to the terrorists that are living here. Well, guess what? There's an easy way for them to still get it and and show them that the existing online poker sites that are not regulated – that are that are out of the reach of the U.S. allow this, and that the solution is here not to try to to disallow these online poker sites because there's always going to be sneaky ways to get around it. There's always going to be online poker continuing to run, even even with the enforcement. As you see, we still have sites now. They're they're a lot harder to use and play on and get money on and off, but you can still do it, uh, even after Black Friday. So, if they were if a demonstration were to have been made about this major vulnerability to our national security through online poker and showing that if online poker were legalized and regulated, then nobody would have a reason to play on Poker Stars or Full Tilt or these ones that are out of the reach of the U.S. government and that everybody would play on the U.S. sites where this could not happen because you'd have mm-hmm. all the, the same sort of safeguards we have on our banks here. Uh, mm-hmm. I would think this would make a huge impact both to lawmakers and the media itself. The media would say, oh, look, we just found a way that on, that money could get into the U.S. Uh, from terrorists. And people go, oh, my God, we don't want another 9-11. We better legalize online poker because that's really the only solution to stop this money from getting into the country, stopping this uh, avenue of, of, uh, of funding for terrorism occurring on our home soil. I never saw that as a strategy used by the PPA. You, you, I, I don't know if you guys ever mentioned this at all, but if you did, it was never a major part of your strategy, and I felt this was just like a, someone underhanding you a pitch to smack out of the park, and you're just taking the pitch. That's what I felt. And I even suggested this myself and was ignored. And I, I don't want credit for it or anything. I'm just saying that th- this would be something, this is just one thing, that, that could have been done by the PPA in place of a lot of the poker isn't gambling rhetoric that I felt that they were wasting too much time on. So, so how do you feel about about what I'm suggesting there, and, and why was this never done? You know, I, I actually agree. I think it's a fine idea, and in fact, PPA started pushing the position strongly in 2007. Although I disagree that it's the the, the risk you 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 believe it is. I I think it's clear that there's something you know there that the government might want to address in terms of enforcement. And what we did after that was continue to advise lawmakers that this is a good way forward and then we started working with because uh, peter king you know uh, out in the house who, who directs the relevant committee for homeland security is a sponsor of pretty much all of the gaming legislation um, and, and especially the poker stuff been uh, very strong for us and moving forward to you know shore that up and really make that position uh, we working along with uh, fair play usa along with the team that you you believe 
to be, uh, you know, Caesars and MGM who can do all, um, worked with uh, former FBI Director Louis Free and uh, former Homeland Security um, Director Tom Ridge and had them make statements in favor of the approach of licensing and regulation of online gaming and especially of online poker as a way to address this very threat. They put out um, a joint letter, which PPA circulated to uh, Congress, and we let the membership know, trumpeted it up to the membership and included it in the uh, pre-written PPA letter to lawmakers for a full year as its own, like a full freestanding paragraph. So all the lawmakers would especially be alerted to, uh, you know, the fact that people of such prominence and expertise as as uh, you know, Louis for Director Free and, uh, and and Secretary Ridge, you know, are, are endorsing this specific approach. People who would not normally associate with the concept of licensed and regulated online poker, and it was pretty effective. It did get some attention, it especially got attention um, in the concept of if it moves to the states, it would just be fifty states with a quilt work of laws, and then leaving it to Congress to enforce, and then, in fact, that would lead to uh, some complications in enforcement of the very thing you mentioned. It came up in the hearings. PPA continued to push forward. In fact, um, while Fair Play USA did a good job on that part of it, it was kind of PPA's, the one in their demise has been the one that has uh, continued, uh, in fact, you know, pressing that because it's been a, a, a good point for us now it, Obviously, it's not going to win the day. We saw it didn't win the day, but I think you had a good thought there. I had the same thought a lot of people did. And just bringing it to fruition is the kind of thing that you need organizations like ours because if nobody can reach someone like Peter King and really, you know, and, and have him, you know, helping out and then going to people like, uh, you know, Louis Free and Tom Ridge, it's hard to really show them why they should just say, well, let's just ban it and then you don't have that risk. Um, and that's why it's so important for groups like these to be available because, you know, without these, they just they, – they'll always just give that ban mantra. Well, no, I agree mantra. these groups should – I agree with these – And I think – and, and so, I, so I agree with you there, and I'm glad, I'm glad PPA executed there. Well, but I, I didn't see so much of execution. I didn't see – Well, you didn't, but the people – I mean, it's just been out in all of our weekly mailers. I um, and, About, and about the, about you know, the we, whole we thing. With the... We put up press releases, you know. So, some media carried it, some didn't. I mean, if it didn't make it your way, I don't know what to say. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about what I was on your what phone. I was referring to, making a big thing about uh, making a big deal about the uh, national security risk. That even even if it's even if you think it's overblown, even if you think I'm exaggerating this, which I, I don't think I am, but even, mm-hmm. even if you think I am, I, I there, there's been so many attempts to pass laws and, and some that have been successful mm-hmm. since 2001 based upon perceived national security risks uh, and there's been a lot of criticism from from certain sides of the political aisle that uh, you know they're just scaring the people to get these laws passed and that mm-hmm. uh, it's not a realistic threat or this isn't actually going to help anything we, we've heard these arguments uh, uh, not related to poker but uh, why not use the the uh, concern that people have and especially had ba- back in uh, 2001 and and you know five years later in in 2006, which was you know still a very high level of concern regarding a, a home soil terrorist attack. Why not really seize upon that? And and, yeah, we, and, and we, yeah. we did, but the I, problem I, but is, no, I, yeah, I don't people, think anybody in our chat remembers this. I don't know anybody who remembers well, that you they, guys seized on. They may on. not, but the you know, the people 
they're kind of from a little different sphere. They think PPA is just, I don't know, flying private jets around. I, I no, I don't think that. I don't think you guys are, I don't think you guys are, are spending wanna... money personally. I don't think you're, I don't think you're embezzling money. I don't think you're, you're taking lavish uh, vacations or staying in first class hotel rooms. That's other people who are making these statements or criticisms or, or, or accusations. I, I don't believe that to be occurring. You, the money can actually be sure. unwisely spent without it being blatantly wasted on, on frills for the people. Either, but, but let's get back to this. We did. We did exactly what you said. We pushed it. We pushed it hard. We didn't push it as like the only thing the government needs to clamp down and you know and stop it because I think our membership would have just thought we were trying to ban poker. But we got the relevant experts instead of us just rambling on. We went ahead and got actual experts who would be listened to in the halls of Congress. So unfortunately, a lot of the people who said that just started off with the idea, "I want to ban online poker," and then thought up reasons. So when you go back to them and try to fight the reasons, they just blow them off because they're still on their original point of wanting to ban it. And, and that's and that's what we saw with some some of the lawmakers. But a lot of them did pay attention. It resonated as a concept. I think it helped with Senator Kyle bringing him on board and uh, working up a proposed bipartisan bill at the end of last year, the Reed Kyle bill. I think it was maybe not instrumental, but I think it was important. I think you and you make a good point that that was a good approach to make. It, it had its value as part and parcel of something bigger. But it wasn't, I mean, you have to admit, having Tom Ridge and Louis Free saying so is much better than just PPA saying, you know, putting out a scary a scary press release. But even with that muscle behind it, um, you know, it wasn't going to carry the day, but uh, it was certainly helpful. All right. And PPA executed it, and I'm very happy that we did. Because right, if we didn't do it, it wouldn't be out there. Let's move to the next topic. I, the, the chat room's even getting impatient that they uh, they think this is going on too long. I I actually think you know I actually enjoy all these discussions here, but uh, mm-hmm. um, you know the the, the chat room uh, <laughs> wants, to, yeah. wants to see us move on, so we'll move on. Uh, the uh, the poker the PPA is called the Poker Players Alliance, uh, and it's not yes. called the PLA, where the Poker Lobbyist Alliance. And the reason I say mm-hmm. that is that the, this is from the PPA's mission statement that's on the website today. The mm-hmm. PPA's mission is to establish favorable laws that provide poker players with a secure, safe, and regulated place to play. Through education yes. and awareness, the PPA will keep this game of skill, one of America's oldest recreational activities, free from egregious government intervention and misguided laws. So yes. the reason I just read this is, is the PPA's own mission statement claims it wants to provide players with a secure and safe place to play. Now, Absolutely. in 2007 and 2008, information mm-hmm. came out that established beyond any reasonable doubt that the owners of both Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet were cheating their own players by viewing their whole mm-hmm. cards and playing against them. So the PPA, yeah, you know, a million people, I don't know if you had a million people in 2008, but a, a million people mm-hmm. or somewhere around there, uh, very large and influential at the time in the world of poker, huge membership base. Uh, many people continued playing on both sites because they just weren't aware of the scandal or they wrongly thought that everything was resolved and, and was okay. And it was so tough for people like me. I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, I appeared on 60 Minutes. I appeared on CNBC. Mm-hmm. I kept shouting yes. from the mountaintops as much as I could. Uh, and, and people even asked me, you know, why are you going on these shows? You know, aren't you afraid someone's going to, you know, you know, these are companies with a lot of money you're, you're speaking against. Aren't you afraid someone's going to come after you? I'm like, I don't want that to happen, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm-hmm. speak out. I, I want to say what I think everyone needs to know. I, I want to, I'm not going to shy away from the spotlight out of per, any kind of personal fear. I, I want the truth about these companies to be known. And I want everyone to know that mm-hmm. it's not over. It was not made right. Yes. And, and et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yes. the PPA was so large and influential at the time. And, um, what did the PPA do to make its members aware 
of the AP and UB scandals. And, and uh, did, did the PPA ever release a statement directly advising its membership base to stay away from those two sites? Yes, we, 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 issued, we issued a statement at the time. Uh, we actually had uh, you know, Senator D'Amato sign it, um, outlining the situation with uh, Ultimate and Absolute, advising people um, you know, not to play the site. That warning actually still stands. It was never retracted because it was not resolved you know, to uh, our satisfaction. Now, at the time, of course, we were, as an organization, you know, focused on the lobbying part, to ensure that we had something legislative because we saw the very risk of having sites located offshore. Um, so, so that's where we were in terms of putting out that warning for uh, absolute and ultimate. Now, when it came time after Black Friday, of course, we were, um, were, were kind of practiced at that. So you know, when it came time to uh, you know, putting out a lot of public statements, really pushing full toll full poker for what they needed to do, we were uh, a lot, obviously, were... Um, able to execute, especially because we had a regular uh, weekly update by well, then. Let's, th- let's think um, back and I, to, and I to 2007, 2008. So. I, I don't want to really talk mm-hmm. about 2011, because by, by Black Friday, UB was done. You couldn't, it, it was just gone. There, there, mm-hmm. There's nothing further to say, uh, uh, other than I told you so to the people who kept playing there. Well, we put our warning out longer. We, but, didn't put, we put so, our warning so out that's my, that's contemporaneously. We didn't where, put out in 2011. Where, where was the warning put? Where, how did people receive it? It, um, we posted it on 2 plus 2, we mailed it out, and we had it on the website at the time. So did, did the and million it should, members... it should still be on the... It, it's probably still accessible via the website, but you know, we, we, we uh, definitely alerted people. Uh, Absolute and Ultimate never contributed to PPA, never gave well, no, that's a different PPA story. a dime directly or indirectly, so I, I think that's very important. But that's not what I'm asking, though. That, I mean, that's a good... No, but, but, but that's what I'm saying, though, because uh, uh, you, know, you throw it out, and I want to share that there was no issue on that. I'm happy we are able to uh, you know, do what we need to do. I play online. I mean, I'm out five figures myself on full tilt. I understand how it is. Um, you know, it's just terrible, the terrible situation in, in terms of how this transpired. Nobody's more upset about it than I am. No, but I'm not talking about whether – I mean, it's a good – it's, good, fraud, that you guys, it's good that you guys made it clear that you didn't accept money from AP and UB, and that was one of my questions in the past, and I'm, I mean, I'm glad you haven't. But uh, that's that's a different situation than advising yep. your membership base. That's what I'm trying to understand. But, did, did, but did you yeah, send an email out to every single one of your million members and say – Warning! Star, 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 star! Warning! Uh, UB and AP uh, have a cheating scandal. Do not play there. You know, it was something advising the members, not just that uh, we're not taking money from them, or we don't support this, or or we're we're looking into no, we the put situation. Out a, we put out we put out a warning. We put, I, I linked it when I uh, answered your questions uh, like a couple of years ago, um, when you had a question on this as well. But uh, Senator D'Amato put out a written warning. Um, but where was it? it out the, nobody seems to remember this. Nobody. That's what I'm saying. Every, if it's on your website that most people don't visit, I mean, I can go look at the traffic stats for the PPA website. It's not. You don't get very much traffic there. So if you have a million members, but only uh, was, a thousand people a month, it was, visit, it, was, it, was, it was emailed out. It was posted two plus two. It, it had a, a lot of discussion out on two plus two. I mean, had a, a lot of discussion in, in terms of you know, stepping up and warning people not to play. And you know. People know about that for some reason. Even people knowing about the cheating scandal, knowing about the warning, still played the site even up through Black Friday. It's well, really yeah, sad. Course, I think yeah. some I mean, people were bum hunting. They some were, people yes. just hope you know hoped it was fixed. I, I, I have no idea. What, what I what I found Demato here, put out his warning. What I found here, the reason people were playing there, there were some of the pros that were just greedy and felt that the site was now soft yeah. because the, uh, yeah, the, the a lot of the soft. pros left, and uh, you know those people I was very mm-hmm. critical of and still am. 
but uh, the other people played because they just simply didn't know. These are people who, mm-hmm. and with a million membership base, that I think a lot of those people, if they were reached properly, and they understood that the Poker Players Alliance, a respected organization, has has analyzed the situation. They believe that the same ownership is still in place. That the players were not made right. You know all, all the all the talking points on two plus two and and elsewhere that that have been made about UB and and AP ever since these scandals broke. That we strongly advise do not play on these sites. They are not safe. They are being run by the same people who are cheating you. The people who cheated you are the ones making money off your rake. Uh, you, you need to understand like like. What was in this letter? I, I I would love to see this letter, and I would love to see you know make sure that this letter yeah, was actually emailed to all the members because nobody I know ever received this. You know, here's here's an article in uh, PokerNews.com, um, July twenty third, two thousand eight, from actually from Haley Hensey. Says uh, PPA Chairman Alphonse Damato released a statement on ultimate absolute cheating scandals early on Tuesday. The PPA released a statement authored by its Chairman, former Senator Alphonse D'Amato, regarding the unfolding insider cheating situation at Ultimate Bet and a similar situation at Absolute Poker that was exposed uh, months earlier. Um, and it goes on and says, D'Amato's statement called for a full and public disclosure of the affairs, included a renewed call for a licensing and regulatory framework you know, for consumer protections. And it goes on and on. Um, it was covered there. It was covered in 2 plus 2. It was emailed out. Um, that, that's, that's, the big, that's the big point here. The email that I, I believe there were statements posted on certain websites and even on two plus two, but that's that's just a small percentage. That's a very small percentage. You're, you're not going to find any thread uh, on two plus two ever that was viewed by a million different people. That even the ones that show a million views uh, were viewed by the same people, you know, a thousand times. Uh, the, you're not going to find, you know. I mean, I, I, catch up. I mean, there's nobody that cares more about the integrity of the game than PPA and me personally as an online player. Um, I, I don't know if you're suggesting. But, but where was the, where was know, the email? Just let it go. I mean, I, I don't believe the email went out. I don't believe people received by email a clear thing saying don't play these sites for these reasons with the very strong reasons that were outlined on two plus two and elsewhere. I just I don't remember receiving this myself. I don't remember anybody else I knew receiving it. I've asked a lot of people, you know, who've been on the PPA mailing list since the beginning. Did you ever get this about a UB? And these are people who are very dedicated about the UB thing. Not not just people who would have forgotten. They all say no. Nobody has. Any memory well, of receiving this? I, we put the we put the statement out. I don't think it came out as you say the warning, warning, warning at the top. Well, why I not? Think the statement stood for itself and was and was put out as it was. I don't understand I, I this. You know, I, I, it, it, I'll tell you why it bothers me so much is because mm-hmm. I I thought that this the Poker Players Alliance, an alliance of poker players, are trying to find a secure and safe and regulated place to play. forget the regulated because we don't have that until the laws get passed. Yeah. But a secure and safe place to play. And, mm-hmm. and the, UB and AP were the opposite of secure and safe. It was it wasn't just not yeah. safe. The the ownership was cheating us. So yes. so I mean, how could there not be a really strong and visible statement that everyone fully completely understands that that this is a really bad news over there, and everyone should definitely stay away. Not not just kind of muddled in a, in a in a statement of you know, we've never taken money from them. We we're, we're investigating. We blah 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 blah. No, you know, stay it away. It wasn't muddled. We we put it out. We put out right, for a former senator signed it. It, it was distributed. Um, I mean, I you know if people don't read two plus two. People don't read pocket fires. They don't read poker news. Um, you know, your own contributor uh, Haley wrote the article, so it was obviously somebody heard about it. But here we are. Um, you know, and again, this is this is four years ago. Uh, obviously, now I mean, you can't say after Black Friday we didn't write enough about uh, 
about Full Tilt because then I was in charge of the writing and I was writing and writing and writing about it. Uh, but in terms of that, like I said, no one's more disgusted than I am. Nobody cares more uh, about the way things are going, and that's part and parcel. We take these risks when we play So do you think, do you think if stuff, we ask I mean, the, the people who were involved terrible. in the UB stuff that uh, the, the main players you – know, forget myself because I, you know, I, I'm obviously biased here. But if you ask all the other main players, do you think they're going to say the PPA was behind us, the PPA was making sure their membership knew to stay away from UB? Because everybody I've spoken to has the same you know, opinion I, I, as me. That, you, that, that, you didn't even – you didn't even hear about, um, you know, you know, Louis Free and Tom Ridge out there with Homeland Security. It was news to you, and maybe to other people, this was news to them as well. Maybe you know, if you if you don't if you're not following PPA, you're not following what the organization's doing. I didn't say um, I hadn't heard what. Haley, was... Haley, like I said, Haley found out. I asked Haley how she found out. No, it Haley it talked no about things. Haley talked about some statements that were made that very few people read. I'm talking about things that would reach the average recreational player on UB who happens to also be a member of the PPA. You know, a million people. We don't have a million poker pros out there. There are not a million poker pros in, the, in this country or in the world. There just aren't. So most most of these million people are recreational players that at some point or another join the PPA. A lot of these people would have. You know, I I understand you went on the news and you got you got to you know you'll be the promotional person and I think that's great. Um, I think it's great you're on 60 Minutes, but I understand you know now you probably think we're supposed to put out a daily thing you know for a year and buy commercials on TV warning no. people and, and all this email kind of your stuff. own people. We it... put out the word. We put out the word, um, and I stand behind what we did. I mean you know nowadays we're, we're probably you know we were uh, maybe we're I, I think a good example again was how we've been uh, communication wise after Black Friday, but how we how we put the word out. Nobody was stronger than having a former senator signing a letter condemning what happened out there. Nobody is stronger about being on forums, communicating with people, posting it out there. And nobody just posted it and sat on it. We're all out there talking, talking it up about everything that's going on. There's really nobody who was playing who just had not a clue that there was an issue with Ultimate. Whoever would have even read this email if they didn't hear about it um, otherwise, because it was all over the place, including the emails. So if you put out five emails, if they didn't read the first one, well, I guess send out ten because they're going to you know, delete the first nine. Um, this was very important. No, not, all not delete. Ten. I, fact, I make, make it it's very why, clear. It's why every bill since then includes consumer pr- protection in its title, because this is an outrage to everyone. It didn't imply that somehow I'm not outraged or or PPA doesn't care. Couldn't be further from the truth. But it, it, was, fact, it didn't seem to be important to the PPA. Nobody even remembers forward. it. Nobody remember. Let's go on two plus two. Yeah, can you search out on two plus two? Yeah, people probably were paying attention as can you, much to. Can you search on two plus two? People saying in that era, PPA is stronger now. So you're you're imagining a PPA now where everybody really hears what we're doing. People are reading our stuff. People are paying strong attention. We weren't getting that kind of attention. That's not, then because that's not, that's not what I'm asking here. You, you had a million thought, people. You had a million people. Yeah. If you if a million people got a notice, a strong notice from the PPA saying don't play on these two sites, I'm sure there would have been a talk all over 2 plus 2 about this about the PPA coming out against AP and UB and and you know engineer what you know the engineer what do you think you know w- w- John Pappas what do you think do, should we really stay away are, are, is that what you're saying like I, I didn't see any of this on 2 plus 2 is, is there anyone on yep. 2 plus 2 that posted we're staying away from U- UB because PPA told us that uh, we should I, I don't think you can find one post like that yeah I can't make people listen to what we're doing well, out of a million air, people not one and again, we're talking about five years ago. What we're doing now, um, if you want to, if you don't want to, if if you don't want to support the group because of something five years ago that's been rectified in terms of how we present ourselves, and, and I stand by how we did it then. But you'd almost be saying, you know, um, it, it is what it is. No, that's just but one of I, many I things. I contend so. that 
you're, you're taking today's example of how people pay attention to everything we say and transporting it back in time to when we're starting out and building the organization. People are, people are focused on what we're saying, so that's why if we say it, you hear it. But maybe then, you know, when we said it, people really weren't hearing it. It's, an, it's, uh, it's apples and oranges. But people are hearing me, and I'm all over 2 plus 2, like I said, 20,000 posts. And I've had my opinion out there on this UB thing the whole time. So I, I, but I, I'm, um, I'm if we had plenty you, of discussion now, are you gonna if if they're not saying well PPA is the one they heard it about, that doesn't mean we didn't tell them. It just no, I, I'm saying that out of a, a million people, if you guys made a strong statement against them, you would have had a lot of people that would have remembered receiving the statement that have actually stopped playing there because the PPA, a respected organization with a million members that's supposed to represent all poker players, said to stop playing there, and there would have been a lot of people on 2 Plus 2 we saying, did. hey, that's I quit us. because we of, of PPA. We, so, we put out a letter. We put out, Senator DeMotto signed a letter. We put but that's put up on some website. I'm talking about if email you, I'm to each person. Started, listen, there's an entire poker community. Um, we, did more, we did more than most. If you're saying, you know, we, we did our part, everybody – can do their part and let everybody know what's going on with ultimate poker ultimate bet the idea that um you, you know somehow you, you know we're responsible to make sure those million people learned understood and quit the site um i think most of them heard and just didn't care or just figured it was solved just figured well i didn't lose my money i don't care and kept playing or they or they did care and they withdrew but they didn't tell you about it um and they didn't tell me about it either you know, they did their thing, but we put out our word and we did our part. I'm going to move on, I'm going to move I, I, on but I have to say it's very hard for me to believe that uh, a million people would get this strongly worded letter and, and, and it, uh, it would have no effect and nobody would be talking about it on 2 plus 2. That just doesn't sound right to me. Anyway, let's, uh, let, let's move on, though. I'm sure we could argue nobody about this for, fi- for five hours if we wanted to. But, uh, um, we posted, right? People posted Haley's article on there, too, you know, back when it was written, too, and it got some discussion. But to, to act like suddenly you know, it, it was world-changing, you know, people are going to do what people okay. are going to do. Well, okay, we'll move on here. Uh, the, let's move on to some more current issues since you've uh, um, – that, that's the end of the old issues. Let's talk about the uh, issues facing us today. I want to talk about the full-tilt money situation. Um, yeah. You wrote this on 2 Plus 2. Mm-hmm. Getting money back isn't even part of the PPA mission. It's something I'm glad we, I'm glad we can help out with, but mm-hmm. it's not That's something right. ever promised to you. We're a lobbying group. I thought it was really funny when people who aren't even paying dues are complaining, you know, because they complain about everything, but they're on your forum complaining about our lawyers that somehow they're sitting on their couch imagining that the right lawyers could just twist the money out of the DOJ and actually complaining. And I commented to the people on 2 Plus 2 who were writing this in a different forum. I'm out in NVG, and I am a moderator of NVG as well, um, that, it, that it humored me that they think that PPA is like some kind of group there to, like a for-profit group trying to sell something, not all of us coming together to stand up for ourselves. And I'm glad we were able to stand up, provide lawyers out there, but you read our mission statement. We never promised. They acted like they're promised um, you know, this excellent legal representation we have out there with an ex- with someone with some really good expertise dealing with the DOJ. Now, I'm out five figures myself. I, I'm glad we're out there. People, sh- they should be saying, thank you for having someone out there. If they don't like it, they should say, well, I want to get my own lawyer out there too. Let's take up a little collection and uh, somehow get this magic guy who really knows how to, you know, twist some arms out there as if the DOJ, you know, because they're used to keeping the money when they get it. For us to go through there, and really show them that we're victims of a fraud and we deserve our money back when their natural tendency would be to say, well, you, you guys are, you know, shouldn't have been involved in this enterprise. You shouldn't have been playing online. And that's what you get, which would have been their typical response. It was a great outreach from PPA. I think most people who play full tilt and have money locked up, which, again, is I'm in that group, should be saying, 
you know, kudos to PPA for standing up. Well, okay, and but but, but what it takes out there. But we we never said, hey, you know, I've got a lawyer for you every time. We're we're the guarantor of uh, you know, going out there. And if we if we just didn't do it, nobody would have said anything about it. Nobody would have expected us to be there. So I was kind of humored when we did go out there. And somebody who's not even a member was acting, you know, chagrined that hey, I deserve more. This is why I didn't join. This is why I'm not a member because you didn't do this for me and you're not doing this you're not doing that for me um when this is something we're doing together to stand up for ourselves okay but uh, and I was you're, actually right, getting, and you're absolutely right i did say that i know i know you said that so no my point is that this isn't in your mission statement but mm-hmm. um uh, this is something again the poker players alliance something that represents all poker players um, you, you shouldn't be throwing it in their face, saying, uh, um, you know, he, he said, if you prefer, feel, feel free to pursue your claim independently. There's no reason yeah. not to. But it's, we never promised you this. I mean, that's, that, that's to me that comes off as an arrogant statement. It's something that the PPA should be doing. It's the biggest issue right now, aside from fully legalizing online poker in the U.S. Aside from that, the biggest issue right now is whether we get our money from full tilt. Yes, it didn't have to do with lobbying. But uh, it, it is a big issue. It's such a huge issue that I would think you would just, and I know you guys eventually did, but I would think you would just get involved in this. No, and not, we and didn't not... eventually do it. We had already done it. And but, then but, the but, person but... was complaining after the fact. Um, and, you know, when I post on 2 Plus 2, I've been at 2 Plus 2 since before I was even a PGA member. Um, even before I was doing any advocacy stuff, I was on there just posting my poker hands and stuff like that. Um, and that's where I come in. So if you want someone from the community to join PPA, they can't just suddenly have to turn that off and become a, a corporate spokesperson whenever they post. They have to be able to interface with that very community they come from. See, I didn't come from PPA to go to 2 plus 2. I came from 2 plus 2. I came from Pocket. But I, I, I don't understand how that answers what I have to say just, here. Just as I don't, how does so, that answer anything? I'm saying here that, that – That answers exactly. So it doesn't answer anything. That, I'm going to answer from the community of – yeah, this specific thing. You I'm said it's, getting money back is mm-hmm. not part of the PPA mission. It's something glad that's we right. can help out with, but it's not mm-hmm. something we ever promised you. I mean, that's a, that's mm-hmm. saying we're doing you a favor by helping you get back your money. You're not. You guys have received millions of dollars over the years, a lot from poker sites, but you have a million members. It's something to be expected from the Poker Players Alliance. Not something you could you, that you're. We should be happy you're helping out with. And I, you could say, not a paid, no, no, somebody who's not a paid member shouldn't expect to get a lawyer from a, a group that of of people who are, try, who are banding together to volunteer to stand why, up for themselves. Why not? You're the Poker Players we're Alliance. The, you're, you're, you're helping all of us. Yeah. Isn't that what's supposed to be going on? We're helping the membership, but we're about people who are standing up for themselves, who are doing their part, who are frustrated and angered by government trying to take their rights, who are standing up for themselves and who are having themselves heard on Capitol Hill. The people who sit on their sofa and daydream about private jets and caviar lunches when I'm here. But you keep saying that. That's never been my point. That's never been Um, my point about the caviar and the lunches. You keep repeating that like I'm saying it. Including the person I was responding to on 2 Plus 2. It was a typical troll, someone who just... You know, he's online, he's anonymous, and he thinks he's going to you know, get his 15 minutes of fame. And I'm going to go in there and, sh- and very forcefully stand up for what we're doing. I'm very proud of what the organization is doing. And that's fine. I don't mind, I don't mind, you, you, I don't mind you standing up for what you're actually doing. But, uh, but, yeah. but you, you weren't – you may have been answering a troll, but you weren't uh, – you said something to this person, whether it's a troll or not, that 
It's not something we ever promised you. Um, it's not part of our mission. It should always be that, and I think that's one problem with the PPA. They're, you're so worried about the mission. You're so worried about uh, whether this directly falls under the mission of lobbying, and that's where I think, even though you won't agree, I don't want to go back to this whole argument mm-hmm. again with the UB thing. I felt that again, this wasn't exactly part of your original mission. So, so you know, put a half-hearted attempt or, or very little attempt to uh, to warn the players. And this would have been the most valuable thing the PPA could have done to date. Would have been get everybody off UB that that you can. Uh, but 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 that was barely done, and I think with this, at least you guys are involved with this now. I'll give you credit for that. But but at the same time, uh, why, why throw it in people's faces on two plus two that that uh, uh, this wasn't in our statement, but we're doing it anyway. This is something as the Poker Players Alliance of a million people with, with such a large budget that that you should be doing. When I say a large budget, I'm not I'm not being like the trolls on two plus two saying you're wasting the money on caviar or or on first class flights, but that. Uh, this is something that should be expected, not something that, that uh, you should get a pat on the back for. When I say you, I don't mean you personally. I mean the organization of, of PPA. But, but uh, moving well, on. Well, that's a very good reason. If you, like, if you started a group and you got like 50 people together, do you owe me a lawyer? I mean, there's some point where it's about the people who are, who are contributing, doing their part for the organization. If somebody just sits back and, and just kind of making up stuff that's not even true, saying, uh, and then, you know, coming up with, and they think the PPA is something that's supposed to be giving, not an opportunity. You know, like, like uh, JFK said, it's not what, don't ask what your country can do for you. You know, ask what you can, it's about what you can do for your country. We should, we're standing up together. And there have always been a handful, a very small handful of people from the time we've been going who just kind of look at it like, it's supposed to be something flowing to them, and they complain quite bitterly. And again, it's a very small group, but the idea that I'm going to apologize and the group's going to apologize, we're going to stand strong. We're going to, we're proud of what we're doing. I didn't say apologize. Well, I just said not I'm make gonna, gonna, offensive gonna, statements it, like that to people. Well, if, you, if you're offended, so be it. I, um, I don't mean I, just, I am personally. I, I mean, I, think, I mean, it's just it makes the group offended. look arrogant, like like we're doing you a favor to try to go get your full tilt money for you. That like, you're not. You're you know, the Poker Players somebody, Alliance. Some, Somebody didn't donate money, then it's a favor to them. If they're not a paid member, it's a favor to them. So, so you're saying that the non-paid members, it's a favor. What about the ones who paid? So you, you didn't well, say you, your statement didn't say anything well, about, I, about paid members and non-paid members. You said it's not part of our mission. Not, yeah, he he was not a paid member. So to come in and act like suddenly just because we have a name that suddenly I you know the organization would owe not just having a lawyer, they're actually making sure the money comes back, and that should be automatically. PPA's responsibility, regardless of if they can give it back or not, um, goes above and beyond you know, what we came together to do as poker players. And, you know, if, if that's the standard, and especially the idea that, you know, if you couldn't win it in three years, you probably never should have started because that's the only thing that matters. You know, where would we be today if we didn't have any kind of organization? But we this isn't really answering that. You, your statement has nothing to do with people who are paying and not paying for the organization. And earlier in this discussion, you said that you're happy yeah, to have all million members and that a lot of the people, they, they don't contribute their, their money, but they contribute their time. I think anyone posting on 2 Plus 2 is, other than obnoxious trolls who are doing just a troll, but anyone bringing up serious points on 2 Plus 2 is contributing their time to try to help the PPA and try to discuss what they feel is the best for the PPA to do for the poker community. And, and to say, well, you didn't contribute money, so you know, we're, we're doing you a favor here getting back your money. I, I don't think that's a, a good thing to be saying to your million member base. Whether... I think it is when somebody comes in and, 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 and specifies that this is an entitlement and coming in and, and, spe- and saying, hey, where's my this, where's my that, as if it's supposed to be flowing to them. I think it's absolutely right to remind people that we formed as a lobby group. Judge us on what we say we're doing what you joined for 
And when we're able to do that extra, I think it's awesome. I was, I was one of the primary ones pushing to ensure we could do everything we could, but to come in and, you know, demand that somebody do this for you is going to elicit that type of response. And like I said, I make no apologies for it. That's, that's, um, us standing up for ourselves as an organization. I'm, I couldn't be more proud of what we're doing. Um, if we're not there, nobody else is there, as you said yourself. And if nobody's there, I don't think Governor Christie signing that bill is going to do in a few weeks. Okay, so and let's, it's, let's it's move on to the next. Uh, we're talking too long about a forum post, so we'll move on here. Um, the the uh, the meeting with the DOJ and, and the PPA mm-hmm. statement about the meeting. It was stated the PPA that reaffirmed earlier assertions that 100% of the player money should be refunded. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I, why was this reported? I, I, as far as I, I had understood, as far as everybody I know has understood, is that this was something that was part of the original plan when PokerStars bought Full Tilt for $750 million, that mm-hmm. uh, a, a certain par- portion of that $750, uh, $750 million would be used to fully pay back all players, at least all the ones who would request their money through you know, this, this system that uh, has yet to be described by the DOJ. So, yes. so if that's already going to be done, why would this be part of the PPA's statement that uh, we uh, we reaffirmed that uh, that this needs to be done? Why, why even put that in there? Uh, to me, it looks like something like the PPA when this is done, which is almost surely it's going to, unless the DOJ has an mm-hmm. about face that uh, nobody would understand. Uh, mm-hmm. Could take credit. Well, we said they should do it, and they did it. So why even mention this? If this is a, a, a moot point, if it's going to happen, if it's a done deal, why, why even start out the uh, the statement from the PPA with that? I think it's important to share with people. I've gotten a lot of people asking me the status of Full Tilt, what's going on, what was said at the meeting, that was said at the meeting. I think it's important that they've uh, reiterated that's what they're going to do because how do you know they're not going to change their mind and just keep it? It's in their pocket well, right do, now. But do, then, you, do you think making that statement to them is going to change, you know, is going to change that? I mean, they, if, they're, if they're going to go back on what they agreed with PokerStars... Uh, which they absolutely could. They, they could, but the PPA sure. saying, yeah, we expect you to do that, that's not going to mean it either way. But do you... Let's say they... Let's no, say they, they reaffirmed actually, it, and I think it's good for people to know that you know, once a certain amount of time has passed, that that's still their mindset okay, of what so, they're doing. So, so it's been a while. I, see, listen, I'm, I'm off five figures, and I'm here. What would I like to know? And I would like to know that they said that's their intention. They reaffirmed that that's their intention. Okay, that, that brings me to my next point. And people ask me, what have we heard? That and brings me to share, my next we're point. We're going to share what I've heard. It, it seemed in this meeting, that, that brings mm-hmm. me to my next point, which is more important. It seems in this meeting, there was very little that was asked for, as far as firm commitments go, timetables go, commitments. They, they mm-hmm. uh, um, as far as I know, they didn't even answer. They didn't even say, yes, 100% of the money is going to be refunded. As far as I've seen from your statement, which is all I have to know, I wasn't at the meeting. Okay. Uh, from your you, statement. You sounded like you were. <laughs> no, from, no, I'm, I'm going from your own uh, uh, mm-hmm. description. And, and I would yeah. think that you would never leave out anything that would be positive that was from the meeting. Uh, yeah. that, that that would make the PPA look good. I think that would that wouldn't be mm-hmm. very good from a public relations standpoint. So I think that anything omitted probably did not happen. And uh, so, for example, uh, you said that, that it was reaffirmed that uh, the PPA wanted 100% of the player money to be refunded. It did not say the PPA agreed. Yes, we're not the PPA. The the DOJ agreed that we're going to do that. It, it looks mm-hmm. like to me from this meeting. And may, were you were you actually at the meeting, or was it just Pappas? Just lawyers. Oh, and oh, just lawyers, or, or we don't just fly, you know, just fly around. I mean, you know. Well, I mean, that, that would have been a good place for you to be. I think that would be a great expenditure of the money to send uh, 
the PPA top brass there. So you, you and, and DOJ John Pepper's... doesn't uh, DO, just meeting with DOJ lawyers. So they don't respond to that type of stuff. They don't respond to. Politics. Oh, you're saying they're, 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 they're insular, but no, I was, were you at the meeting? I'm, I'm, I'm asking. No, you no, I wasn't at the meeting. And was John Pappas at the meeting? I, I don't know. Okay. If, if, so, so who was there? But lawyers, our, our lawyers were there. But your lawyers had... and, and DOJ lawyers were there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't, they don't respond to that type of political pressure. What they respond to is, you know, you go in there and kind of explaining um, someone with expertise in how the DOJ operates um, goes in there and kind of explains, you know, our perspective on how the remission process should happen. And we weren't there to see what, what the misconception I saw in 2 plus 2 is people thought <clears throat> it was all about us hearing from DOJ. We were there to tell. Uh, most of the meeting was about us exp- you know, giving them the specifics on how the remission should be handled. We've had a chance to see or at least to understand, you know, the types of information that DOJ should have now and to be able to share with them what they should be able to but, reasonably but, expect from players. I don't but, want to have to send them hand histories of five years or I don't get a dime. No, no, um, I, like, I agree, but you know, but, but, but I, I don't understand. What, what kind of meeting is it where nothing is really discussed or agreed to? Like, if it's just a matter a of telling them, you could send them an email. You don't need to, to send lawyers to Washington. You can send an email. Here are Here's well, the PPA's concerns, one, two, three, four, five. Like, it sounds like to me the PPA spoke. The, law, the lawyer said, okay, thank you. And and that's it. And and nothing well, was there was no commitments, no timetables, no questions answered. The only question that got answered, from what I could tell, is that it's going to be a really long time for us to get our money, which which uh, most of us thought anyway. But uh, but that was the only useful inf- piece of information that I got from that meeting, from reading the accounting of the meeting, uh, uh, from the PPA standpoint. I mean, when they listed everything that happened there, I'm like, okay, so the PPA said this, and the DOJ said, uh huh. The PPA said this, and the DOJ said, uh huh. And they, they didn't give any answer. They didn't say, yeah, you've brought up a good point. Yeah, we're going to look into this. Yeah, we'll get back to you. Yeah, we, we, we have this timetable for such and such. Nothing. You got no answers, and uh, and it didn't look like you guys pressed for answers. And, and it looked like the only answer that came out of the whole thing was uh, was that it's going to just take a long time, but we don't know how long. And, that's, and, and as far as what you said to them, it kind of just looked like you were speaking to, to uninterested parties. That just were, were kind of there to take notes, and that's it. And, and that when it comes to the grand scheme of things, they're going to do it their way and not give a crap. And uh, it just seemed to me that uh, more could have come out of this meeting. It seems to me like a, a meeting with a DOJ, uh, you can't force them to say what they won't say. You can't uh, force them to reveal details that they haven't even figured out themselves yet. And I understand that's, that. But, that's, but, uh, but, well, but, that's why we send people who understand the DOJ there instead of people like you and me. Um, because it doesn't just work the way we think it does, you know, from not being at the DOJ. Um, we have people very experienced at, uh, you know, dealing with these matters. We have someone, um, you know, um, Mark Swillinger, who has a, a ton of experience on, on how these matters work. And, and part and parcel is developing the processes and procedures for how the remissions process works. That's a, it's a cog in the process is when you go in, you present, here's, here's what the poker players are going to have. Here's what you should expect. You have their hand history. You have a lot of hands. You have a lot of people who are going to be submitting these and you, you can't process them the way you would process traditional um, fraud cases. Um, it's a very important function, but it's kind of, it's, it's in the weeds, you know, and I understand you might think you just go in there and say, Hey, give us our money. And no, when I don't are you going to have that. it? But it, it doesn't work like that. No, There's I don't think that. But I, what came out they of don't it? Have a, listen, listen. They don't have a clue how it works for you and me, what to expect from poker players. Just like like you said, it's almost like you think 
if you walk to Capitol Hill, everybody there's just an expert on online poker because that's, and then people are actually surprised when they don't but have it, to ask it, you what you do you did, and they don't really understand. You've got a, but a hold on here, was, was this an informational meeting um, where the lawyers saying to the PPA, listen, this, we don't understand this, we want to, can you guys educate us with the process, or, or are you just speaking to them and, and not necessarily getting any kind of results or any kind of, uh, forget commitment, any kind of notable interest that, that, that they're going to... This, this this, 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 now we're getting ridiculous. I mean, we've what's got ridiculous about very it? good lawyers out there, and you're just kind of sitting there on your couch saying, oh, man, this should be faster or this should be better. I'm not saying uh, that. I'm saying out there what doing came the out right of it. Thing. We're following the process, and this is how the process works. And if we weren't out there, who knows what would happen, but it's kind of unlikely DOJ would ever even have declared it a fraud in the first place because we were out there early on working with them. And it's a long process, and part of it is going through with these recommendations on how to proceed when, when on, you, when on you these make things, a, and that's what they're out there for. When you meet them, when you, regardless if it's your, if it's your lawyers or if it's, uh, if it's you personally or John Pappas, whoever, if it's the PPA coming mm-hmm. to meet the DOJ, there, there yeah. has to be a plan, and there has to be some tangible outcome here. Where, okay, where, well, I should where hire. It, where it I, actually, I, I would prefer to rely on the experts who actually know how the deal. But, but so what do they I do? Mean, you I and mean, I can arm search quarterback saying, all day you long. Saying experts, you keep saying experts you did it, and I, I don't know how they do it. But, but what did they accomplish? What did they accomplish? If demanded a date, you wouldn't get anywhere with them because they don't work that way. They have to go through a process, and we don't want them to But do you think you guys actually influence the process with that meeting? absolutely. How? What? It just that's it just, just sounded like a bunch of statements were made, and they they took some notes, and they're not going to change a damn thing. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. It's that's like I I, 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 I I could I could walk into the office and say, hey, I have no, some, I can I can hand them. Off. You know what I mean? I could hand them or I could email them a statement and say, yeah, this is the way I feel you should do things, and they'll take it and they'll wipe their ass with it, and they'll throw it in the trash can, and they won't do anything differently. No, they would because we represent an organization. That's why it's important to have a representation of a group going in there on behalf of the victims who understand how DOJ works and working it through. If we're not out there, you're going to get some crazy remissions process that we're not even going to be able we're, to follow. We're going to get one anyway. Ask- That's my point. I don't think I don't think anything is going to change. I don't see how this changed anything. And in fact, I saw in the uh, in the statement from the PPA that the PPA said that they offered their help with the remissions process. What do you think the chances are that they're going to have the PPA help with the remissions process? I think about zero. Have you talked to anybody who actually understands the DOJ? Or you just I'm asking you, what, what do you think the chances you know, What do you think the chances are? We get a lot are? of people, I mean, it's not. It's easy to kind of just sit on your couch and kind of imagine how things work. No, I'm asking you a question. I'm not trying to insult you, but I don't have the expertise on DOJ either, neither do you. But what do you we think the chances are that, they are, that they are going to actually go to the PPA this. and say, hey, we want your help now? We, we have we have given them some help in terms of how what they can expect from the players and how to streamline their process so they can make. No, this you've work. just spoken to them. You just That's said this is what it. we want, and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, thank you. Okay, we we know what you want now. Goodbye. Like that that doesn't how mean it, anything. I mean, that's, how it works. but that, that's not going to affect anything. Okay? How do you know? What do you know about it? That, that, exactly. That's not, that's not how the government how works. The they don't just... You haven't spoken to an expert on how the DOJ operates. You haven't researched you know, the remissions claim process to the best of my knowledge. This is it's a it's a process. It's a lengthy process, and we all wish it were easier, but it's not. And if we're not out there, re- I've being said the whole time that it's a. People, I've said the whole time it's, it's a lengthy it's, process. I've said the whole time yes, that this is. I, I've never expected it's instantaneous process. refunds, but uh, but yes. what I'm saying here is I don't think that this I, this meeting looks to me like like either people or you say lawyers went there, made statements, they took them, 
gave that's no kind of our, response, no kind of plan okay. of action, and no kind of even even statement like that. We're going to review these, and, and and we might take these into account. Nothing. Just okay. Thank you for telling us goodbye. That that means nothing. That means nothing that's was how done. It works. You just that's well, how it works. you can say that's how it works. That means nothing's going to go on. All right, let let me uh, let, let's move on to a different I, subject I, here. I could I could try to get a new DOJ head out there and change the government processes. This is how it works out there. That's how that's that's the process. Okay, let's uh, step by step, and you cannot change how the DOJ is going to handle this. Let's go to another subject here. Uh, what, uh, actually, um, uh, yeah, uh, related subject. Uh, mm-hmm. There's actually something where we agree. Believe it or not, this is the full tilt point remuneration. I know you took a lot mm-hmm. of heat on two plus two. Why are you hassling with the full tilt points? The 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 important thing is to get the money. They said a lot of people were really angry at the PPA for for bringing up this point issue. Guess what? I agree with you guys. We should get our full tilt points paid out mm-hmm. in whatever they're worth, and we shouldn't ignore those. And this it adds up to a substantial sum of money. And if we're going to get fully uh, paid back for our balances on full tilt, that should include anything that that would translate. To something that could have been redeemed for something that has real value. So uh, there's no point for us to debate this back and forth if we, we both agree with the same thing. However, um, uh, I found I don't want to spend too long discussing this because it's, again, it's more of just about a forum post rather than the uh, PPA as a whole. But um, you made a poll on two plus mm-hmm. two, and yep. the poll uh, read as follows. In fact, I'm going to bring this up right now as we uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the poll is. Should FTP points be included in the request for FTP remission? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that, that that question is fine. But then the answers. Yes, I want cash points, etc. No, I want my cash balance only. Now, mm-hmm. if, if I came to you and said, uh, um, Rich, would you like me to give you $100 or would you like me to give you $500? Uh, which would you choose? I think I think we all know you choose give me five hundred dollars because uh, um, who would ever say no? Give me less money. Uh, so so this I found even though I agreed with the PPA's position on the FTP points, I, I found that this was typical of the way that I've seen a lot of the PPAs kind of double talk and, uh, and and attempts to skew things in their favor. Because you obviously when you made this poll, you were hoping that the poll would go in favor no, of the points. I wouldn't care if it all went against it. No, come on. Everybody wants the poll in favor of, of the position that they're, they're taking. I mean, I, I don't no. blame you. If I made that poll, I'd want it to be in my favor too. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. But, but I'm saying oh. here that uh, – this to me looks like an incredibly loaded question. Yes, I want cash oh, points, really? etc. No, I want my cash balance mm-hmm. only. Unbelievably, yeah. 28.97% actually said they don't want their points. They just want their balance only. For some reason, 28.97% of the respondents on 2 plus 2 uh, hate money. But uh, yeah. uh, I'm wondering, why wasn't this phrased honestly? Like, should we have brought up the matter of the full tilt points at the DOJ meeting? Y- yes, it's important. Or no, uh, it's detracting from the main message of getting the, uh, the, the cash balance back. That, that would have been an honest question. And I think, you know, you would have had some people on each side. And as I said, I would have been on your side on that one. But, uh, but why was this phrased in a very loaded fashion? Was this just an accident, or was this uh, – I mean, you have to agree this is a loaded question. Yes, I want my cash points, et cetera. No, I want my cash balance only. I think the question was fine because the question that came up on the forum was some people were suggesting we shouldn't even ask. And should we ask, should we not ask? 
and if you don't ask, you're not going to get your money. So it's that simple. We should ask. Um, we don't know anything until we ask. They can either say yes, no. They can say is a delay to find out, and then we know. But we don't know until we ask because somebody else has a loaded question. How long would you wait uh, for your money plus your points? And there's no suggestion from DOJ at all until we ask if there could be any kind of delay at all. No, but that's not um, the question. So I, we agree on the we agree on the thing with the points. There's no point to defend that. Like, like I I agree the. the, the I agree with you guys asking for the points. So there's no like you don't even have to answer that part of it to me. I'm just saying like that, don't you think that question itself was a, was was a loaded question? I mean, this is not a big issue. I'm just this is just it, it just irritated me when I read it because I'm like it always seems like yeah, the PPA is trying to it. prove themselves. I saw you posted yeah. about it on your forum. Yeah, I did. Uh, and it, it, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of weird, Dev. I mean, I'm, the reason I came onto the board from two plus two is because you know I'm part of the community. I post in a forthright manner, and they I'm, I'm very direct with people, and they know me. On the forum, and, that, and that's how I communicate. If I put out like this official stuff, like the uh, PPA weekly update, you know, we put things out in a in a, in a, in a more specific manner, um, you know. And I write that one myself. In fact, I write most of the stuff from PPA, or at least I have the one of the final edits. John Pappas approves it afterwards, but I do a lot of that ghostwriting and stuff, so it's actually never the reverse. But when I'm on the forums, um, again, I came from two plus two two PPA, so I'm very forthright in how we communicate because I, I don't want sit there like I'm some kind of a spin meister on there. Um, you know, we tell it like it is. So and you don't think that was a loaded question? A loaded on this particular question. question, there was a prior, there, there was a poll that derived on the same question that was more loaded because it's like, how long are you willing to wait? Two years, okay, four then, so years, that was a bad question ask. too. Um, and, and then this one was specific to that one where it said, you know, we don't know until we ask. So should we ask? Or if you don't ask, you don't get it. That's well, the choice. Yes, I want my cash. Points, there, there's no middle. If we don't ask, you don't get the money. If we don't bring it up, there well, is no, no money. Well, no, like the way then I phrase the it there, that, you know, should we have brought up the matter at the meeting? Yes, uh, it's important. No, let's let's focus only on the on the cash balance. That, but, that would have totally have gotten to the, the bottom of it. And I know I'm being, yeah, but I know this seems like a petty issue. Like, it's just, it's just, it seemed like to me kind of that this weird was. Weird to critique my forum. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that this, it just seems like that this is something typical that I would see on the, on PPA related posts from you and from others on, on two plus two that are always seeking to put the organization either in a good light or prove themselves right rather than really listening to everybody. And that's going to bring me, that's bringing me to my next point here. Well, I, want, I want to finish. I want to finish this one real quick. All right, because go ahead. The, the, the way you phrased it doesn't get to the crux of the problem because if we don't ask, there are no points coming. So if you ask, no, put it off. You can't put it off. You're either ask for it or you just let it go. And, and that's that's where it is. I mean, it's not a loaded question. Either we don't ask and you don't get your money for your points, or we ask and we try to get money for the points. That that's it, right now. If you drew a flow chart, there's a binary question right now. Either you ask or you don't ask, and then there's a follow-on after that, where the depending on the answer, that uh maybe um, yeah, but it would it would delay it or something like that. But you have to ask before you get to that point. And there are people on the forum suggesting don't ask. Um, they're saying don't, and they're being pretty forceful. And you saw it yourself, where they're saying, you know, you shouldn't ask. You should just worry about our money. And some people seem to think there was like a two-part remission where you could get your remission, they could close the books, and you come back and go ask for more. And hey, can no, I, more? I, no, I, but I don't, I don't think that. See, I, I'm fine with you guys. That's what I keep saying. I'm fine with you guys asking for it at the meeting. I'm just saying the mm-hmm. question itself, I felt was loaded. But the, let me move on to, to the next point. But the way you point. worded it didn't didn't actually encompass it because you're asking. The way you word it doesn't tell people that if they if we don't ask, they don't get their money for their points. They they forfeit them. 
And it didn't, the way well, you, you phrased it, you could have tweaked the question a little bit, but at least my question wasn't going to be loaded. But let, let me move to the next one here. You know, if I were, but yeah, if I weren't responding to somebody else, if I were just asking from the get-go and not because of that loaded. But, but it, wasn't a, it, it was a separate been. thread. You, you made a separate thread too. itself. It wasn't responding. Okay, let me move on here. The, well, you, ha- you have to do a separate thread for a poll. But it was a poll in response to a different poll. What, what I found on, on 2 plus 2 when the PPA is involved, is that the PPA is not good at taking constructive criticism from its detractors. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of arguing, a lot of defense, a lot of uh, we're doing this right, we're right, you're wrong, this is why we're doing it, understand it, you, you have no clue. I, I've seen a lot of that sort of thing written, but I, I, I've never once, in, in all of my browsing of, of PPA posts on there, I haven't read them all, so maybe you can point me to one that, that uh, is different than this, but I've never seen a single time that the PPA changed one of its major stances or strategies as a result of criticism from a non-friendly third party. What I mean by that is not not someone on the board, not someone who's always been buddy buddy with with you and the PPA and, and or John Pappas or any of those people, that, but someone who comes up and says, "I don't like the way PPA is doing things. You guys don't really know me. This is what I think is wrong." I've never seen it where you or anybody else in power of the PPA says, "Wow, you bring up a great point." You know what? We're going to try this next time. You know what? Uh, uh, we're going to change this. I've never seen that. I've only seen fighting back and forth. Not not necessarily fighting like call, name calling or or, or uh, insults, but I've seen just defend, 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 and refusing to consider that the other side might have a good suggestion or a good point if it contradicts anything the PPA is currently doing. So my questions is are, are have. Uh, do you agree that this is what's occurring? Uh, number two, c- can you name a single time the PPA changed one of its stances as a result of, of criticism on 2 plus 2? And, and you know, where can I find it? Don't just say it happened, but uh, give me an example I could find. And, uh, and, and if not, uh, does this mean that every critic of the PPA has been wrong for the last six and a half years? Well, for one, I think you might be kind of misreading it because, you know, you think we're a group of inept lobbyists and even more inept lawyers who can't even find the building for the you know, to meet with the DOJ. Um, but in reality, you know, I'm out there on the forums from, you know, from the inception of the ideas all the way through. And, you know, again, I've been out there since 05. So I generally have the zeitgeist going forward. Um, so we know why we do things and what we're doing. So when someone comes in, it's usually um, a lot of times what you would call criticism is just, you know, off the wall stuff that, uh, you know, comes out of left field. Um, and it's not really even based on reality in a lot of cases. And, of course, the responses are going to be, well, there's a reason that it is as it is. We explain it. But I take everything I hear into consideration, and that's why um, we're pretty popular in 2 Plus 2. I mean, I've, I've been there. Like I said, we've all been there for a long time. We interact with everybody. I, I explain what we're doing. I stick up for why we're doing things, if, but sharing my opinion, personal opinion, and sharing how some decisions were made. If some things... You know, if I if I see an opportunity where we can pick something up, I do take that as well. I don't know that I have an explanation or, or an example, mainly because I, it's hard to think of one where somebody just says, "Hey, you should do a 180." Like, for example, the guy who said, "Don't ask for our points." Um, I no, gave I'm, an explanation I'm not saying, why, and they I'm got, not saying got you should upset. back down every time uh, and say but, and but say, it, "Hey, you're right." But but like, in like six what? and a half I mean, years, find one time where you said. Hey, you know, you brought up a good point. Okay, we were doing it differently, but now we're going to change. It doesn't have, even something not major, even something minor. Can you point to one time where someone criticizing the way you guys did something? You said, "Oh, wow, you guys brought up something we didn't think of before." 
you were disagreeing with us and you know what you're right we're going to do it differently you know what people on my forum here like to joke that i never admit i'm wrong and and even on my forum at times i have said okay you know what you guys have brought up a good point i'm changing something i i'm changing a rule i made i'm changing uh something else i'm doing here because uh i thought this was a good idea you guys said it is and now i see it your way i'm going to do it your way but i i've never seen the ppa do that and this is from a guy who's very stubborn himself well i think Mainly, I, I don't just go in with my opinion and say this is what PPA is doing. I, I, I take the feeling from the community all the way from the get-go, so I'm already in line with the direction most of us would think we want to go. So usually the opponent's kind of someone who, who would hold a very um, opinion in the minority. <laughs> it's usually someone writes, oh, those tweets and Facebook posts you said, they don't work. Um, and my response shouldn't be, okay, we're going to stop. Uh, social networking activism um, you know, because someone doesn't understand what we're doing. I'm going to explain what we're doing. I'm not going to do it defensively and, until they start getting in my face, and then maybe I will. But I'm going to explain what we're doing and why. I mean, we generally think these things through. It's, they're not normally things you just kind of one guy runs off with, and it's something that's so obviously wrong. It just takes a forum post, uh, you know, to make the complete change. But but I, you see, um, I, I but, think, but think of an example. Question. Think of an example where somebody would post something where I should just where I would see that post and then say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do a 180. Uh, we've been doing it wrong. Um, I'm, I'm, usually it's usually it's someone with an idea that's constructive and along the lines of what we're doing. We absorb it and move along with it. You know what? Um, unfortunately, and, I think and, you're answering a different question than what I asked. You're answering the question of why don't you give, why don't you change something about the PPA every time someone from the forum criticizes you, and then you're telling me all the different things that you know why you can't do that, and that totally makes sense. I'm not saying that every person who brings up criticism you have to say, oh yeah, you're right, we're going to change. Obviously not. That that would be ludicrous. But uh, I'm asking, in six and a half years, has it happened once out of the countless criticisms the PPA has received, good and bad? I wouldn't say they're countless, but when they do come up, what we do, I always respond. Um, some criticisms aren't really, I mean, they're constructive criticisms, and we do um, change courses, change course so, based so wh- on them. when has it happened? I want to see, because I've just never seen it. I, re- I have not read every post on 2 plus 2 about the PPA or between you and others, so I can't well, say know. for sure I've never that it didn't happen, but I've never seen it. And the many times I've read uh, the your interactions with people and other PPA uh, bigwigs there, interacting with people i've never seen once where someone says yeah you're right we were doing it this way but you bring up a great point we're going to do it that way from now on i've never seen any form of that and and if it has occurred i'd like to hear from you when it has and if it hasn't you're really telling me that six and a half years of people commenting on the ppa not one person has brought up a good suggestion well, we get tons. We get a lot of great suggestions, but they're usually not couched as you described in outright hostile criticism. I mean, a lot of times we get very. We take. I take most of my direction of how we bring the organization based on what I uh, feedback we have on the forums. I think the forums are usually a really good sounding board for putting out the ideas of what we're doing. I mean, some things we've gotten were the initial ideas for social networking. A lot of that came from various posters who are po- pointing out different ways we could really make use of tools like Facebook and Twitter. And back in the day, Dig was actually a uh, top site where we're able to put a whole lot of poker stuff out there. I wasn't doing it at the time, and people were even a little bit critical, saying we should do more. We took that up, brought it along. Um, People were were criticizing us a little bit for, uh, they thought we could do a little bit more on the state stuff and not 100% federal. Um, We really weren't 100% federal. We're we're endorsing the New Jersey legislation and, and so forth. Um, but I made sure 
you know, when I heard it, we're putting a little bit more in the weekly updates, putting some more in the action plans, ensuring, you know, various governors were hearing from us a little bit more because, you know, some people were indicating that, you know, they thought they thought there was some room for improvement in there. And we, we took that one up. Um, we, we dropped the uh, membership rate to uh, $15 to give more people an opportunity to that's, be members. Well, that's, I thought that's that just was trying to get more. That's, that's just some, a business these are some sort things. of thing. I mean, that's not, that's yeah, not but these are, some, these are some criticisms that I've heard either on the forums or just emailed to me directly. And these well, were some things you know, like where now what you're hoping to find. I, you know, it's not like someone's going uh, to total critics to come in and just say, oh, your lobbying's terrible. And I'm going to come in and hire a new lobbying firm. No, no, no. I don't, I don't mean never that. Met the lobbyist. I, I'm and saying what, what, someone bringing up an example of you, the types of things you're looking at. You, you've seen. Because I just I, gave you examples of what we did. I, I've seen a lot of different discussions there of, about things that people were finding of the PPA that uh, were suggesting different things to do, and, and mm-hmm. not once. Like what? Like Not what? once did I, I I just brought up the thing earlier about the uh, the, the terrorism thing. I brought up the UB thing. These things Which, and you're, and you're, shared, you're still defending that, that you did them, but it, it wasn't done. It was it was done very uh, lackadaisically, if, if oh, at all. The, the terrorism thing was done outstandingly well. I, if you didn't hear about it, I cannot. I didn't, help if, it. if I didn't hear about it, it wasn't done well because no, then people haven't heard of it. I asked people. Only you, you see in our chat room. Why don't we see in our chat room how people heard about it? I bet nobody heard about it. I mean, they don't hear about much of anything. They think we're flying private planes. Well, see, that's the problem. It's like for some reason, for some reason, you believe that that Um, that if you think everyone heard of it, that no matter how many people actually heard it, that everyone did. It's kind of like the UB. I didn't didn't want a commercial, but you think you think a million people somehow heard about UB. I I don't. But but and I say they didn't. People didn't hear about the. you know the, the homeland security issue. When I, I wrote that myself, we, we put it out several, between writing it and making it a major like, point. Yeah, like everybody, I, everybody who's followed the PPA knows the PPA hammers over and over. Poker isn't gambling. Poker's not gambling. You can't follow so think, the PPA and not know that. But but I think but, it resonates with the community that they hear us say it. But when you say, "Hey, Louis Free backs this," because first of all, they might not even know who he is, and if they do, it, they might just hear it once. It might not resonate the same way when they hear. Poker's if, game if you skills. guys wanted, something, if something you, you made a big, the thing is here, the, the difference between mentioning this once or making it a minor part of your platform and, and making it a major thing that you really use to, to wow people, and that's that's what I'm bringing up with that, and 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 I'm telling you, if if you're trying to tell me in six and a half years of all the people who've had criticism of the PPA publicly that not one has brought anything up that you felt was worth incorporating, I mean that that really speaks a I lot about the organization. Examples, of plenty who did. You you told me but, you lowered the rates. That's that's to get more people donating. That's not. I said we increased. I, I gave you a few other examples of increasing uh, social networking and, and various other things. But when I go to but, um, but did you ever say when, no? We shouldn't have no no. no but did you ever say did you ever argue that no? We shouldn't have social networking. And then someone laid out to you why you should, and then you said, okay, you're right. I'm going to do it. I I think it's just something people gave a suggestion. You're like, oh yeah, that's a good suggestion. That's different than than well, someone bringing up criticism. Not doing it. They said, hey, you guys should be doing this, and you're not active enough in this. And we, so we took it, ran, looked at the various opportunities, and took that suggestion from the community. Now, you're you're asking me, has anyone ever just said, hey, you guys are flat out wrong, and then we you recognized you, know, we were just... No, not flat out wrong, just saying we don't agree with such and such that you're doing, and you're saying, and here's why, and here's what we think you could do better, and, and, and saying, okay, yeah, you bring up a good point. Not, hey, we here's something extra you could do. Can you think of a time like the NRA or ACLU flipped a policy 180 degrees because one guy went out and said, hey, you guys are doing something terribly here? I mean, we have, you know, the community kind of comes up with the idea, so they're usually grounded in what we're all doing 
Um, I mean, I read this, but the NRA doesn't doesn't have a forum where they interact with people. The NRA, this is a different story. I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, listen, I, I read the thread on this on uh, um, Poker Fraud Alert, and I, I mean, I didn't see any ideas there of something I could implement tomorrow. Um, but I'm talking about six of, and a half like, years, not, not one thread on my forum that I made yesterday. I'm saying six and a half years on two plus two with with, with all their users there, all the people who've interacted with you. Not one time did someone criticize something that you guys said. Oh, you know what? You brought up a good point. And the reason I'm saying this here is because I, I, I think that it, an organization like the PPA needs to listen to its membership base more. And needs, not, doesn't, you don't have to listen to every stupid troll or every idiot just trying to get a reaction or every dissenting opinion. But, but you need to listen to what your membership base says and occasionally assess yourselves and say, we think this is right, but maybe we should look at the other side and see if – Perhaps they're bringing up some good points and maybe incorporate what some of the detractors are saying and some of the critics are saying. Maybe see if they have a good point anywhere and change them. And I've never seen that happen once, and I think that's what well, is the mark of a great usually, organization uh, that, that really represents well, yeah, the community. Well, well, I think we listen very well. I'm, I'm on the forums twenty every single day, weekends included. I have been for half a decade. I mean, I have a pretty good idea of what people are talking about. And I can't think of a single thing where a majority of the community is just saying, hey, PPA needs to change this. Um, but why does that have to be the majority? We're not in, that's, well, because I've kind of proved there's something we needed to change. No, what I, see in, what I see in the forum here is that the people who bring up any criticism are, are, are attacked relentlessly, both by uh, – and when I say attacked, I don't necessarily mean personal attacks like, like, like you're ugly – but uh, but like attack like you're, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're clueless. Here's why you're wrong. I see this from you. I see this from other PPA people, and I see this from all the PPA fanboys on the two plus on two plus two who take any kind of criticism of the PPA as an attack on poker and just attack viciously. Now I know you can't control those people, but I'm saying that there there you're never going to have unless you do something really egregious. You're never going to have the majority of of the people in your PPA forum coming and saying you're wrong. Uh, but but you will get some good suggestions in there from your critics, and you, you and that's definitely... why I'm there every single day to take in these suggestions. I want to make the organization as good as possible. I pay strong attention to everything everybody says, but I'm in there from the you know from the initiation phase of pretty much everything because I do listen extremely well. I read every piece of poker media. I'm there, um, like I said, um, from early on to late at night, always. Uh, keeping all the threads bookmarked, I have a no, really I know, good I know, I know you feel for what they're doing. I think that's and, and, I, and, and that's where we are by giving them an honest explanation. I, I know of you where answer. I feel not, we are. So I, you don't ignore like, people. I, I, I won't accuse you of that. You're very good at answering they're... people, mm-hmm. but but yeah. you answer people. I, I see in in a hostile way, and and, and it, it, the worst part to me is that constructive criticism is never taken and incorporated into the organization. I think the sign of a great organization that represents a community is one that, that will take constructive. constructive criticism and, and then actually work it into improving themselves because everybody and every organization can improve and, and, and no few people on a board can decide over a period of six and a half years what's best for the organization and, and not make mistakes. And you'll always have people on the outside come in. I have this in my own life. I have this in my personal life. I have this on, on the forum I run. I, I have this in other parts of my life where people bring up things to me where I'm convinced I'm doing it right, and then I stop and think about it and go, wait a minute, I'm doing this wrong. And and then I'll, I'll change it. Now, there's a lot of times I try to fight it. A lot of times I try to be stubborn, but at least I can name some times where I've done that. 
And and I haven't seen the PPA do this. I've seen the PPA take suggestions of things you aren't doing yet, like he said, like the social media, and then incorporate that. But that's different. You weren't ever anti-social media. You just hadn't really thought of it, and then someone suggested it, and you started doing it. Great. That That's good to be doing, too. But I, I think constructive criticism and, and, and taking this not only not taking it offensively and, and arguing with people, but also uh, to take this uh, criticism and really evaluate it and think maybe the person has a point and maybe, you know, start a, start uh, bringing these into the organization and, and improving that way. I think a lot of times the way people improve. I mean, I, I have a little story from when I played. Uh, I, I'm a limit player mostly. When I started playing No Limit Hold'em, uh, I started playing online when I was playing No Limit Cash. I did some stupid things that, that limit players do that are right at limit but are wrong at no limit. And the way I learned they were wrong was I had some of the people at the table, some of the pros making fun of me. And when they made fun of me, instead of getting offended and then thinking, wow, this guy's a jerk, and, and wow, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and, you know, F him, I'm a better player than he is, I thought, wait a minute, this guy is a big winner. I'm new to the game. He's making fun of me. He's probably right. And and uh, and I, I would stop and think about it. And, uh, and that's where I, I tried to learn that way, and I actually learned by people making fun of me and criticizing me. So I, everybody learns that way, and, and I, I just think the PPA could learn that way too. And uh, so I, I know we're we're we're, get, we're getting pretty late at the. I mean, that's my opinion. I, mean, I know you think differently, but uh, that's 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 how I feel. Well, I can't can't just end this with a speech there. Okay, well, I go mean, go ahead. You, you, I, I, you can't, give your I, I just can't think of another group that's more, you know, that's actually more out there listening. I mean, like you said, NRA is not out there on a forum. ACLU is not out there with, with their top people out there. You know, so immediately accessible. And yeah, you're right. Some of the explanations of why we do things, um, you know, we don't j- just because we're not going to change on a dime every time doesn't mean we're not communicated, not learning. I learn every time I've been out there. I mean, like I said, it's been a, you know, it's been a long fight. I value the input I get from everyone, good and bad. I I try to reinforce with everyone within PPA that, you know, when you do get criticism, it's actually really good to hear. I think of it like sonar. You put your word out there, and then you hear what comes back. You can act on it. But some of the things you're talking about are just Oh, we're not big enough. You know, we're not. You, know, you didn't hear because um, we get the message out as good as we can. But wouldn't it be cool if, if we we're even bigger? And I'd like us to be bigger too. But that's not criticism. Be bigger. I mean, having a, a means to do it or you know, react to criticism. If you if you tell me something that I can switch today, that's actually a good thing to do. That that's what I would do. That's what we absorb all the time. But it's hardly ever where you know, we're just completely on one direction we had to go completely the other way i guess some examples were some you know early on some people didn't like that we always had pictures of democrats on the home page of ppa not much we could do we didn't have a lot of republican out supporters at the time when we did of course some people thought we went the other way um but yeah, we did but take the, that part and i'm just telling you i mean that's, that's obvious I, that's more I of a marketing again that's more of a marketing thing but, like like you want to appeal because a lot of people are very political and they'll get offended oh you only have democrats well i'm a republican screw you i don't i don't want to donate to you guys or i, I don't want to support you guys oh i'm a republican you know oh, i'm a democrat oh I, I see republicans well screw that i don't want to be part of the ppa like it, it's important if you really want to uh reach across party lines on this which of course is important you know not just to the politicians but to the member base you, you of course you should have uh, pictures of as many uh, varied politicians as possible. That would be common sense. I'm, gl- yeah, I'm glad that's, that's that... pro- if you could do it. That's obviously yeah. If you uh, can, if if you don't but... have the support from one side, there's nothing you can do. But uh, yeah. Um, anyway, that, let me take a moment here and uh, uh, give a little update about something not related at all to this discussion.
want to congratulate our free roll winner tonight, Bonette, who's been a long-standing member of the community. I, I've met him before, nice guy. Uh, I don't know if he still lives in Vegas. He, he did at some point, but uh, congratulations to him for winning tonight's free roll. I uh, just wanted to mention that before we uh, go through the final questions of the interview. I know it's been a long time, this interview, and uh, I know a lot of you, uh, some of you are sick of it. Some of you have, think this has gone on too long. And uh, I, I, as I said in the chat room, I, I apologize if, if this is going on longer than some of you expected. Uh, my advice to those of you that uh, are bored with this at this point, uh, all I can say is tune out and uh, download in the archives, and then I'll, I'll even post at what point the remainder of the show starts so you can skip past it. But I suggest you listen. I think it's interesting stuff. Uh, so let, let me move on to the, uh, the final few questions here. Um, I, I'm sure you heard about uh, Jeremy Johnson, telemarketing scammer and, and former online po- poker payment processor uh, who, who was talking about bribing Harry Reid. And the reason mm-hmm. I'm bringing this up was because he claimed that he was at a meeting. Uh, regard- he wasn't with Harry Reid at this meeting, but, it, but the meeting involved uh, um, – Ray Bittar and um, uh, John Pappas and uh, I forget who else, but but Ray Bittar and John Pappas were definitely mentioned at being at this meeting. I think I think the the other person at the meeting was the one who was going to uh, arrange the bribe to uh, to Harry Reid. Uh, the the reason I'm asking this is because John Pappas released a statement that I found to be peculiar. After this. Um, he seemed to kind of indirectly but not fully directly deny being there at this meeting regarding bribing Harry Reid. And and second, seemed to be attacking the reporter who reported that this was in another article. This wasn't even the person reporting it for the first time. This is someone reporting in an article about another article in the Salt Lake City Tribune that this was said about Pappas. And... Um, Pappas was kind of attacking Haley Hintz, who, who who was the one who wrote this article, to go to the Salt Lake City Tribune and then to listen to the uh, the tape and hear about Pappas being mentioned. Now, I want to mention before you even answer this, I don't even mind so much. If John Pappas was really there and he really thought that uh, bribing Harry Reid was the way to get online poker legalized, great, fine, bribe Harry Reid. You know, <laughs> if, if that's what you need to do to get it mm-hmm. done, you know, he didn't invent the process. Uh, or, or if he was, uh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the PPA ever bribed anyone, but I'm saying if, if Jeremy Johnson was going to do it and if somehow this was going to lead to online poker being legalized, great. I mean, fine. Then that's, I, I don't even mind him being there. I think I, as long as it's going to be successful, if the, PP, the PPA's goal is to get online poker legalized and if you, you have to go through some uh, shady channels to make it happen, fine. But uh, my, my point is here, what, I should ask you first. Was Pappas at such a meeting? Did he ever really meet with Jeremy Johnson and, and uh, uh, Ray Batar? I, I know he, he there's pictures of him being with them, but was he actually at a meeting like this where this was discussed about bribing Harry Reid? Well, absolutely not. Um, I, I, what they even talked about in the transcript was um, kind of like how, I believe it was more like how Senator Reid described it, uh, you know, some desperate claims uh, by a desperate man. Um, but the one time Pappas met him, well, like you said in the P5's article, was at a at a big group, and that was the one time he had talked to him. And obviously, we never had any kind of discussions on anything like that with Senator Reid. I again don't believe anything ever happened like that. But it, it was kind. Of, I mean, even Haley in her other articles, you know, reinforces that there was never a suggestion that Pappas was part of any such meeting or part of anything like so that. So he wasn't, so do you think Johnson made this up? Because this is a weird thing for Johnson to make up. 
Uh, no, Johnson said Pappas introduced was, hey, you remember this guy, you know, Pappas had introduced him, that type of stuff. He no, didn't he said say, he was, no, he said he didn't he was say John meeting. was at some kind of bride meeting. No, no, he said he said he was yeah, there with him. He said, he said he was there and, and uh, you know, he talked about when he the, the discussion of bribing Harry Reid yeah, happened. And he said Pappas was there. He didn't say Pappas was discussing with him bribing Harry Reid. But he said that mm. that you know Pappas was there, uh, Bitar was there, and I forgot the third person. But uh, but he, he, I don't see the reason. Why would you even mention Pappas if he wasn't really there? They, they, it didn't really add anything to what Jeremy Johnson was trying to get across to this Attorney General in that discussion. It, it's not like name dropping Pappas was gonna was gonna make it uh, a big difference there. It wasn't. He was kind of like a a third wheel. So uh, you're telling me that Johnson just made this whole thing up, or? or what do you think happened? Well, the part about any kind of an actual bribe transpiring was clearly made up. I mean, not clearly, but to, to my opinion, based on the based on just the facts of the case, I believe that I believe that's just a, a outlandish claim from him that he they they bribed Senator Reid. I, I well, I, that's a different. You, I mean, I, I think yeah. it's very possible actually, but I'm you know I'm not even I don't necessarily think that John Pappas was involved in bribing Harry Reid, even if it did occur. I'm just wondering. It just seems like. And and why did Pappas attack Haley Hintz for referring to another article in a respected publication, the Salt Lake City Tribune, for for reporting this at all? Like it's just so like why why was he attacking the messenger? I don't I, I just don't get this. Like I know this isn't you, this is Pappas, and and he's not on the phone here with us. But uh, um, that just came off to me as again as sort of like a, a a bitter, angry sort of thing where the PPA seems to attack the messenger rather than the message. That that's that's what I got out of it. So. Well, if you if you look at the actual article, the Salt Lake City article didn't mention Pappas, but then the article Haley uh, ran in Pokerfuse uh, did. So obviously, it, it was a very different spin. I think there was some disappointment because you know she did not reach out to Pappas for comment, and not much prior to that, John had reached out to Haley because it seems she had some concerns about some other things and said, "I'll talk about anything you want about anything," and she responded to him saying. Um, well, I would have 24 hours ago, but now I'm not going to kind of implying that, um, you know, some different motives. So when we saw, you know, when he saw the spin, I imagine he had some concerns, but it wasn't really um, a spin. It was just reporting reason, factually look, what was said there. That's what I don't understand. I, I understand if, like, if he has issues with Haley, I'm well, not going to get in the middle of that because I don't know the facts there. Yeah. But, but well, I don't uh, think anyone has an issue with her. It's a little disappointing the way it went. I mean, she, you know, she was in my Skype group where I have a Skype group where some of our people who just like to do the activism, um, you know, work together on it. And she was part of it. She didn't really, she didn't really do anything with it, but I think she may have just been observing it. Um, I thought we were getting along well. But we had a little uh, a Skype. Uh, we we had a uh, a Twitter exchange, and uh, perhaps she wasn't happy about it. Um, but I know she wasn't. Um, you know, so basically she said this to John, and you know, and then when she wrote about him, um, I think I think if I told you. Um, you know, I was going to write something about you, and you had asked me before. I said, "Well, yeah, now I'm not going to take your comment. I would have, but now I'm upset about this." Well, no, that, it, it that would be seems something... to imply. Listen, it almost seems to imply, um, you, you know, that it's going to that's not going to be particularly favorable yeah, but, but as a result the really of the down, other things that happened. And I think the... here's a problem. Here's a problem with Haley's article from today in Four Flush. The way she ended it was uh, something about pocket fires, and then she ended it with. Uh, how she's going to now I'm going to write about you guys. And she wrote her final sentences. They brought this on themselves. If you ask me, 
it, it, you know, when you do that kind of, I, I, I think it comes across that way, and I think he was concerned, and and that's what he said when he made that response in but, pocket But I'm not, I'm not asking about. The, I don't think it was defensive. I'm talking about the. He seemed to be unhappy that this was brought up, a factual thing that even if the Salt Lake City Tribune article didn't mention, it, there was a YouTube that they posted up of, of a recording on their own page saying, "Go listen to this." And she said, in this article that was posted on the, the Salt Lake City Tribune website, uh, here's the part where Jeremy Johnson said this about Pappas. She didn't say it's true. It's not true. And and then he. Had Attacked her for bringing it up. Now, if he wants to attack her for not letting him comment, great. You know, if that's really true, then he has a right to attack that. I, I'm not going to say whether it is or isn't. I don't know. But, but uh, um, it just seemed like he was attacking her for bringing this up and ha- how terrible it is for her to have written this. It just uh, the reason mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to do a hit thing against Pappas here. I don't. I don't really have any. You know, personal issue with him. I just I, the reason I bring these little things up is because it seems like I, I see a lot of pettiness coming out of the PPA and a lot of uh, even vindictiveness towards those that, that criticize them. And here I kind of saw anger towards Haley for just simply reporting something that was in a recording. That then just fact, I, I saw the article. She factually factually reported what was there. Yes, yeah, factual. Was but I thought the inclusion. I, I even I thought I looked at. It, I said, you know, the way she included him in there, it kind of. Uh, you know, implication that you know, he's part of something and the way the reporting was done, I did not think it was, uh, you know, as, uh, I, I can understand, you can understand if somebody wrote about you, didn't reach out to you for comment, kind of middle guilt by association thing. And yeah, it was factually accurate for the most part. They didn't, um, there, there were, there was never a, a close meeting the way the article implied it was, you know, a big fundraiser the only time that they had ever met, just like it says, in the uh, pocket fives rebuttal. Um, okay, so and, so we're, what... and we're very accessible. So there was a, like I said, we're totally accessible. And and I I just thought a phone call would have actually been better for the article. To say, and here's what Pappas had to say in response. And I think that's why he came out with the response he made. You know, so what, you do the what, same what, thing. What I would do I, I would be upset too. I got to be honest. Uh, but that being said, I want to make sure. Of, I don't dislike Haley. I don't want her to get the wrong idea. Um, you know, we had a little. Back and forth, but I think she's. I think she's a fine person. We just have some. Uh, just have a little thing there, and you know, I don't think she's too. I don't think she was all that surprised that you know John would have said something back either. Okay, well, uh, um, moving on to the final questions of the interview here, um, and mm-hmm. this uh, this is one uh, just a general open question. You're uh, you're, you're welcome to. I'm not even going to argue back on this one. You can you. This is for your. You can openly state it and. Uh, you know, I'd actually like to hear the answers myself to this one, and and then we'll get to a few questions that were submitted by a user, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then we'll, then we'll uh, we'll end this and I'll move on to the other topics of the night. Uh, I think uh, three hours is enough. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, my final question is for you: What major mm-hmm. victories has the PPA achieved for the poker community since it began in two thousand six? And I'm not talking about some minor state-related victories. Uh, or major developments that would have likely occurred with or without the PPA's help, but but rather major victories where the PPA had a clear and direct impact that most people would agree upon was the clear and direct impact. Well, here we go again, where you talk about all the things that happened, but you know, supposedly being organized and pressing forward doesn't count um, unless you actually saw a PPA stamp on it, and then. You know, bringing Barton on doesn't count because obviously, you know, we didn't pass into law. Therefore, we, um, you know, didn't actually get anything done. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done. I'm very proud of the community. And in terms of the specifics of what we've done, I thought um, 
bringing to bear a pro-poker force where nothing existed prior to 2006, where these lawmakers really believed they were going to win political points. Um, so, um, you know, Jim Leach from Iowa, representative who spearheaded this drive to, um, he was trying to ban online poker. He wasn't just trying to put an enforcement measure in place. He thought it was going to win him election for showing leadership. Again, what he called the scourge of online gambling. He's the one who came up with that uh, click your mouse, lose your house crap. And, uh, you know, to be blunt, um, you know, and he found out when poker players turned him out. Now, PPA, we were new there. I'm not going to take credit for throwing him out of office, but poker players can take credit for throwing him out of office as a whole. Um, he says so himself. Um, so they found out, you know, kind of quickly that this wasn't what they thought they were. But we brought that to bear for Congress, you know, an organized force in favor of not just online poker, but all poker, but in terms of Congress, mainly online poker. Um, to, to where absolutely nothing existed in the past to uh, make that case. We um, have raised the public image of poker. You mentioned how it was on the upswing, you know, prior to UG or right at 2006, we were able to continue that, keep up with um, mainstream media, ensure that, you know, that's the case where showing up really was only half the battle because they were just looking for someone to comment in favor of what we're doing. Now, you were at the 60 Minutes piece. We were reaching out to them. Didn't, um, that was one case where they were a little bit uh, trickier, but most of the you know, print media you know, welcome just being just because it's a more interesting article if it has both sides. Um, Pappas brought the other half of that fight to bear because that's his, kind of his major expertise is really in that media relations uh, in terms of what he brings to our fight. So that was um, excellent there. We... Um, kind of stop the slide legislatively just by putting out an offense because sometimes an offense is the best defense. We really didn't see um, any more negative bills coming out of Congress, which was the direction every year from 98 all the way through 2006. Um, we made this a more bipartisan fight where it was a Republican seemed to think they had to be opposed to it. We had very few on our side. Prior to 2006, we did a really good job bringing in people like Grover Norquist from Americans for Tax Reform, who was already supportive, to have you know, give him that outlet and just show him their support for him coming forward and being able to publicize it. Help the uh, print media people like George Will and others have the facts they would need and kind of persuade them that, hey, this is a good idea to write about us. And here's what it is, because some other people may wish to write about us, but if they don't have the information, they have to research it to put it off uh, maybe some other time. This is a good idea, but maybe later. Um, having a group that was going to give that information um, was super value, especially on the right, um, because, again, a lot of people, and I'm, and I'm from the right as well, so I understand how we think, is that you just kind of have that zeitgeist from the, you know, from the right that poker, you know, gambling's bad. You just kind of think that it's a belief that's a mile wide, but only an inch deep. If you can get people to think in terms of limited government and personal liberties, you can actually have a pretty good impact. And we saw that in Congress with Representative Barton and others, where we've really seen that, and again, as a community. Um, you can't always differentiate from PPA versus a community because we are a big poker community. Uh, we um, were able to kind of jumpstart state action by forestalling the efforts of Congress to stop states from offering it the way they stopped them from offering sports betting, the way they stopped airplanes from landing in the U.S. if they have any kind of gaming devices attached. By stopping them, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I thought you stopped for a second. We got disconnected. You know how Skype can be. Yeah, yeah. Um, go, go ahead. I, I was okay. Thank you. Um, th- this is something where you know they could, if they had another couple of years, they could have really crushed it by stopping it um, via a prohibition of states, you know, authorizing an internet poker or any kind of online gaming outside of horse horse betting. I think that's what UGA two proposed to do. <laughs> there were some supporters of UGA who came and just went neutral on the bill. Uh, Family Research Council was one of them. They said it didn't go far enough, and some of the backers didn't really like it much either, and they were hoping to get UGA too. I think forestalling that, you know, saved that state option and kind of helped them along the way. And, of course, one of our bigger things is helping out these uh, players who get their doors kicked in by SWAT teams. We have the uh, litigation support network. Um, Patrick Fleming's done a great job out there. South Carolina, where we can give the aid to uh, you know players phone games or hurting nobody else minding their own business, um, and of course the lawyers like we're talking about out at the DOJ who, who are you know if we didn't have anybody from the get go out at the DOJ explaining how players were defrauded and deserve their money back as opposed to defrauded for doing something they shouldn't do and having what they would call unclean hands and not being deserving of remission or having to apply individually. Um, without having a claims administrator, um, it kind of came in as well. And of course, just you know, having an organized group. My interest really isn't that you know, you know PPA is it. I look at. I mean, obviously, as you know, I mean, I look at this from the entire community. And sure, we have the tools we need to push forward. Everything that is being pushed forward is player centric. Nobody's ever looked at a bill out there and say, "Hey, this is you know, you're biased against the players," or. Um, Anything like that, I think we're a very effective voice in reaching out in terms of where we need to be. And again, we saw some good stuff in Washington today, uh, Washington State, working well with uh, Representative Harris out there for decriminalizing poker. And as he said, he came out right out and openly said he would like in the future to have a system of licensed and regulated poker in the state of Washington, which was, I didn't know, I knew he was thinking about it, but I didn't know he was going to, ready to announce it. So that was great. And he wasn't jumped all over, which was which was great too, because the uh, players out in Washington have not been shy about letting their lawmakers know. And again, um, I'm not taking credit for everybody who wrote, but I am taking credit for making it easy because um, I, I need it to be easy. And that's a really good way. You talk about feedback from two plus two. I know the letters we write. I put them out there and said, "Hey, you guys have comments, criticism. Let me know." Um, have incorporated some. I think a really good piece I put in there was. Um, um, Chops out, out, you know, Steve Price had some comments for us on a letter that he thought it needed to be indicate a lot more strongly about the revenue component and focus a little bit less on the uh, freedom aspect because he said he didn't think they really cared that much about personal freedom and he probably has a point. And I put in the uh, final paragraph from what we had talked about when we talked about on the forums as well about how we had, um, a good case to be made for how you could really increase the, um, you know, revenues from offering it, bring in U.S. jobs and not have these exported overseas. So having the tools in place so we could do our part as players um, has been great. The uh, social networking is probably one of our bigger things because it's something you can do with a relatively small group of dedicated people. You can go to one Facebook wall, put up a lot of poker posts, and when lawmakers see it, it's not so much that they only see the poker posts. They see that 
the other people who regularly post on their Facebook walls aren't posting, hey, oh, what a stupid idea, or just that's ridiculous and blowing it off. Um, they attract very few dissenting opinions, and these lawmakers see it. And we are law, um, It's one of those tough ones because you, you and I don't see it, you know, from outside the hill. But our, um, I hear it whenever I happen to meet with them up on Capitol Hill, and our lobbyists especially say, oh, I. I've been hearing from your people out on these uh, social networks all the time, and then you know, getting emailed and phone called quite frequently. You have a very active base who really care about the rights, who understand the issues, and you know, who are politically active and involved. They don't care about people who don't vote. That's why they always bias these things toward the the most politically active people. I think PPA has done a nice job of uh, you know implementing and implementing the right tools. One thing I've personally done when I came on. Um, in my role after Black Friday as VP of Player Relations, I wanted to um, improve our communication. You mentioned, you know, are we listening? Um, and what are we hearing? And I wanted to make sure we have a good format where I can put out weekly communications of everything we're doing and ensure people understand um, you know, what we're doing, okay. why, and then we have a good summary. So um, that, that was a big improvement as well. All right. So... Um... Yeah, you had a lot to say there, and uh, you know, I'm sure everybody uh, who's been listening to this whole debate has gotten a good idea from from both sides of uh, um, everything with the PPA. Uh, in fact, probably a lot more than uh, some people wanted to hear because they didn't expect this to be a three hour segment. But um, before, I still don't want to cut it off before getting to some questions from th- some users. And uh, um, I know you've made reference to the aircraft thing a number of times, yes. but ju- just to, just to be clear, uh, no private planes. What what percentage of travel related expenditures? And once again, this is coming from a user, not me. Uh, what mm-hmm. percentage of travel related expenditures for PPA campaigns involved first class tickets or privately chartered air aircraft? Zero. 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 Okay. All right. And um, fly coach. Okay, you fly coach. If all right. at all. Usually. Um, mm-hmm. Next next question. Um, when spokesman. From within the the poker community, such as Annie Duke, lobbied or otherwise championed the PPA cause. Were they ever paid some sort of fee for their appearance, or, or uh, other than uh, food, board, and travel expenses? No. Okay. Uh, number three. How much did the PPA earn in 2012 from donations, and how much did it spend? 2012. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that number. Um, in donations, it's a uh... You know, it's kind of like we discussed. Well, I mean, it includes everything. What the person yeah. meant is like, how much did you take in total? Oh, I, I, I you know, I don't even have that in in front of me in terms of uh, in terms of what we took in. But what we took in from the community, I'll tell you, was uh, you know, or, or unfortunately, you know, didn't rise to the fifty percent level by by any means. Um, so it's certainly been a well subsidized effort. Um, I don't think anybody would. Uh, you know, complained relative to what the players put in, to what they're getting out in terms of having that representation on Capitol Hill. Um, it, it's been a, it's been a good bargain for all of us. Okay, and the final and we're not question: even, We're really not even close to all the you know those Capitol Hill expenses. The final question here: in of, you know, What internal audit infrastructure exists in the PPA to maintain transparency and police the abuse of funds? That's actually me. I'm a certified corporate auditor at GE. I was. I was an engineer, but I would actually get to go out and audit around the world our suppliers and our, uh, you know, internally our, um, our, our uh, 
or internal groups as well for uh, compliance with engineering requirements. So I would actually go in and, and physically audit, you know, our French subsidiary, some suppliers out in Turkey. I'd get to uh, hit Poland, to get to uh, go out and, you know, check these people out and really, uh, you know, it's amazing what you can find out just from talking to someone, just being quiet and kind of making them answer uh and then they're kind of giving a little uncomfortable silence and making them fill that void. Um, and I, you know, again, I am certified out there. So, you know, what we do internally is, uh, you know, I keep a good eye on what we're doing. And I've been very impressed with what I've seen. Like I said, uh, John Pappas is actually sharing his office out there with uh, Drew Lasofsky. Um, anything but, anything but uh, gold-plated. We had a, one thing that I think is neat is it's a good office building, but we just rent part of a floor so we can use the conference room without having to pay for a full time because we don't need 24 7 so why pay for one we can use it when we need it and then the rest of the time you know it's it's borne by the building yeah. owners well um, you know, I'll, I'll we, we do a good job there we don't we don't fly first class we would never reimburse such a thing I, i'm always pretty aware of where anybody's flying and why even i can't just hop onto a plane you said pappas uh, you would nix that one it, and then I, I wouldn't take a boom dog anyway it's the last thing i would want to do but uh we're uh we're pretty stingy and uh, and we're uh good stewards of the funds we have okay uh so um before we move on here and, and by the way just for the record again uh for all the criticism i i've had of the ppa during this interview uh and mm -hmm. beforehand the, the one thing I, you'll see i've never criticized is I, i've never been of the belief that uh uh, the money is being spent frivolously on on frills such as first class tickets or whatever. That's uh, other people have accused that. That's never been my thing. I've I've never I believed guess. that's what's the case. So, um, uh, a question from the chat room from Willie McFML, one of our mm -hmm. most esteemed users. I paid twenty five dollars to Party Poker for a PPA T shirt and never received it. What do I do? Wow. That, that must have been back in like oh oh five, early oh six. It was quite some time ago, yeah. You know, I mean, I'd be I'd be glad to ship them, uh, you know, ship them something. I feel bad, um, although I wasn't even a member of PPA at the time. And still, and, and in fact, that's some of the stuff we really tried to fix up as a going forward, especially in my current role, is really tighten up um, all that kind of stuff right. in terms of uh, remission of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, you could you could send a uh, you could send a note to player relations at ppa.org okay very good so well you, you're me. gonna get your t-shirt personal email you're gonna get your t-shirt and uh, we'll, we'll hook you up we'll hook him up with t-shirt right. mention that mention who um to the person who that who had that issue please be sure to mention you know who you are so i understand when the mail comes in don't just say hey, i didn't get my t-shirt because i don't know yeah. who it is uh, but we'll, we'll get that out okay Sorry beautiful that. all right thank you so all right uh, rich thank you for coming on the show I, I even though it was a long interview i enjoyed it i'm, I'm glad you well, uh, got you. to come on here, here and then we got to uh talk about all these different issues and um thank you for coming on the show and if there's you know if you'd like to create an account on poker fraud alert ever and respond to anything said about the ppa you're always welcome to do that as well well thanks for the invitation for that and thank you for having me on the program it was a pleasure getting to share what we're doing and why i i think just explaining that you know we have good reason for the things we do and that we're proud of what we're doing. I think, I think we'll resonate even if people don't necessarily understand the, the rationale of some of the specifics that we're not just out there. You know, we don't have a clue. We don't care. We couldn't be more passionate. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, now it's time for me to get to like seven different topics and hope to get done before uh, midnight. All right. Thank good you. Luck. And uh, good night. Good night. So that was uh, rich Muni from the PPA and uh, obviously a, a skilled guy at debating. I, I won't deny that. Um, he 
didn't answer all of my questions directly, um, such as the ones about UB and uh, some other subjects. I'm not going to continue rehashing it, but I, you guys, I'm sure, heard what was answered directly, what wasn't, and uh, um, you know, I, I think you can get an idea of about everything you heard. But uh, glad to have him on here. I appreciate him coming on, especially it's it's not easy to come on to a show where the host is grilling you the whole time and and uh, getting in your face about things and uh, asking you as many tough questions as he can. So, you know, I admire that he wanted to come on here, that he did this, that he stuck with us for three hours. That's especially you know that's that's a lot of time to spend on a on a radio show, especially one that's uh, having you on there to criticize your organization. So, appreciate. That he stuck on here the whole time And the one to end the whole thing was me <laughs> Because we gotta move on So um, I will be moving on to uh, The other topics Gotta get the list back up Here we are I'm gonna quickly give an update on the JSIP scam um, If you wanna know more about the JSIP scam Listen to the last few episodes I'm not gonna rehash the whole thing But uh Brandon is currently working very hard to put together a large report to give to the police investigators. Now, I know some of you that watch detective shows and police shows on TV uh, believe that every crime has a detective diligently working on everything to uncover every detail. But that's not real life unless it's a major case like a murder case. Uh, in real life, the more minor cases such as this, and you know, it's a major thing to us, but in the grand scheme of things, as far as crime is concerned, this is a minor crime. Uh, that you have to do a lot of the work and, and present it to the investigator for them to uh, you know, verify, of course, but then take action to where they don't have to spend uh, hours and hours and hours and hours and make it a full-time job to investigate Jacep and his scams. They just... He's not a big enough fish for, for anyone to do that. However, Brandon is in contact with an investigator in the state of Rhode Island who is very interested in this. Not just someone who said, yeah, send it to us, we'll see what we do. I mean, someone who is actively interested, someone who's actually been making several phone calls to him. It's not just Brandon bothering this person. This person is actively interested. And Brandon is putting together a very large report about everything, and if you have anything to add, if you have anything you think Brandon should know and can submit to the detective, of course, this is, uh, we need things that are provable, or uh, at least semi-provable, and things that are relevant to the investigation, you know, or things that are, uh, would impress the detective to see. If you have anything to add, send it on to Brandon. You can uh, tweet at him at uh, Brandon Gerson, that's Brandon then G E R S O N or uh, send a message to him on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, his name is Drexel here, D R E X E L. And uh, I'm telling you, there there is going to be a real investigation done for sure. There's not a question about that anymore. Uh, hopefully, when the investigation is done, they they will decide they have enough evidence to make an arrest. But uh, this is a big step that someone in law enforcement in Rhode Island is actually. Very interested in pursuing this Because a lot of times you bring this sort of thing to the police And they don't care Where they say hey give it to us And they just do a very light follow up And don't do anything about it But that doesn't appear to be what's going to happen here Looks like uh, there is 
something that's really going to be done. Or at least there's a good chance of it. So, uh, I hope. I hope Jason goes to jail for what he did. He stole from our community. Stole from the 22Q Foundation. And uh, he needs to pay for it. He, he abused everyone's trust here. And, uh, yeah, he, he's a criminal. And appar- apparently from what we've been seeing on the internet, he's victimized other communities in the past, and he seems to be a career criminal. A career scammer. So, I hope he finally gets what's coming to him. And I hope that uh, the probation he's on for this identity theft that he committed against the mother of his own child, I hope that probation gets revoked and he has to serve time for that crime as well. I will give updates on this as they occur, and I will be sticking the long thread about Jacep so it doesn't fall off the front page. Moving along. Chris Ferguson has made a settlement with the DOJ. We have a settlement from Howard Letterer, one with Rafe First. Chris Ferguson now has settled, but it's not totally clear how much uh, he's really going to be giving them. Uh, someone says it's $42 million. That's not exactly right. The, the DOJ was asking for $42 million originally. He's giving up like $2.35 million, something like that. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Plus the, quote, Ferguson account. It is not clear what is in the, quote, Ferguson account, but whatever is in the Ferguson account, he's giving it up to the DOJ. And, of course, he's giving up his part of full tilt, He's uh, which is just a formality. But uh, this part of the settlement is agreeing that uh, he's not a full tilt owner, owner anymore, that he's giving it up to the government, who in turn sold it to poker stars. Um, Chris Ferguson probably made the most of anyone from full tilt. And I, I don't know how much he's going to end up keeping. But for him to keep any of his money that he made from the site would be a miscarriage of justice. I don't Because I don't know about this Ferguson account and because I don't know what other accounts he has and because I don't have the exact amount of money he made from Full Tilt, I can't tell you whether he's getting away with any profits from Full Tilt. But I, I really hope he's not. But I have a feeling he is. I'm kind of disappointed with uh, all these settlements that the government is making. It seems like they just uh, want to squeeze what they can out of these people rather than uh, make sure that justice is served. Moving along. See how quickly it moves when we don't have a three-hour debate? The World Series of Poker schedule was announced. And two things I noticed about this schedule. First of all, the ladies' event, which generated a lot of controversy over the last few years of guys would show up, some would be dressed in drag, some wouldn't be, but guys would show up to play either as a joke or because they felt the field is soft, and the, the field is soft I mean, I'm not going to lie to you about that but the, this has been angering the organizers of the World Series because they really want it to be a ladies only event and they can't enforce that because of the law of, of against gender discrimination So, uh, they've been racking their brains at the World Series to figure out a way to prevent men from entering, other than just shaming them into not doing so, since they can't actually stop them from registering. And they came up with a new idea. You know when you go to a bar and you have to pay some kind of cover 
$5, whatever. But they have these ladies' nights where girls can get in free. And they do that because there's mostly men that go to these things and they want to get as many women as possible to these singles bars. I never figured out if that was legal or not. I always felt that was gender discrimination. But I don't know. Because they are letting everybody in. They're just charging different amounts of money for each gender. So I don't know if... um, I I don't know if... um, this is uh, legal what that bar, what those bars are doing or what uh, the World Series is doing here. But the World Series is doing something very similar where it's $1,000 for women to enter as it always has been and $10,000 for men to enter. So men can still enter but they have to pay a 10 to 1 premium on the buy-in. And uh, I guess I guess it's technically a nine to one premium over the standard buy-in, but they're paying ten times as much. And I guess the thinking is, it's not said where that ten thousand dollar goes, but I assume it all goes into the prize pool. I guess the thinking is, if men really want to spend that much extra money and pump that much extra into the prize pool, obviously it wouldn't be a good value tournament at that point. You know, the field isn't that soft. But uh, I, I guess they feel that the women will be okay with it. Now, I think if they really wanted to prevent men from entering, they should make it a thousand for women and for men. One million dollars. That would be the way to stop men from entering. I'm sure nobody would enter. I, I think even uh, Guy Laliaberte would not enter for that amount of money. But uh, <laughs> 10,000, I don't know. Maybe we'll see one. Maybe we'll see one still just to make a statement. Maybe we'll see some some young punk who thinks he's so good that he can overcome the uh, differential in buy-ins. That he's he's paying ten times the buy-in, but he still thinks he's positive expectation. So I I, I actually think ten thousand was too low. They should have made it like at least a hundred. That would have really just shut out everyone. Or, but maybe they're hoping. Maybe they're hoping this happens, and maybe they think the women will be okay with it if the men pay ten times more. Maybe that's the thinking. But we will see. Now, how do I feel about this? Do I think that's fair? Do I think it's right? Yes. Uh, I think the guys who enter these women-only tournaments are just doing it to be obnoxious. And, uh, you know, let the women have their one event. It's a different type of event. They're all friendly toward one another. There's not as much aggression or competition. It's just for women. A lot of them are wives of... uh, or girlfriends of the poker players, you know, who usually play the other events, and they just want to have fun in a non-competitive, friendly environment, and, and still play for some real money. So let them. And and I think that uh, like if they had a way to legally bar men from it, fine. I I, I think that would be great. If they don't, which they, which they don't, I, I think that any alternative solution that they can employ, whether it's completely legal or not, is fine in my opinion, because this shouldn't be happening anyway. And while some of you can laugh when you see the men in drag, and even I laugh when I see these, uh, um, and someone saying in the chat, Sean Deeb is a favorite to enter for that. And you know what? That's true. Sean Deeb is, is very reckless with money. Great poker player, but very reckless with money. And I could see him doing it, especially to make a statement that, that he still wants to play. But it's possible that you know, Sean Deeb has uh, increased his uh, standing in poker, kind of. Not, not just in, in his results, but uh, well, I guess because of his results. But be, he, he's, he's seen much more as a A-list poker player now 
even though he's not as well known to the mainstream, but but he's more respected now than before. He was just kind of like this good online player. Now he's kind of just respected all throughout poker, and I, I think that uh, uh, at this point, him doing this would uh, undermine some of the respect that he's gained over the years. So I, I have a feeling he won't do it. But uh, he is someone who would probably be willing to do it for the money. But I, I think he just is kind of past doing that, even though, even though he did do it in the past and dressed in drag. Uh, Darkstar in chat is suggesting make the men have to register by having a conversation with Muni. <laughs> you know, uh, people commented in the chat room that, that Rich Muni is, is the only person they've ever heard that makes longer speeches than I do. And I admit that was a little bit overwhelming. I, I admit I, I wasn't expecting someone to come on and talk more than me. And then it got to the point where, like, I wanted to interrupt him and make my point. But uh, I, I also didn't want to interrupt the guest. It, it was kind of a, a balancing act. This thing still took over three hours. Uh, seriously serious. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on. I, I, I called in to, uh, to disagree on a point you were just making about the ladies' event. Go ahead. Okay. Now... As a fan, I must disagree. I think having men that could reasonably enter the ladies' event was a very good thing. Purely from an entertainment aspect. You see, in the past few years, as far as I know, very few men actually enter the thing. At at most, you'd get like 10 guys doing it in a field of 1,000 plus or something like that. Am I right? Yeah, it was very few guys. You're you're correct. Okay, so they're very, very unlikely to win. The only real negative outcome from this is all of the spectacle and controversy, and people talk about it. In the days leading up to the ladies' event, there's all sorts of heated discussion about whether men should be allowed to enter and whether or not they're jerks. And the few men that do enter uh, get a lot of attention. And uh, even tournament director, uh, tournament directors get in on it a few years ago um, you know, they're making very snide remarks about one man that actually made the final table. So, you know, it was it was very, it was a spectacle. And now, now it's going to be kind of boring. And I don't think anyone's really going to care about the ladies' event anymore. So, you know, I feel like it, uh, it, it kind of takes some of the shine off it. Well, I, I can understand your point, but I will say that the ladies in the event overwhelmingly were bothered by this. There were some that thought it was funny, and there were some that didn't carry their way. But there were, there were a lot that really felt like, this sucks. Why is this happening? I didn't even know this could happen. And they, they, they felt like it was something that was uh, detracting from the event. So that, that's, that's why I support the attempts to prevent this. Though I do have to say that the actions of one of the floor men that you just referred to that a uh, few years, I think it was two years ago, mm-hmm. that uh, where, where he was insulting the guy at the final table shouldn't happen. If they're, if they're allowed to play, even if they shouldn't be entering, even if they're being jerks by entering, um, while I, I wouldn't see any fault with allowing women to openly express their displeasure and allowing the women to openly mock the guy, the, the employee should not be mocking him. The employee should I, be neutral. I used to think that too, Todd. I used to feel the same way as you about that. But now I don't. I, I feel that uh, taking all that grief and abuse is sort of a rite of passage for men that enter the ladies' event. It's something they know going into it that's going to happen. And they should take the full brunt of abuse, even from the employees. It's 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 all in the spirit of the ladies' event, and I just feel it's never going to be the same. Okay, but well, yeah, seriously, serious. I want to uh, compliment you on the recent video you made, and I, I, the only reason I'm not going to play it tonight is because it, it wouldn't play very well on the radio. It's something you really have to see. So uh, otherwise, I would have played it tonight. But he made a, a great uh, animation 
different. He usually makes songs, but seriously, serious made an animation, uh, kind of a parody of Daniel Negreanu's appearance on the Millionaire Matchmaker show, and I, I thought it was very good. And everybody on Poker Fraud Alert that commented on it really liked it. So uh, I recommend everybody go check it out. Where, where can they find this? Thank you. It's on uh, it's on PokerTube.com. PokerTube.com. Yeah, I saw you were had some kind of partnership with them with this, and if you got paid a little bit of money for it, that's great. Yep. And uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, thought it was good. I'd like to see more of these. Well, thank you. the The feedback's been mostly positive, except for on two plus two, where it's kind of getting mixed reviews. So I'm, I'm taking some of that constructive criticism into account, and uh, we'll probably we'll incorporate we'll you incorporate know, that and hopefully improve on future episodes. I'm no, still going to work on it. That's good. Yeah, P- PPA should listen to you. <laughs> yeah, they totally should. I, I I bring a lot to the table, Todd. I think. Uh, I I think if the PPA hired me, I could I could turn that whole organization around. You know, I, I think if you made like a few songs for the PPA, that could help too. It could, uh, I think it could lighten their image a bit. Yeah, you see, this is kind of what I was trying to pitch to Shasta Soda. They need a younger, fresh, and more hip image. Shasta. Yeah. <laughs> what What about like a Sanka Coffee? Does that still exist? I, I don't even know what that is, Todd. I, maybe it doesn't. I remember Sanka. That's because I'm old. You, you seem to me like more of a taster's choice kind of fellow. I, I don't actually don't drink coffee. I never liked it. But. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, and I demanded an update on this in the chat, and I never got one about your weight loss initiative. Oh, I, I actually posted about it. I've lost ten pounds so far. I'm a third of the way there, and you know it fluctuates. I, I got all excited the other day when I got on the scale, and it, it appeared I'd lost thirteen pounds. And I was about to go around and post that, and and literally within a few hours. Without me even like eating and drinking that much, it, it rose back to, to 10. So uh, your body can fluctuate all over the place. That's why when I first started and people wanted an update after like a week, I didn't want to say anything because uh, it really means very little when you lose a, f- a few pounds because uh, it uh, it could easily be water weight or, or some other temporary weight that, that means nothing. Now, now I've lost enough weight to where not only do I think it's enough to claim a real weight loss, but I actually noticed that my belt now cannot go tight enough to keep my pants up as well as it did before. So nice. while while it's not good that my pants are falling down, uh, it's, it's proof that uh, I really am losing weight. And, uh, of course, keeping it off is tough, and I, I don't want it to stop here. I'm, I'm trying to get down 30 pounds overall by the World Series, which uh, you know, we're talking about around the beginning of June. And, and then if I manage to do that, I've decided that... I'm going to try to then lose another 15. I mean, at this rate, you're going to get there fast, well before the World Series. I, I hope so. So if I can get down to, to 185, it was right right now I'm at like 220. I was at two, around 230 when I started. I think I was more like 231, but who cares? Like, it's pretty much the same thing. All right, now, now I heard that you were kind of cheating and cutting corners and you were still having your morning Pepsi and, and no, stuff I, well, like that's that. Not Are you sticking though. to the program, Doug? Yes, but I, I'm sticking to the program that I said I would do, not not – I'm not going beyond it. I, I, I said I'm still going to have certain things. The only thing I have not done in this diet that I said I would do is the exercise part. And oh, you know, that's kind of important. Well, I, 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 you know, I shouldn't say I haven't done it. Yesterday I actually took quite a long hike. But uh, um, the other day I've been hammered with a lot of headaches, and I've, been, I've actually developed a back problem in the last week and a half, and I've never had back problems in my life. Which is weird. Like I, I, I'm almost 41 years old, and one thing I've been blessed with is a back that does not have problems. There's a lot of people who go through chronic or occasional back problems. I never have back problems, and and for the last week and a half or so, 
I've had a back problem that I can't figure out, and it's not getting any better. In fact, after the hike I took yesterday, it got worse. So, um, um, so someone's saying in the chat, ain't no way he lost 10 pounds and no cardio. That's not true. I, I've been at this for a month and a half, or less than a month and a half, about a month and uh, 10 days. And if you take in significantly less, uh, fewer calories than you did before, you will lose weight. You, you, now, cardio would improve it, but uh, you, yes, you can lose 10 pounds that way, especially if you weigh as much as uh, as I did. And, and you know, 230 is not a it's not huge for for my height. I'm six foot two, but uh, you know, still, it, it's not like I'm 150 pounds and trying to lose 30. This is uh, you know, 230. Like people who are obese, they, they can lose 50 pounds like it's nothing. I couldn't lose 50 pounds like it's nothing. For me, it'd be pretty hard. I'm trying to lose, uh, you know, close to that overall, but, uh, but yeah, it, uh, I have lost 10 pounds, and, uh, Darkstar trying to depress me here, but giving advice, saying, uh, just had two back surgeries in four years, and this guy's my age, get your back looked at soon if it's been going on for two weeks, that's really nice, <laughs> that's, uh, I just, I'm just hoping it goes away, you know, that's, yeah, uh, you know, I think exercise is just bad for you, you should stop, you should discontinue. You know, you know what sucks is, and I've been... Waiting for the spring to come, I, I had these chronic tension headaches, and I know where they came from. These, these are not a mystery. I got those. I inherited those from my mom. But uh, I have chronic tension headaches, and they come a lot in the summer and the winter. And and I, in fact, they hammer me so much in in both those seasons that in the summer at the World Series, I manage. I always take two pills with me to every tournament I play because I know I'm gonna. It's a good chance I'm gonna get a headache, and uh, it, it's it's something hereditary. But the problem when they come, I, I really can't exercise. So that, that's been a big problem for me because it is winter time, and I am getting these headaches. And then, and then the funny thing is, the headaches have not been as bad for the last two weeks or so. But now I've got the back problems. But, uh, but a- anyway, I I'm going to uh, hopefully the back thing gets better, and hopefully the headaches do their usual uh, uh, decreasing in the spring, and I can start exercising more than just one hike out of the last uh, six weeks. And uh, hopefully I can keep losing weight. By the way, the pills I was taking were not uh, prescription pills. They were uh, Excedrin. Anyway. I'm trying to put on some weight, Drew. Yeah, and, you know, I know. I'm having, I'm having a cold, refreshing Pepsi right now. To, to uh, gee, I'm going to have to hang up on you. I usually, You know what? I used to have to try to put on weight. I used to be really thin like you. And I used to, if I did not actively eat enough every day, I would lose weight. And I used to have it where I'd go on, on like family vacations and, uh, and we wouldn't eat as much as I would be accustomed to eating at home. And I'd get back and I'd be like eight pounds lighter and I'd freak out and go, crap, I can't lose eight pounds. I'm already so thin. And, and it's funny, it's gone the other way now where if I, if I see I lost eight pounds somehow, I'm, I'm thrilled. Anyway, uh, thank you, Seriously Serious. I'm going to cover the... Oh, you can stay on if you want. I, I, I no, I'm, I'm going to cut up. Okay. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Go to SeriouslySerious.com and buy my shit. Yeah. All right, Bye. thank you. Seriously Serious, who is a co-host of the show before, and uh, one of our temporary co-hosts who is not a scammer. He has been scammed, but he's not a scammer. All right, uh, let me uh, get to our final topic of the show. Oh, I, I'm not done talking about the World Series. I'm done talking about the ladies' event. I'm not done talking about the World Series. Uh, I have to admit I was disappointed when I saw the World Series schedule, not because of the ladies' event, but because of the Limit Hold'em events, or shall I say the lack of Limit Hold'em events. For quite some time, 
there have been five or six Limit Hold'em events at the World Series, or at least uh, events that featured Limit Hold'em primarily. I'm not talking about the mixed games where it's one of eight games or one of five games. I'm talking about uh, Limit Hold'em or Mixed Hold'em, which is half limit, half no limit, where the limit actually plays bigger at the end. Unfortunately, when I looked at the World Series schedule, I noticed the absence of several events. If I'm looking to repeat my $3,000 Limit Hold'em bracelet performance of 2005, I can forget it. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Now, it has been taken away occasionally since I won it in 2005. I, I think it existed all but one year since then, but it was gone at least one year, but it came back. Anyway, it's gone now. No more 3000 limit. That event has been thrown in the garbage. The $1,500 limit shootout is gone. My favorite event, and I talked to Brandon about this, Brandon's favorite event, and Brandon and I actually both made it to heads up in the first table and lost last year, (laughs) which wasn't very good. But... uh, Uh, Both of us really enjoy that event. Both of us have cashed in that event before. I once came within a card of a six-handed final table back in 2006. I also uh, made a day two in 2011. I really like that event because uh, it actually... It features a lot of lousy players. And a lot of it is a shorthanded event. Because as people drop off the table, it becomes shorthanded and then heads up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shootout. So I really liked that event. It really played well to my skills of Limit Hold'em. It's gone. Don't know if it's ever coming back, but it's gone. And my second favorite event has been also thrown away by the World Series. I'm talking about the Mixed Hold'em, which was, I think, brought in 2007. It's half limit, half no limit. Uh, In 2007, there were actually two of them, a big buy-in and a small buy-in. I played them both. Uh, Eventually, it got reduced to one. Then it got reduced this year to zero. It's totally gone. No Mixed Hold'em anymore. I wish it was there. The reason I liked the Mixed Hold'em so much was because you got a lot of No Limit players who had no clue how to play Limit Hold'em. Were there a lot of good Limit players in it too? Yes. Were there some players who were pretty good at both? Yes. Oh, we also had some uh, Limit players who sucked at No Limit. So uh, some of these guys who were very good Limit players, I'd watch chunk off all their chips in the No Limit part. So... Um, and then 2008, I made 10th place in this damn thing, and, and the reason I made it so far was uh, because all the good limit players fell off early. And I was there's there only one other competent limit player in the whole field out of those 10 people. That was Jonathan Tamayo, who finished second. Everybody else in that field was not a limit player. I actually had people at the end of that event telling me that uh, they were nervous playing against me in the limit part. These are people, like, actively while they're playing with me, saying... Uh, you know, I can tell it limits your game. You know, I'm afraid of playing against you. I'm a no-limit person. And I, and I could tell. I could tell exactly who was a no-limit and who was a limit person there. So I, I was salivating at that damn final table. I just didn't quite get there. I missed by one. But I look forward to that event every year. But not this year. It's gone. Something else I'm not playing, even though this has not changed at all, but I'm not going to play the $1,000 no-limit events that they have this year. Uh, I think one is called the Millionaire Maker, and by the way, that's a new thing that Harris is doing. Or should I say Caesars? Not called Harris anymore, but the new thing Caesars is doing. 
what they call the millionaire maker. They have a bunch of millionaire maker things and little promotions throughout their casino. So uh, they have now a millionaire maker t- tournament for, I believe, a thousand dollar buy-in where they are guaranteeing a million for first place, which isn't very hard to do because those thousand dollar no limit adventures get a sick field. I think they have them every like Saturday or Sunday, or actually Saturday and Sunday with like day one A one B. But they just get ridiculous fields. Some of them have more than six thousand people entering. Uh, I'm not going to play those anymore, not because I don't want to win a million dollars, but because I think it's highly unlikely that I will win. One million dollars. Now it's not just because the fields are huge and I'm unlikely to uh, triumph over such a gigantic field. I just hate how you start with 3,000 in chips And After the first few hours The blinds are high enough to where You're short stacked, even if you haven't lost any of them If you just break even Now you say, well, okay, Druff, well, don't break even Win, you know, play more aggressive Well, it's not that simple Because a lot of times you get nits at your table Who won't put in the money unless they're ahead of you So I'm not going to throw away My thousand dollars by getting it in bad and uh, it's very hard sometimes to accumulate chips if you don't get either in the right spots or you don't get a good table. And uh, and I've found myself a lot of times with the same 3,000, you know, give or take a few hundred. Four hours have passed. I just can't make a move. A few times I get a hand, everyone folds. And then uh, I get moved to another table, and then there's the 20K stacks, 18K stacks, 25K stacks, and of course I get crushed instantly and I'm done. So I, I've given up on them. It's it's not that I, I don't think I, I can play these effectively. It's just that uh, there's too much luck involved, and I'm just I just don't like it. It was frustrating. So I'm not playing them anymore. I I don't care who buys a piece of me or whatever. I just don't want to play them anymore. I'll, I'll play some of the fifteen hundred dollar buy-ins. Bonet's saying in the chat that he thinks the millionaire maker is fifteen hundred. Maybe it is. I, I'm actually going to play some of the fifteen hundreds. I I. I found the 1500 you can actually play for longer because you get 4500 in chips. You don't have to get out to as great of a start in the 1500s. So I will play some of those, but the thousands I'm not doing. I'm also probably just going to play fewer events total. So I'll post my schedule not too long. Up on Poker Fraud Alert And I'll post the uh, Situation for anybody Who wants to buy pieces of me If you Want to do that Didn't go very well last year or the year before But uh, you never know Always hit and miss with these tournaments I'm not a professional tournament player or anything Sometimes I play better than others Just like everybody Um, But I will post what I'm going to play, but it will be fewer tournaments than last year. But I'm just very disappointed with the schedule and the elimination of the events that I really liked. And uh, Brandon was saying to me, you know, if I can't have Brandon on the show, I'm just going to say what he said to me and pretend he's here. Brandon said to me, he's not excited about the World Series like he was for the last several years. That he used to get really excited and look forward to it, and that it just, it doesn't mean as much to him anymore. He's not a up for it as much and I don't feel as strongly about that as he does and it's probably because I I have a good memory from the World Series from 2005 and, and that can't be erased of, of you know how I how well I did my first two tournaments 
So that will always leave a soft spot for the World Series in my heart, no matter how much Harris fails. But I have to say each year I do lose a little bit of excitement for it. But I will be still kind of excited for it. But less with the, especially with the events that are gone. Moving along, a Partouche Poker employee, I shouldn't say a Partouche Poker employee, uh, several employees at the Partouche Poker site, potouchepoker.fr, apparently have been giving unauthorized gifts and bonuses to relatives. Uh, this apparently was not done with the permission of the ownership there, but just just another black mark on the Partouche Poker Tour. You guys remember when they had a guarantee for a live tournament and then... Uh, didn't get the turnout they expected and tried to pretend the guarantee never existed and then the owner of the tour came on a microphone and uh, was very arrogant about it and then threatened to end the tour forever because people were demanding the guarantee. Real asshole. Uh, then they've been uh, promoting that ridiculous ISPT that I talked about last week that's a total fail tournament supposed to take place in Wembley Stadium. That's not directly their fault but they're one of the sites promoting that fail thing and now, now they have their employees... Uh, Handing out unauthorized gifts to uh, friends and relatives. So what a mess that place is. Just wanted to mention it. Not much to say about that. Jerry Buss, owner of the Los Angeles Lakers since 1979, has died. He apparently has been suffering from cancer for some time now. Did not attend any Lakers games this season. Probably would have killed him sooner if he did Pretty bad team this year And uh, He passed away A few days ago I want to give you a few thoughts on him Because I, I've played with him He sat right next to me at a Commerce 400-800 game As we played um, I'll tell you some things I know about him Jerry Buss was Really the embodiment Of the American dream This is not a guy who was born into money this was someone who, you know, as you know, this is Dr. Jerry Buss. This is someone who actually has a doctorate. Not an honorary doctorate, but a real doctorate. He was an engineer for a company called TRW. A lot of people think TRW is just a credit company. It, it really That wasn't the main source of their business, actually. They were, uh, TRW, TRW mainly did defense contracting and uh, actually automotive airbag stuff, which most people don't know about. Um, they were never... The credit part of TRW, which has since been sold off to Experian, is uh, not as well known. Right? I mean, it's the best part. It's best known, but it's not was never the big part of their business. Anyway, he worked for TRW as an engineer, just a regular engineer. You know, we had an engineer on here, uh, a long-winded engineer <laughs> that uh, was just on here debating with me. But uh, Jerry Bust, yeah, just like him, just just a regular guy working uh, as an engineer. Obviously a, uh, a very smart guy And uh, he saw An opportunity in the Southern California real estate market He noticed that the property values In Southern California Were rapidly increasing Going all the way back to like the late 50s So uh, Jerry Used the money he had saved from uh, yeah, That he made as an engineer To start purchasing mainly Apartment buildings in the LA area and um, as many people did who invested in real estate uh, during those coming decades, uh, what they would do is they would purchase uh, rental property, uh, obviously rent it out to bring in an income, and then the properties, you know, the value would go up, 
and they were able to take loans against uh, the new equity they would gain from the property value going up and buy other property. And as long as everything keeps going up, uh, they, they remain in good shape. If it crashes like it did in uh, 2007, 2008, they're in trouble. But uh, that didn't happen to Jerry Buss or anyone around that time. So Jerry Buss just kept accumulating more and more apartment buildings. And pretty soon he pretty much had a, a real estate empire where he got, had a lot of money. So in 1979, and he was uh, in his late 40s around that time, uh, he actually had enough money uh, along with a partner, I think one partner, I'm not sure if it was more than one, but uh, um, purchased the L.A. Lakers, the L.A. Kings, yes, that L.A. Kings, he once owned them, and uh, the Forum, which uh, was where the Lakers played, he bought all three of those for 675 one million dollars well, Times that So 67.5 million dollars He bought that And you know even if you Translate that to 2013 dollars From 1979 dollars He still got an amazing price Which was actually the most That was ever paid at any point uh, You know up till 1979 For any sports team People thought he was crazy Oh my god 67 million For, for two sports teams in the forum Are you, you nuts? It turned out it was a great deal and uh, even though Inglewood is a dump where the Forum is located and full of crime, uh, he got a great deal to get the Forum and those two teams for uh, $67.5 million, even in 1979 dollars. So uh, the Lakers are, are valued today at about a billion dollars, I heard. Uh, he sold the Kings, and uh, he sold the Forum. But, I mean, this guy, everything he did was right as far as uh, business decisions. And the Lakers, of course, were a very respected team. Not very respected right now, but uh, a very well-loved and successful organization. And uh, Jerry also really loved poker. Uh, I'm not sure when he started playing poker. I know he finished third in a in a World Series event in 1991, I believe a stud tournament. Uh, Jerry preferred limit over no limit, as most people who were playing limit first did. Uh, most of the older people preferred limit games. Uh, specifically limit hold'em for a lot of people. A lot of them like stud, too. And it's just one of those things, you know, whatever you're used to first, whatever you get used to playing, it tends to be what you like. And, you know, I played limit hold'em first, and that's that's what I like best. So, uh, Jerry, uh, he really liked poker, but especially as he got older, he got to like it more. I think as the poker boom took off, I, I think he got into it even more. And, uh, he actually got bored with the Lakers. He stopped really following what was going on with his own team. He would play minor tournaments at Commerce, sometimes uh, you know, preliminary events of the World Series, when the Lakers would be in major playoff games, major do-or-die playoff games. He wouldn't even be there with the team. He wouldn't even be watching. He'd be sitting and playing a tournament that, that was meaningless as far as the money he would win. Even if he won the tournament... It would be meaningless to him. And someone once asked him, you know, Jerry, why are you not watching the Lakers? Why are you not watching your team in this critical moment? Why are you playing this tournament? And he says, ah, you know, the Lakers, uh, they, they lose whenever I watch them. I'm bad luck. Well, that's not true. Yeah, but he just had to uh, make up an excuse. The truth is he got bored with basketball. And uh, he really enjoyed poker. He never got bored with poker. In fact, he seemed to like it more and more as, as the years wore on. As someone mentioned in the chat, he donated millions to the poker economy. 
Um, I, I wouldn't. I don't know how much he donated as far as losses. Um, he wasn't that bad of a player. I played against him at 400-800. You'd expect Jerry Buss, who's just playing for the fun of it, obviously, because you know, no matter how much, he, no matter how much he'd win at 400-800, or no matter how much he'd win at the World Series, it would be meaningless money to him. Maybe if he won the main event, it would mean somewhat in the money. But you know, uh, if he wins a, a preliminary event for 500000 it means nothing to him. If he wins a commerce tournament for a hundred thousand, means nothing. Even if, even if he wins a million, this means nothing. So he was playing for fun. So you think a guy playing for fun would want to throw chips around and be a maniac? No, he was extremely tight. John Stamos in our chat is mentioning that he was the tightest player in the world on high stakes poker. He was also very tight and weak at my four hundred eight hundred game. When I say weak, I don't mean terrible. I mean that, uh, I'll give an example. Um, he would have pocket jacks, and I would, uh, I'd raise in late position, he'd three bet me. Very standard, I'd call. Flop would come 8-4-2, I'd have, I'd have ace-8. I'd check raise him, he'd call. Turn would come something inconsequential, I'd bet he'd call. River would come inconsequential, I'd bet he'd call. I'm sure I've got him, I'm sure I've got, you know, I'm sure he has like ace-king, ace-queen, can't lay it down. Maybe sevens or something. Nope, shows me jacks. And uh, a lot of you don't know about limit strategy. You might think that's correct. It's not, um, especially against uh, anyone who's not a, a super tight player. Uh, you want to at least raise at some point there on the the underboard to jacks with nothing else that's concerning. But he didn't, and it was funny. I always wondered like why didn't he? <laughs> you know, like why why play a weak tight style when you're not worried about the money? But um, that that's what he did. But at the same time, he wasn't a lot of value to the game. It's not like he was limping in with terrible hands. He wasn't limping in with seven-deuce offsuit. He, he would he would just play good hands, and the truth is, in, in Hold'em, uh, if someone's just playing good hands, then it's going to be hard to get much money out of them. Occasionally, you'll bad beat them. Uh, sometimes they will miss bets, but you know, you're, they're not going to be up against you with dominated hands very often, and uh, uh, you're not going to make that much money off of them. So... Uh, that's what I found with his poker. Grenada Rogers says in our chat, Bust said poker was something he could compete at in his age. That's why he liked it. Speaking of his age, uh, a lot of you know that Jerry Buss liked young women. Now, from what I observed personally with the women he would bring to poker rooms, I, I actually witnessed him at the Hustler bringing a, a girl who was definitely under 30 and, and giving her money to go play somewhere else. He handed her like one or $2,000 chips to go play. Uh... He seemed to prefer young Hispanic women. Seemed to be like uh, Hispanic women in their 20s was Jerry's preference, at least from what I saw of him in person. Um, He was famously pulled over, I think, in 2007, like greatly exceeding the speed limit. I think he was drunk, too. And he had a 23-year-old girl with him. And people kind of laughed about that. Uh, Jerry Buss did love young, beautiful women. And the person he really admired and wanted to be was Hugh Hefner. He wanted really to be like Hugh Hefner's best friend. He loved the way Hugh Hefner lived his life. He loved the way Hugh Hefner had the young women around him constantly. He wanted to attend Hugh Hefner's parties. He tried very hard to become friends with Hugh Hefner. But Hef was not interested. 
Hugh Hefner said, you know, you're really not my type of guy. And uh, openly rebuffed him and said, no, yeah, basically, I, I don't want to be your friend. Get away from me. Didn't hate him. He just he just didn't really like him. He just didn't want to hang out with him. So uh, Jerry Buss kind of lived his life emulating Hugh Hefner in some ways. But uh, that's a fact about him that's not very well known. Uh, he did run the uh, Bus Mariani uh, charity tournament at the bike, which was nice of him. And uh, from all reports I've heard of Jerry Buss, he was a nice guy and uh, not arrogant at all, down to earth, easy to talk to. I never really talked to him when we played together. We didn't play for very long, and it seemed like he knew other people at the table who were like regulars there. So I, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to be like the the guy who just butts into the conversation just because it's Jerry Buss and, and try to kiss his ass. Like that's not me. So like you know he's sitting here talking to all the people he knows much better. I, I didn't really get involved, but uh, seemed like a good guy, and uh, definitely much more of a competent basketball owner than his son Jim Buss. And apparently the the Buss family trust is, is going to uh, continue with Lakers ownership. And it's shared between uh, Jim and Jeannie and, and whoever else. They're, they're, the names all begin with J. He named all his kids with a, a J. And, and Jeannie Buss's daughter, I, I think she may have been influenced by seeing her father date much younger women all these years. Because, as a lot of you know, she is dating Phil Jackson. It has been for a long time. Phil Jackson is over 20 years her senior. I have to think that maybe uh, seeing her father do that... She kind of wanted to do the same thing. Just sometimes what you see your parents do, you just kind of get the idea that's right. No, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that she's with a much older man and that he was always with really young women. So um, I, I heard something that there may be a uh, bus memorial tournament at this World Series. Maybe one of them is going to be renamed to that, maybe a stud tournament. If they do, great. You know, seemed like a good guy was dedicated to poker and uh very good owner for the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh you know, he uh he brought a lot of Laker fans pleasure over the years. So, RIP Jerry Buss. Uh let's what else? Oh, the Barry Greenstein open face Chinese app controversy. Talked about Barry Greenstein a number of times in this uh, on this show and other shows I've done. You know, um, I saw a Barry Greenstein in the chat. I doubt it was really him. I'll have to look into who that really was, but uh, I hope it wasn't Jay Searles. <laughs> it may have been, but uh, he left after some time. But uh, the real Barry Greenstein posted a warning on the Poker Stars blog site. Now you remember that. Barry Greenstein is a PokerStars pro, so uh, he has access to the PokerStars blog to basically post what he wants there. Open-faced Chinese poker is different than regular Chinese poker. And it's something that's really been uh, sweeping the poker community as of late. Uh, a lot of people have gotten bored of regular Chinese poker, and even the variants like uh, Chinese poker with deuce in the middle... Uh, everyone's getting bored of that stuff But this open face Chinese poker Is a different form of Chinese you, you, you know Going for the same goals Sort of But you know with a, with a lesser hand on top Of three cards The middle hand uh, The middle strength hand of five cards in the middle And the strongest hand of five cards in the back And then you, you compare your back, middle, and front To 
the others who were uh, playing against you. But open face Chinese involves you actually only getting five cards to start with instead of thirteen, and and um, getting dealt more cards a- as it moves on, and and trying to place them in a way to where it will end up uh, a proper Chinese hand. A proper Chinese hand is where a hand that's behind it will never be uh, worse than the hand in front of it. So, so you never have a hand on top that's better than the hand in the middle. So I'm not going to explain the whole game. You can Google it if you want to see the rules for open-faced Chinese. But um, this is what Barry wrote about open-faced Chinese poker and an app that they have for the iPhone called open-faced Chinese poker and how he feels that he got cheated on the app and probably by someone he knows pretty well. So the blog written on February 15th is entitled Don't Get Cheated on the Open Face Chinese App. Now keep in mind this is not a real money app. This isn't like getting cheated on UB. This is a this is an app supposed to be for fun. And people just play it for money because they're degenerates. Open Face Chinese Poker has really taken off. For example, during previous years of Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, we always had a 200-400 or 400-800 mix game, but this year, rather than a big mix game, there were four tables of open-faced Chinese poker going. I've just started to play the game. I'm not real good as of yet, but I ventured in, I ventured in during the last day at PCA because it looked like a pretty good game that there might be some people I thought might, I might still be able to beat. As it happened, I ran pretty good, and I won a decent amount of money. I was told then by some people that many were playing open-faced Chinese on an app that's available for iPhones and iPad. So when I got home, I downloaded the app and I started playing just for fun against some people. You can even play against the app itself. I did that for a while until I thought I was ready to play for small stakes against some players. I started out playing small, just $10 a point, and was losing a little bit as I was playing against people who were better than I was. Then once I got a little better, I kicked it up against some other poker players to 25 a point because that seemed to be the normal amount for which people were playing. Then a guy challenged me to $50 a point, and even though I'd heard he might be a better player than I was, I thought perhaps I could learn playing against a better player. Nowadays, poker players seem to learn from videos and by going onto forums, but in my day, the way you got better was watching better players and trying to see what they were doing and tried to incorporate what you saw into your game. That's what I was trying to do here. Of course, one of the problems right now with open-faced Chinese poker is that you have a lot of disagreement of who the better players are. It's a pretty complicated game, and at this stage of the growth of the game, everybody makes some mistakes. In any case, I played this guy and actually beat him out of about 100 points. Then he suggested we double the stakes, and so we did and played some more, and that's when he started winning. Now, it's not that he beat me, but it's how he beat me. It seemed like after being in trouble, he kept getting saved on the river over and over and over. Even though it was believable that he was a better player than I was, I I decided I wanted to start keeping track of when he needed to get out in these situations. And if you remember, unlike regular Chinese poker where you get your 13 cards to start with and there's no river, uh, here you you get dealt dealt five and then you get dealt more as as it goes on. So he was saying the the last card uh, kept winning the hand for him, for for the, the opponent. When he had to get an out on the river to beat me, I wanted to see what his percentage was. I started keeping track, and the next 14 times it came up, he hit 7 times. Now, that's not every time, but it was enough after that that I quit. Now, you might be wondering, well, 7 times out of 14, that's half the time. Shouldn't that be what you expect? No, because uh, these were situations where his opponent had only a small chance to beat him on the river, and did 7 out of 14 times. If you think about it, like, let's say, uh, uh, let's say your opponent could only beat you with 3 outs on the river. 
in 14 different hands, and he got he got there seven times, you'd be pretty alarmed at that. I have a nephew who is a programmer, and I called him up. I told him that I thought I was being cheated, and asked him if he could figure out if there's any way you could see a person uh, could download the app and perhaps change the card or do whatever, because I suspected there might be something going on here. My nephew downloaded the app, and once he had a chance to start looking at it, he called me back within 30 minutes. He said anyone who's a programmer who knows how to hook up an iPad to another computer could easily cheat using the app. He said he could see all the cards and do whatever he wanted. I asked him if he could give me a demo, and we played a game, and he sent me three kings on top, a flush in the middle, and a straight flush in the back. He explained that anyone who was a programmer who had a friend who was a programmer could cheat me in the game no problem. And Barry posted a uh, screenshot of the uh, of this game where his nephew, uh, who was trying to demonstrate how easy it is to cheat, uh, did have three kings on top, uh, flush in the middle, and a uh, straight flush in the bottom. Using a proxy server... With the current version of the app, you can see all 13 cards of yours and in your opponents when the deal is, is begun. Most cheaters wouldn't spend the time to change the cards as my nephew did. They would just know whether their flushes and full houses were going to come in, which allows them to play efficiently like normal Chinese poker. So it's, it's kind of like super using. It's different It's different than super using. Super using is actually seeing all the cards, but the, this is actually he was saying that the, they could actually see all the cards that were coming, too. It's like what I call clairvoyance. And that... Um, Super users can actually be beat in the short term. Uh, people who are have this clairvoyance power to see what's coming can never be beat because they know exactly uh, um, when they should. Uh, they can never be sucked out on because they they know not to put money in if they're going to lose at the end. It was just as I expected. I began calling around to people who were playing a lot. Pretty much anybody who's won big at this game at this point is under suspicion because it's so easy to cheat. So. Um, I'm not going to go on with the... You can read the rest of the blog if you want by uh, Googling uh, open face Chinese Barry Greenstein. But uh, the question is, was he really cheated? Or is he just being bitter that a better player beat him? I mean, 7 out of 14 rivers. First, first of all, we don't know how likely these rivers were to hit. But um, but second, you can run that bad. That, that's just not enough hands to conclude. Now, 14 out of 14, sure. But 7 out of 14, unless it was like 7 out of 14 where, where there's 1 or 2 outers, I, I have to say that that's not enough to conclude someone's cheating. Now, am I saying that he wasn't cheated? No. It is very possible that he was being cheated, and I believe that his nephew really proved this. I, I don't think he's making that up. I don't think that screenshot was fake. And I think if his nephew could cheat it pretty quickly... I think that other people could cheat it, and I think other people would cheat it. Because a lot of poker players are not of the best character. If I had to guess, I would say that Barry Greenstein was cheated in this. Uh, the one thing I wonder is why he's not naming the person. If he's that convinced about cheating here to write a blog warning people about it and, and to risk coming off as, as someone who is sour grapes about losing, why not just name the person? Why not say, such and such person played me, he hit 7 out of 14 rivers, which is unlikely... My nephew proved that you could cheat. I'm not saying that this guy cheated, but uh, I think anyone who played this guy needs to look into their results. But that's it. Why not just say who it is? Darkstar is saying it's probably some Asian chick he wants to bang. Maybe. I mean, it's weird that he's not naming the person. I mean, if you're not that convinced, then shut up about it. If you're convinced, then name the person, even if you don't directly accuse them, but just say, hey, what do you guys think? Here are the 14 hands. Here's how he got here seven times. Have any of you played this person? Maybe something like that. So, 
I think it's foolish to play real money, except for just like real money that's low stakes, but playing any kind of reasonable stakes on an app like that that isn't designed with security involved against, uh, I, I wouldn't say strangers, but it, just people you know from poker that would cheat you. It's, it's not like you're playing uh, your brother or your best friend. You're playing people who, who want to win money off of you and may be doing it in unethical ways if they can on an app that is not designed for security. I don't see how Barry, who once worked for Symantec, didn't think of that. And this is not some rube who doesn't understand technology. So, uh, I'm surprised that Barry even let this happen to him. But I, I do think he probably did get cheated. And I wish he would name the person who did it. I hate when someone cheats and is covered for by the victim. If you don't want to accuse the person... That don't bring it up in the first place. If it's, I think if it's fit for a poker star's blog to warn people, it's fit to say who you were playing against, and and that not just to humiliate the person, but then, you know, if this person has been hitting Miracle River after River against every other guy he's been playing, then everyone's going to go, oh, all right, well, now I know why I lost so much against this dude. This dude's been cheating me, and then they can all confront him together. If it's just one guy, you could say, oh, just Barry Greenstein running bad and being bitter about it. So I wish Barry would out him. But uh, obviously it's up to him. I just think it would be a service to the community to out this person. Even if you don't want to out him with a conclusion that this guy is definitely a cheater, but just more like an information-gathering outing. Like, this is who I played. What do you guys think? So don't play anyone for real money on the open face. Chinese poker app. Apparently they, uh, they, they've released a new version which is supposedly more secure, but who knows. Until these things are actually designed with real money involved, uh, I wouldn't trust them with anyone that you don't really trust. So always beware when you have these unregulated gambling sort of situations. Alright, uh, let's move on to the next subject. You know, it's hard to do this uh, for all these hours by myself. Just telling you. Talk and talk and talk. One thing I have to give Rich Muni, at least he gave my voice a rest. <laughs> at least I got to sit there quietly for so long periods of time. Travis McCarr has released more stuff. Uh, this was again posted on Dockdown. A weird text message exchange with Brad Booth. Something that a lot of you don't know is that there's a lot of infighting between people who are exposing UB. For example, Haley Hintz, who I love, and I think she writes great articles, uh, she does not get along with Scott Bell, who, who, by the way, listens to this show. Scott Bell, also known as Eleven Grover, he's the one making that uh, poker documentary that I actually appeared in. It, it hasn't been released, but... Uh, He's posted clips of it. Um, they're all after the same thing, and that is exposing all the people that were involved in the UB and AP cheating. But a lot of them grew to dislike one another for various reasons. I'm not going to take sides in these fights. I'm not going to try to analyze who's right, who's wrong. I mean, these, these were personal uh, problems they have with each other that I, I don't feel are any of my business. But um, Scott Bell and Haley Hintz hate each other, for example. 
And um, apparently Travis Maycar and Scott Bell also don't get along. And then we have Brad Booth, who has been screaming to anyone that will listen that he got cheated out of uh, millions of dollars on UB. And I, I do believe he got cheated out of a lot. How much he got cheated, I'm not sure. He may be exaggerating, but he, he really did get cheated a lot and directly by Russ Hamilton. We had him on uh, Donk Down Radio back when I was on that show, and he told uh, some pretty heart-wrenching stories. Now, that didn't mean Brad Booth wasn't willing to uh, roll other people for uh, loans that he had no way to pay back. He's done some bad things himself since uh, all this happened, but uh, I do believe he was cheated out of a large sum of money by Russ Hamilton, and I believe he didn't ever get uh, a refund that uh, was proper, as many of us didn't, myself included. But uh, Brad Booth and Travis Maycar, how do they feel about each other? Well, we found out from text messages that uh, Travis Maycar has now made public between him and Brad Booth from late May and early June of 2012. Now, this is Brad Booth trying to contact Travis to uh, pitch him some great idea of how they can recover a lot of money from UB. How, how they could at this point, I don't know, because they, UB is broke. But I, I think probably has something to do with blackmailing people who... Uh, who still have money that were once involved with it. That's the only thing I can guess. They didn't say anything about blackmail, but I mean, UB itself as a company, even back in May of 2012, was, was broke. So this is from Brad Booth to Travis McCarr. I'm going to read the back and forth here and give my commentary. This is Brad to Travis. Hi there. Text me sometime on here or on such and such phone number. Hope you are well. Travis did not respond. Then Brad wrote, Let's chat, please, and gave a phone number. I believe you. I have an idea. So, um, so then this is interesting. This came back to uh, um, to tra- from Travis to Brad. You talk, I will listen. I cannot talk on the phone or be seen talking to you in person, as that would be a violation of the non-disclosure agreement that I have signed. Now, that's very interesting because it's been theorized for a long time that uh, Travis signed a non-disclosure agreement, and that's why he stopped talking. Uh, in, in early 2011, after he came out on Donk Down and you know, to the show I was part of, that uh, suddenly he stopped talking. So, looks like he probably did get some money and a uh, non-disclosure agreement. It must have expired or something. I, I don't know what's happening while he's talking now. I can listen to your idea, but at this stage I cannot comment due to the non-disclosure agreement. There is a deadline for me to retract the non-disclosure. Maybe that's what he just did. Uh, but it is coming up fast. I was straight with you from day one, gave you everything you've asked for, and all I did was get slammed by Scott Bell. I will have no part of him. Everything he has said and done is wrong and untrue. That was from Travis McCarr. Brad Booth wrote back, I also think I know a way to get funds back for my hands. Not sure how to go about this. I'll be here for another month. I think he's referring to Las Vegas. Um, But would you like to listen before the 16th? And then... uh, Travis wrote back, I don't understand. Are you referring to your hand histories? And if so, don't you or Scott Bell have them? Scott Bell said he knows what happened and knows the truth. I tried to talk to him about it, but he would not take my word. Uh, He even told me his theories. I tried to tell him he was way off, but he claimed to know more about it. Uh, And he even told me I had the wrong lawyer for the job. One phone call and I could have frozen to last liquidation payout. But he claimed to have the best attorney for the job. But I see how that lawsuit went down the toilet kind of rambling. I don't understand all that. 
Uh, Brad Booth wrote back, yeah, we need to cross paths. I'm not talking about hand histories. I don't want to type too much. It doesn't come across the way I mean it to. Well, then that got ignored for four days. So <laughs> then four days later, June 19th, hi. That gets ignored. He writes again. So then uh, uh, two days later, he gets a response from Travis. Sorry, not interested. I have my own agenda, like I told Scott Bell. I was already offered. Let's see. What, what was he offered? What was he offered? One million dollars. No, not quite. He was offered $500,000 just for info on a book. And he called me a liar. I no longer need need it. Stick with Scott. Go where I think he really believes what he makes up. I have my own thing. Have my life back on track. Good luck on whatever you have going. So, so Travis is claiming he was offered 500k just for info on a book, and and I don't know if he's saying he refused it, but I I don't believe that. Travis Maycar would snap up a 500k offer for a book at this point. Believe me. I mean, the guy was looking for money for uh, a lawyer involving some kind of uh, road rage accusation a few years ago. And uh, believe me, if he's offered 500 k at this point, he's taking it for info on a book. Anyway, Brad writes back, All I know is I got fucked and have been hung out to dry. Sucks to be me. I don't know what to believe. I just want my life back. I wish I could just get some of what's rightfully mine and put everything behind me and never have to talk about UB again. Just makes me sick. If I kill myself, I hope the people that cheated me realize it was because of them why I'm in the ground. Now, I don't know why he's saying this to Travis, because, uh, you know, what's Travis going to do here? P.S. I don't listen to everything Scott says. In fact, I think the opposite in some areas. I've listened to Haley and Scott and come up with my own thoughts. Wish I could just put it all to rest. I'm not as close to Scott Bell as you may think, not even close to what you think, actually. I've always treated you with respect, I think, and I don't say much to him either because he's as stubborn as can be. I'd still love to chat with you, and it wouldn't go past me to anyone else's ears. I guess it goes the other way because these messages are being posted. Uh, seems Seems like you got paid, and once again, Bradley gets fucked. Thought you were gonna help me, bro. So this is Brad Booth being annoyed now, thinking that, uh, and probably correctly, that Travis Makar got paid off. And and now won't help him anymore. Now now at the same time I think that Brad Brad's scheme was probably harebrained and unlikely to result in anything. Probably grasping at straws here, and uh, Travis wanted no part of it. So I don't blame Travis there, but I also do think that Travis uh, wasn't cooperating with him or anyone anymore because he did get paid. That's what a non-disclosure agreement is about. This is what Travis wrote back, being angry that uh, uh, Brad was being unappreciative. I helped you more than anyone. Then you hooked me, hooked up with fiction teller Bell. I still get emails with him with his off-the-wall threats. He has chased more people away. No one wants anything to do with him or his so-called big-name poker players that he claims are backing him. The poker players, nobody's... Uh, the, oh, the, the, as he claims are backing him, the poker players, nobody's want the truth. I think he's trying to say the, uh, the ones that are the nobodies uh, are the ones backing him. The ones that want the truth are the big names. Uh, uh, they want to stay hidden. So... Then he, and then Brad writes back, let's meet for coffee, bro. He's just not taking no for an answer here. Uh, this is still on June 29th. I'm caught in the middle here. I'm still in Las Vegas. I'm very open to any ideas. Seriously, let's meet and go from there. In person, it's much better. Go to Starbucks or something. There's one on Flamingo by the Rio. Uh, P.S. Phil Helmuth didn't say very nice things about you. I'll fill you in. So he's trying to give him like a teaser. Like, show up to coffee with me, uh, Travis. I'll, I'll tell you what Phil said about you. <laughs> 
And then, uh, that, wasn't he trying to sue Phil Helmuth to call him out or something? I, I don't, I, I can't see that those two would have much of a conversation about Travis. Uh, finishing off here. Uh, so then Brad texted him, I see this is your three choices because I'm personally trying to help you, even if you did something in the past. It is what it is and I don't care. Bygones are bygones. I'm not a, I'm not as upset with Russ or anyone as you may think I am. Poker is dirty, plain and simple. Sit with me and Scott and talk in confidentiality or be in the documentary and 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 uh and say what you wish or leave us hanging to build our own conclusions based upon what we know to the best of our ability. So now it sounds like he's trying to uh convince Travis to appear in that documentary with Scott Bell. Uh, even though he was trying to distance himself from Scott Bell earlier in the conversation, kind of contradicting himself. And then he wrote, fourth opinion, just talk to me over a coffee. And that's it. So he he was trying to get Travis to cooperate with something that he thought was going to make him both a lot of money, but uh, Travis was not having it, and for some reason Travis uh, wanted everyone to see this exchange. This took place uh, in June of 2012. So, so more infighting among the Anti-UB forces I wish everybody would stop the infighting I know it's not going to stop But I I wish everyone would just kind of uh, Put all that aside And and go toward one goal You know I I don't make a a secret Of the fact that I'm a Republican But uh, The last time the party was really really successful Was 1994 Even though a Democrat was in the White House uh, in 94, they had a highly successful midterm election because uh, they united. And the Republican Party is anything but united now. And until they unite, until they stop the infighting, until they put their differences aside and look at what their common ground is, they're going to keep losing. Simple as that. So I think it would serve the entire anti-UB community to... Stop uh, fighting with one another But that's a lot easier said than done I mean people could tell me to stop fighting With people that uh, I don't like But it's a hell of a lot easier To say You're going to do that than actually do it In the chat room um, Bobby Orr saying A non-disclosure agreement is not valid To cover criminal activity That's true But uh Sometimes it can be a gray area Where it's not directly criminal activities But you'd be revealing some things that are criminal Some things that aren't And then you can get in all kinds of civil trouble For violating it Where you could be sued for a ton of money So uh, I have to imagine the reason Travis went silent was that he did sign Some sort of non-disclosure agreement And I'd be surprised if it expired already But there must be some reason why now he's coming out With all this stuff all at once Everything Travis does is for a reason And while I have still yet to ascertain his exact guilt in the entire UB situation um, I I don't believe that he just randomly picks times to release these things And I I think some of the flimsy reasons he provides for why he releases these things at the time he does Are just flimsy reasons And in reality are probably selfish reasons But we do still want to see these things So I encourage him to keep releasing this stuff he did actually send me the Neo Neo hand histories himself And it seems to uh, want to have a dialogue with me So we'll see what he will tell me and send me And uh, I'll try to get that dialogue going I was very busy last week though, could not do it Let's see if there's anything else on our agenda before we end the show 
No. I did everything. It's all done. And it only took four and a half hours. What a quick show. Of course, three plus of it was on the Rich Muni debate. So, for those of you that like a long, detailed debate, you probably loved it. For those of you that found it to be a little bit too much, you probably hated it. But you can't love everything on this show. I try to have a wide variety of things. Some appeal to some people more than others do. And uh, with you to appeal to few people is when I end the show. Everyone wants these shows to be longer. Because uh, a lot of people listen to this show as they do things that uh, take a very long time, like uh, get through an entire workday, take long drives, uh, play long sessions of poker. And in that case, you, you do probably want a 9 or 10 hour show. But, you know, I can't do a 9 or 10 hour show. I, I have my limitations. Anyway. But I'm happy to have everybody here. I'm hoping Brandon will be back next week or the week after. He is officially on hiatus. And uh, I do hope he returns, especially for the entertainment aspect of the show. It's much better to have a partner. And Brandon's very good at that stuff. Whenever he's here, he comes up with a lot of great ideas. Even some of the segments I do myself, like some of the prank calls myself, are actually his idea. So he still has a lot to do. So someone's suggesting Rich Muni for co-host. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you want me and Rich Muni together. The show will never end. Anyway, we will be back next week, as usual, on February 26th, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Congratulations once again to Bonnet for winning the free roll this week. Hello. Uh, I want to warn everybody there will be a week where there will be no show. It's a little bit in the future now, but the week of March 12th there will be no show. I will be at a very secret location where I can't do the show, but uh, it will return again on March 19th, and we will have a regular scheduled show on March 5th. So, Bonet's, uh, who, who uh, was a dealer last year at the World Series, is going to deal in 2013. You know, hey, he said he'll call in next week, maybe we'll have him on here. I always like to hear the dealer's perspective of the game, since I only see it from the player's side. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This will be up in the archives. We had no technical fail tonight. How about that? Shalom. <laughs>